From 1981, Foreigner, that's waiting for a girl like you. 
I was reminded of that song because I've been watching Stranger Things on Netflix, which is more than a year old, but I just got around to finally watching it. It was on this show that someone called in and suggested that I watch it because I'm a big fan of the 1980s. And this show takes place in 1983. And in fact, they do a great job with the 1980s setting. A lot of shows that take place in the 80s, they're pretty lazy about the hairstyles, about the look, about the cars. A lot of times you see it and you don't even realize you're watching something that's supposed to be taking place over 30 years ago. But they did a great job with this show. Unfortunately, like most things on Netflix, there are not many episodes in a season. So there's only eight episodes. I've watched six so far. And the good thing about starting this late is that season two, which usually you have to wait more than a year to see, is coming up very soon in October. So I'm not quite done yet, but I've been watching it with Benjamin's mom, and we've both been enjoying the show very much. So especially if you remember the 80s, watch Stranger Things. But if you don't remember the 80s, you're one of the younger listeners, uh, you don't have to remember the 80s to appreciate the show. It's not really about the 80s. It just takes place then. So anyway, welcome to Poker Fraud Alert Radio. This is the Druff and Friends show. I am Todd Dandruff Wittellis. This is being broadcast live and recorded live on September 6th, 2017. The time at this moment is 8.29 p.m. Pacific Daylight Time. Of course, you can always catch this in the archives. That's where most of you get this show. You're not listening live if you're the vast majority of listeners, if you're one of them. But uh, I appreciate all the live listeners who join me as I record this, and, and those who catch it later, including Benjamin's mom. She catches it later. She listens to every show now, which I, I really like. So anyway, we have a free roll starting in 10 minutes that I want to let you guys know about, and then we'll go through our usual intro stuff. We should have Cal Watt back this week, which is very nice, and Trader Ruski will return once again to co-host the show. The free roll this week is almost $75. It's $74.67. reason we have such a strange number is just because of what was donated. So I'm not donating the money. It, actually, last week I did donate money, but usually I don't donate money. This week I'm not donating money. And this week we got $40 from Reno, $16 from Disposition, and $18.67 from V12CL. So that breaks down into a... Prize pool of $74.67, which is distributed as follows. First place will get $38. Second place will get $20. Third place will get $10.67. And fourth place will get $6. So that's $38, $20, $10.67, and 6 are the four prizes we are giving away. You need to know the rules before playing as far as qualifying for the free money. Go to PokerFraudAlert.com slash free roll. That's all lowercase, exactly as it sounds, pokerfraudalert.com slash freeroll to understand the rules for qualifying for the free money, which I can pay you in many ways, including Bitcoin, cash, check, and even other methods that I'm not disclosing out here, but you might be able to guess. So you can PM me Dan Space Druff on the forum or email me dandruff at pokerfraudalert.com if you are a winner in this free roll. You have to finish the top four spots this week to be this week to be a winner. Poker Fraud Alert has given away more money in our free rolls than any poker podcast or radio show in existence. We really have. We've given away five figures. Slowly. I mean, usually it's uh, two figures each week, sometimes three, but it's added up over the five and a half years of the existence of this show. 
And I appreciate very much that almost all of that money has come from the listeners, the very generous listener base that we have. It takes place at 8.40 p.m. Pacific Time on the No Fraud Online Poker Room, which you can find near the top of the screen on PokerFraudAlert.com. And if you don't get in there in eight minutes, because it starts in eight minutes, but if you don't get there in eight minutes, don't panic. You have 25 more minutes to late register, and you start with a full stack. So late registration until 9.05 Pacific Time. It is no limit hold'em as it usually is. Though maybe next week I'll change it up some. We have other games we can offer and occasionally do offer, but usually it's no limit hold'em because that's what most of you are used to. So, that is the free roll. And go play it if if you like playing it. <laughs> if you want to call into the show this week, the phone number is 775-FRAUD-55. 775-372-8355. You can also call the Mount Charleston line. The Mount Charleston line is located in a cabin in Mount Charleston. Mount Charleston is about 45 minutes away from Las Vegas by car. It's about 30 degrees cooler usually than Vegas is, so it's a nice place to go to escape the heat. And if you check my Twitter, which is at Todd Wittelis, that's Todd, W-I-T-T-E-L-E-S, you will see that I posted, or was it, was it on that? Maybe it's the Poker, no, you know what? It was the Poker Fraud Alert Twitter. We have a Poker Fraud Alert Twitter, which is at Poker Fraud Alert, and you will see that we posted, now, now I'm doubting myself. Now I've got to go back and look. Now I've got to go back and look. Yeah, it was actually on my own personal Twitter. I should have done it from the Poker Fraud Alert Twitter, but uh, I didn't. But the at Todd Wittellis Twitter, you can see a female listener who's never called into the show before sent me a picture of a sign that she stood in front of at Mount Charleston. In fact, it mentioned the Mount Charleston cabin on there. So there's more female listeners than I realize. Actually, an attractive female listener, too. So I I actually tweeted that one out. You can take a look at that, and you can kind of see... the setting of Mount Charleston in the background. Calwatt, hello. How you doing, Druff? I'm glad to have you back. So, so last week uh, you fell asleep before we got going. Is that true? Uh, well, I mean, I was awake for the free roll, but I was already really tired, and there was just no way. Like, I had to get up super early the next morning. Yeah. It just wasn't going to happen. I understand. <laughs> I understand. And you've, you've gone above and beyond as far as making it to this show at inconvenient times, so... Yeah, one week you're too tired and just want to go to sleep. I, I can't blame you. Well, I had to drive early the next morning in New York City, man. I know. I'm, I'm not blaming you. Okay, so let's, <laughs> let's put on uh, the person who was your replacement last week, who actually was the uh, the main co-host. It, uh, usually he's there in the background making tea and chiming in with the occasional comment, but last week he had to do more. Last week he had to... be the other person here, since it was just me and then him. Actually, I'm not even sure if he's there. I'm trying to add him. I'm talking about Trader Ruski. And it's showing he's, like, away from the keyboard, so he's probably not going to answer. So this is going to be anticlimactic. Oh, wait, here he is. Good. I, I, shouldn't have, I shouldn't have set up the failure until it actually failed. Trader Ruski, hello. Had to mute everything. No, I picked up. I'm, I'm glad you're here. I... I as soon as I started connecting you, I saw a little orange thing, meaning you're not there. I'm like, oh, no. Why, why did I announce your – I knew you'd be here eventually, but I was like, why am I announcing it, and then you're not going to be here, and it'll sound stupid. So glad to have you guys here. Uh, Trader Risky, thank you again for joining us, and Cal Watt, and we, we have the usual gang together. 
that we've come to expect in 2017. So, let's see what else I have in the agenda before we get going. Oh, of course, the call to listen line. I can't forget that. The call to listen line is... I can just take a nap for the next hour or so. No, I'm I'm speeding through this. I'm trying to make it fast. (laughs) I'm trying to cut down on the intro time. The call to listen line, which I, I, I can't cut this part. I just can't leave the call to listen line out of the program because it's uh, I have such pride in it. It would I'd feel empty if I did a show without mentioning it. The call to listen line is a number you can call to listen to the show. It's not a call in line. You can't speak to us, but you can listen to the live show or you can listen to reruns that will stream. It'll pick random reruns from our library of more than 240 shows that we've done and stream those as if they're live when we're not on. And then pick another one when that's over and do that repeatedly until we come back on the air. It's a very simple concept. You just call up a phone and you listen. And you can do it from any phone in the world that can dial. That's all you need. You don't need a smartphone. You don't need a data plan. There's no app needed. You don't need a computer. You don't need the internet. No, 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 no. Any phone in the world. 712-775-8162. 712-775-8162 is the call to listen line. There's no buffering. There's none of that nonsense. It's so easy to listen using the call to listen line. I'm not sure. Did I give out the Mount Charleston number? I think I mentioned Mount Charleston, but I forgot to give the number. Okay, that number is 702-430-1808. 702-430-1808 is the Mount Charleston line to call into the show. I know I'm all over the place here. And if you want to chat in the chat room... You can do so at any time during the live show. Just click on the chat button near the top of the screen. And you need a Flash-enabled device and a form account in good standing. You can go in there and chat with other listeners as the live show progresses. Don't bother going in if you're not listening live, because there will be nobody to chat with. You'll be talking to yourself. Which you can do if you want, though. I'm not opposed to that. You just... uh, I just don't think it'll be too rewarding. So... Let me give you the agenda for this week, and then we will get going. See, it hasn't been too long. This, uh, I think we've been on the agenda about only about like nine minutes so far. It's pretty good. So I, I finally got to listen to that show. Yes. While, while I was hiking where, uh, you know, we had the, the booty call incident. Yes. You were talking about three minutes? What are you, what are you kidding me? I thought we already addressed this. <laughs> No, I mean, here's the thing. Like like I said, you can barely get upstairs in that time, but also, you know, it's not you know, there's a there's a little bit of a uh, foreplay, a little lead up to all this thing, you know? I didn't know. I, I mean, thought if your if your uh girlfriend is listening, I mean, she must be rolling her eyes when she hears that. Well, no, I know? don't I don't take 3 minutes, but I don't know about you. Some guys just just want to get it done and and just go up and don't need any foreplay with someone they've been with for many years and they just they just go right at it and it's over in 3 minutes and they come back down. Now, I had a feeling you would not do that because uh it would look bad on the show. It would look bad for uh, you. Forget look. You know, it, it, I don't care, you know? I'm an old guy, like it makes no it makes no difference. I don't care what anyone thinks about anything like that, but you, you know, you got to you got to get the engine lubricated before you pull the cord to okay, start I, it up. You know I, what I mean? I, I'm sure your wife is glad about that. It's just uh, some guys, after they've been with the same woman for a long time, they don't feel like putting that level of effort in. So I've just I I thought it's possible. I don't consider it effort. <laughs> you know what I mean? I well, mean they, this is uh, this is all about enjoying it. I know, you know? Well, but but some see, 
some guys, and I'm not one of them, by the way, so I'm not talking about myself here, but there are some guys who don't enjoy that aspect of it. They just want to get uh, to the main event, so to speak. They don't want to do the preliminaries. Okay? So if they, all you're doing is going up there and sticking it in, I mean, you're just masturbating with someone else's body. Well, I'm telling you, there's some guys that do that, especially with a, a woman they've been with a long time. They just kind of want to do that. And I, I don't, that's not my approach, but I, I didn't know if it was yours. But now we know. But you know what I mean? Like, yeah. if, if all you're going to do is stick it in, why not just, like, get a ripe cassava melon and just, screw, uh, you know, fuck that? No, I agree. Yeah. I don't find that very satisfying either, but I, I didn't know. I, not everybody's like me. So, all righty. So, uh, here's the agenda. The credit card deposit skimming story, which I covered last week, there's an update to it, and it turns out that Bovada is not the only room that is dogged by credit card processor skimming issues. It's become a big problem, and I'm going to tell you why you should not be using credit cards to deposit to any online gaming sites at this time. Speaking of bet online. They are accused of canceling winning prop bets having to do with politics, where basically when the bet wins, they find an excuse to cancel it, and then, of course, they don't pay you, but if you lose the prop bet, then they take your money. So that's... I haven't verified this, but uh, I believe it. I will read the report about this. It's pretty damning, and you always have to watch out with these online uh, bookmakers when you make a prop bet that may not be super well-defined. You may expect them to add to act fairly, but often they don't. So we'll talk about what was happening with that. William Kasuf was on live at the bike, and he did a massive slow roll with a massive hand with a massive in a massive cooler situation that has everybody talking. So I'll play you some clips from that, and we'll discuss whether Kasuf was being a complete jerk or whether he was doing something entertaining that wasn't all that bad, or if it was both. Wait, wait, wait. So you're saying Kasuf was being a douchebag? Yeah, I, 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 I knew you'd be shocked by that story. But that, uh, That's almost as crazy as Kate Hall you know, doing something to get attention. I, <laughs> I don't believe it. It's impossible. <laughs> well, you know, when, when you watch TV or a movie, usually you're watching good guys versus bad guys. There's, there's a hero you're supposed to be rooting for and identifying with. There's the bad guy that you're supposed to root to suffer or fail. Uh, it's not often that you actually see a story, I'm talking about fictional stories now, where there's two bad guys going at it. Or if there are, it's usually like a, a side story. And to be honest, in real life, it doesn't happen all that often either. Sometimes it does. Like think about gang wars and stuff like that. But uh we have our own little uh, poker scammer gang war, except uh, the gang is like a one-man gang in both cases. Tam Wen, who was on our show defending Jow Poker, so the shady Jow Poker manager Tam Wen is in battle with shady full-flesh affiliate John Conatron Brown, who we've also talked about on the show. He hasn't come on here. He refuses to come on here. But uh, So we have uh, John Brown, who helped the full-flesh scam uh, become much bigger than it was. He aided and abetted that scam knowingly. And we have Tam Wen, who is very, very much pushing Jow Poker, which doesn't seem to be a very uh, honest sight. They're in battle with one another. So we'll talk about this, uh, the battle of the shady poker affiliates. America's Card Room, they're a victim of something shady. Uh, they've been DDoS attacked again. 
and they had to cancel the tournament series. If you think we've heard, you, you think we've uh, covered this story before, you think this is an old story. It's not. It's a new story of something that happens to them repeatedly. But their response to it is a bit odd. So we'll talk about America's Card Room and their chronic victimhood with uh, DDoSing. Doug Polk is back in the poker news. He has issued a challenge to Tom Dwan. He's issued a challenge to play heads up for a lot of money. One million dollars. Actually, that's not true. He offered to play heads up for much more than that. He actually wants to play Tom Dwan heads up for... One hundred billion dollars. Gentlemen, silence. No, it's actually between that. Five million dollars. That's what the challenge is. The Durr Challenge 2, I guess, in a different way. So, Druff, really, what's the difference between this... And hashtag King challenging him? Uh, not very much, actually. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, they, neither one was ever going to happen, and they're both clearly being done for publicity. Well, see, now you're ruining the segment. I, I, I was waiting oh. for the segment itself to talk about it. Okay. Oh, but, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm spoiler, just going to shut up and let you... Reverse, spoil, rever, reverse spoiler alert. If you, if you somehow didn't hear the last 30 seconds, don't go back and listen to it. Okay. A radio listener brought a story to me about something he experienced in a card room. He was playing a tournament, and he tried to stall the bubble. Not stall to uh, get past the bubble, but actually to stall and make the bubble last longer because he liked the way the play was going prior to the bubble. He did this, and it caused a lot of controversy. So I'm going to read his description of what occurred, which I believe, by the way. And we're going to discuss whether he was right or wrong and whether the player's reaction to him were right or wrong. And these actually can be two different things. You know, he could be right, but the player's reaction can be right too. So we'll talk about that odd situation. This is a listener who goes by A Hoosier A. So someone likely from Indiana. Phil Galfond has announced further delays for his Run It Once online poker site. Now, I'm not talking about Run It Once, the training site. I'm talking about the online poker site that he is attempting to get going and has been attempting for a while. He gave an update announcing further delays. So I'll talk a bit about that. And that story especially interests me because I offered to work for this site at one point and was kind of turned down. So I'll recap what had happened with my offer to work for them and read Phil Galfon's announcements. And, uh, of course, of course we'll talk about, uh, what that means. But I have to say, even though I have nothing against Phil Galfon and he was very polite in our dealings back and forth, there is some satisfaction one gets when you offer to work for someone for their company. They say, no, 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 we don't need you. And then they seem to fail and you go, Hmm, I wonder if it could have been different. I wonder if it could have been different for them. Ultimate Poker, I could have worked for them. and I, I doubt I could have saved them, but uh, because there's, their ills seem to be mainly uh, upper management problems, and I could not have fixed that. But uh, when they failed, I kind of felt the same way. But uh, Run It Once Poker has not failed yet, but uh, it also hasn't even started, which is worse than failing. Well, no, it's actually not worse than failing. It's... Uh, it's a different form of failure. Unless it gets started later and becomes a huge success, which I don't think it will. The Global Poker League 
has added a new portion to their, I don't know, product. Their, I, I can't call it, call it a tour because they're not really going anywhere. But uh, there's kind of a, a new league. There is the original Global Poker League. Apparently there was one in China they did too, which I didn't even know about. And now they have added the Global Poker League India. <laughs> now, wait a minute. You may think India. That's an interesting idea. Like a billion people there. That's not a bad idea. When's the last time you guys remember playing against Indian poker players? I don't mean Indian American poker players. I mean Indian poker players who live in India. How many of them are there? Like like back in the day on Poker Stars, how often did you see someone from uh, New Delhi? How often did you see someone from Bombay or Mumbai? I know that's the same thing. How often did you see that? Probably like never. So as far as I know, India does not really have a poker market despite a very large population. But uh, somehow Global Poker, they think it's a good idea to add India to the roster. So we'll talk about that uh, pretty laughable story and again wonder where that money is coming from to fund this thing. Just when you think Global Poker League and Index are pretty much down for the count, they somehow uh, get up off the floor and continue. Poker Go, which is really attempting to stay relevant after the World Series is over, they're, they're going to add a prop bet show to its lineup called Major Wager. It's a show about prop bets. And will feature some of the hidden owners of Poker Go including Daniel Negreanu and Antonio Esfandiari. PayPal, I'm going to update the PayPal story we had. Uh, you know, we talked in previous shows about Global Poker and how they've been using PayPal. I'm not going to talk about Global Poker this week, but I want to talk about PayPal in general that seems to be allowing legal gambling transactions to be processed on their site. Now, not all legal gambling transactions, but specific ones that they have pre-approved. They are allowing now, which is a departure from their previous policy. And there's a new poker site called uh, NLOP Poker that is now using PayPal for gambling transactions. So I'm going to talk about uh, what PayPal's position seems to be and why I still believe this is going to crash down and be a big failure, ultimately. PokerStars has allowed multiple entries and multiple winnings of satellite seats to the same event. I'm not talking about multi-accounting. I'm saying like you, if you win a seat to a certain event, they don't say, okay, well, now you can't play the satellite again. They let you play as much as you want. And then even though you can't enter the tournament more than once, you know, I'm, I'm talking about the, the one you win the seat to, then they'll give you compensation in other ways, such as tournament dollars or cash. They are finally putting an end to that practice. Once you win a seat to an event through a satellite on PokerStars, you can no longer play that satellite until that event is over. I'm going to tell you why they're doing that and what I think of that decision. Finally, this is not a poker story, but it's a gambling story and also a scamming story. Craig Carlton of Boomer and Craig, which is a sports radio show that's been running on New York station WFAN, which is a big sports station in New York. It's been running for about a decade, this uh, Boomer and Craig show. Boomer is a uh, Boomer Esiason. Craig Carlton was busted 
in a Ponzi scheme, like a $5.7 million Ponzi scheme that was only meant to pay off his gambling debts. So this wasn't even to enrich himself. This was to try to get himself out of the gambling hole. A major Ponzi scheme, and uh, needless to say, I I don't think Boomer and Craig will be continuing. So we'll talk about that at the end of the show, or at least I will. Calwatt may be asleep by then, and Trader Ruski may have have drunk uh, one too many cups of tea and may be out as well. But I will cover it. Speaking of that, Druff, I I got a slight cold. I don't know if you can hear it. No, not really. And I'm medicating with some cognac. Mm. So we're going to see... How far down I get in this bottle before I fall over? Okay. <laughs> I will say you, you seem to hold your liquor pretty well, though, because you've, you've drank before during this show, and then I, I have not noticed the difference. We, we have some yeah, people that I, call the show. I that, don't, I don't, I'm, a, I'm a very pleasant drunk. Yeah, we've had some people who call the show and either are incoherent or are angry or are both when they call. I've had to ban a lot of people from calling drunk here because even people I like – because they just, uh, it's very hard to deal with them. And then I'm afraid to like hang up on them. Like someone I like that, that's been on the show before that calls in that uh, we want to talk to, then they call in drunk and they're very obnoxious and they're, they're hard to follow and they don't make good radio. I want to just like hang up immediately, but I, I don't want to piss them off because they've been on the show before and people like their appearances, so I don't want to alienate them. So it's, it's a tough situation when a drunk calls in who at other times contributes well to radio but i'm glad i don't have that with you i'm glad i don't have to decide whether to hang up on you or not you just you you just kind of go away on your own when it's time yep so all right uh speaking of someone who likes to call in drunk let's take this call before we begin since we took a took some crazy calls last week let's take a crazy call this week uh hello hey yes yes hi Hey, I'm reporting live from South Florida. Hurricane update for your show. Really? So why don't you identify yourself, who you are? People are familiar with you, or at least some of them are. Uh, this guy is what? Reporting live from South Florida. Okay, you're, you're in South Florida. Now, why didn't you leave? Why are you hanging out there for Hurricane Irma that's going to come and uh, probably be damaging and, and perhaps dangerous? Would you leave? If, if it was dangerous, yes. In fact, I was – you know where the, the, the hurricane came to Texas, you know, Houston, Beaumont, that area? I was there at that exact date nine years ago when another hurricane hit, a hurricane that was called Gustav, and I did evacuate. It, w- it was tough because the person I was with, their, their vehicle broke down, and I thought we were going to be stuck there. And we actually had to borrow mm-hmm. a vehicle from someone else. And yes, I evacuated. I did. I did not hang around to wait to see uh, see the hurricane. I have a car. I could. I, I guess I could leave. <laughs> I, I just don't know. Well, have you? Fo- I haven't followed I mean, the danger to Florida. So how how dangerous are they claiming it's going to be to where you are? Some say very dangerous. In others, I mean, it's it's really hard to tell. I mean, I mean, you aren't you worried? Aren't you worried looking at, a lot, but aren't you worried looking at the footage from the, the Hurricane Harvey in Texas? What happened there? Aren't you worried this will happen to you? No, that 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 leads me to believe it's a media hoax right there. What? I mean, a media hoax? Uh, that was all real. Was on, no, there was no hoax there. I mean, that was real uh, damage and destruction. 
No, I'm not, Todd. I mean, come on. I'm not saying that. Don't be ridiculous. I'm not saying that what happened in Texas was a media hoax. I'm saying that they're playing on, you know, it makes people very worried when you just had a major hurricane a week or two ago, a few states over. I mean, it, it does make you worried. But, um, I mean, the media has been crazy in South Florida with so, what so, they're saying. So, so you think the I media mean, is, is overblowing it because everyone's paying attention now because of the previous hurricane? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, and you, yeah, yeah. You knew that's what I was saying. You wanted to be funny for your show. That's fine. <laughs> so, okay. So, so what's the update right now? Is is it raining there? What, what's what's happening right now? It, it rained a little earlier, but I mean, it's a drizzle. I was at the beach earlier today. I was playing with my dog at the beach. It was hmm. fine. Okay, but it's, the, it, it the hasn't, grocery stores have been really crazy though. But it hasn't it really come here. I mean, if it, there was ever a real problem, the grocery stores. You don't know how crazy they would be. Um, yeah, I, I know that people go into a panic and that, that's why it's better to just leave. You have leave. to fight for water. You have to fight for water in yeah. South Florida. That's, that, that's, that's why I would just leave. That's why I wouldn't hang out there. Well, I, just... I mean, Todd, you know, the, the roads are overcrowded. The, the, they're running out of gasoline on the roads. Hmm. I mean, I, I live in a, I live on a condo building. I, I think it's well constructed. I'm touching the wall right now. It seems firm. <laughs> <laughs> the windows, the windows. I mean, there was Hurricane Matthew last year. It was a complete hoax, uh, uh, hyped by the media. I just got drunk and I slept through. I slept like a baby. My I have hurricane windows on my apartment. Slept like a baby. Didn't disrupt my sleep at all. Woke up early in the morning and took my dog out. Well, you know what the problem is, though. Branches. I, I understand the point what? you're making. I understand the point you're making that the media can overblow this to get ratings. But the problem is, when there really is a very dangerous hurricane coming, you're not going to know the difference. That's why you have to be cautious. I mean, I think it's going to be pretty serious, don't you? Yeah, I, I, I see. Well, it depends on some factors, but it definitely has the potential to be a serious hurricane. So that's why... I think it's going to go a little east off the coast, is my prediction. A little east off the coast, I think... There will be tropical force winds. If you've ever been to tropical force winds, they're bad. But, I mean, it's not the end of the world. You're not going to be, like, crying. You won't be crying from fear. Mm. It's just very windy. Well, there's some, a lot of rain. Where, where I am, there there basically can't be a hurricane. So I don't have to worry about that. Earthquakes, yes. Hurricanes, no. But I, I don't want to be in one. I, I don't want that. That's why I really, really wanted to get out of town when that Gustav was coming in texas in 2008 so all right well uh all right thank I, you for the update let, let us know if, if anything night. further all happens right. thank you good night yeah i'll report live from the scene if there's anything interesting yes okay See you later all right thank you we're gonna get someone killed here they're gonna he's, he's gonna stick around just to report from the scene and then we're gonna hear him get washed away and that'll be it that right. could produce some good read ratings though yeah, it could it could then i can call cnn or something and tell them hey Poker Fraud Alert Radio had someone swept away by floodwaters live. And then they'll play the clip. It's a courtesy Poker Fraud Alert Radio. And then people are all around the country will say, oh, Poker Fraud Alert Radio, what is that? And they'll turn it on, and we'll probably lose about two-thirds of the listeners in the intro. But the point is we'll get some new listeners. Yeah, or if you can get some pictures, you can put the little PFA watermark on it. That's right, we can. See if you can get them onto some channels. Okay. All right. One step is just hammering here just with different phone numbers. He, he thinks they're forgetting the phone numbers he calls from. One step, uh, what, what would you like to say? Well, what's going on, Jeff? Um, 
Uh, I just wanted to to uh, let everyone know uh, that um, tomorrow starts the Borgata Poker Open. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are still 11 shares uh, available. Left. How, how many did you sell? Um, hold, on, hold on. How many did you sell? There's 11 left, but did you sell one? Like, <laughs> how many were you selling in the first place? Yeah. No, the, the, I, I, on the site, six. You sold six on the site, and the total of all the shares you sold to third parties, how many have been sold? No, six total. Six total. Okay, so there's not, so not, I, I sold, there's not, sold, high, not high demand yes, here. Yes, I sold, I sold half. Mm-hmm. I sold half uh, of my action, which was 850 and there are seventeen fifty dollars shares, so that that comes out to, um, yeah. So um, yeah, that that's 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 about it. Um, I also have a, a challenge for Tom Duan. Um, uh, would you okay. like to hear this challenge? No, but go ahead. <laughs> okay. No, I mean, listen. If if you're not if you're not, well, yeah, it's up to you. If you if you want if you want to say it, go ahead. <laughs> Okay, anyway, um, yeah, and uh, that's, that's about it. So, yeah. Um, yeah, so so if anyone wants to uh, uh, invest, um, definitely do that. Oh, and, and speaking of, of the radio show, um, if you'd like, to, you know, if I run deep in the tournament, uh, hit me up on PFA. We could talk about sponsorship opportunities and, and things like that. Well, that's nice. You, you see, if you run deep, you'll sponsor the show. That's great. Thank you. Sure. Absolutely. <laughs> okay. Uh, by the way, one step was cleared by Brandon. Brandon came out on the forum and said one step did nothing wrong. So I guess, uh, I guess one step, it was okay. That's uh, now you know why I was laughing the entire time, right? Well, I uh, no, I don't actually. I could see you actually doing something wrong and laughing about it. That's actually what I believed at the time, but. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's 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 called leveling. But Brandon that's actually came, Brandon I, came out and and said that One Step did nothing wrong, that they had an agreement, that the agreement was kept to, and that was that. That there's there's no fault on One Step's part. So that's uh, I just wanted to update yeah. anyone who listened to last week's uh, back and forth between him and Scott from the East Coast. Okay, well thank you One Step, or you should be thanking well, one me. One thing before, yes. before I go. One thing before I go. Actually, my my birthday is is next week. So if you wanted to give me a present. Uh, investing in one of these shares might might be on one of those uh, type of ideas. Mm-hmm. Zero point <laughs> zero. Okay, that's the end of one step. Can you guys hear the sound effects? By the way, I can hear. Good. Right. So far, so yep. good. So I, since he laughed, I knew he could hear it. Okay, so that was one step. People love just hammering me with calls at the beginning of the show. And it, I really wish the calls happened kind of throughout because I feel anxiety that I want to begin. I feel like there's people who listen who just want to hear the topics and don't want to hear this this craziness. But, uh, you know, that's, that's the way the show goes. I just take it as it comes. Now, this, also, this person has also been hammering with phone calls. So let's see who this is. I don't know who this is. Caller, you're on the air. Caller, Hello. Yeah, well, calls can't happen throughout because your fucking phone shit don't work, man. Bad guy, hello. It must be a new phone number. I don't recognize this phone number. Shut the fuck up. It's no new phone number. Your shit don't work, man. Your phone numbers don't work. I call, I keep getting a British chick. Then I get your dumb ass being all serious. This is the call to fucking line, whatever the hell it says. Well, we're, we're taking other calls. Well, that's the point. your girlfriend on the motherfucking answering machine, man. She's there. It's some, somehow, I don't know why you're getting the other things. There's actually... There's, there's some British chick that comes on there. I'll have to look into that. No, I just wanted to call and see when CMLK's picks were coming off. 
The gay Canadian. That's what I'm here for. Yeah, I don't know. Team MLK. I need to make money, man. I'm in the fucking debt, dude. I owe child support. Okay. Team MLK, he, he's been saying on the forum that he's selling picks. And then he, he went crazy. He wanted to, he wanted me to give him a custom title. And he when I wouldn't respond to him, he hammered the forum with like six junk threads. And I had to post restrict him down to four posts. And since then, I think he's insulted and won't post Listen. again. This is what happens when you let the gay fucking Canadians run wild and get on the radio and host with you. This is what happens. They think they own the fucking place. Well, I showed you can't him. let this happen. I didn't. I showed him. I, I post-restricted him, so I, I didn't let him run the place. <laughs> so so I, I think he got insulted. No, he hasn't. Calling, no, your shit's fucked up, though, man. I'm serious. I called like ten times. Okay. No, I saw. I, I saw your calls. Then I get you sometimes. I saw your calls. I didn't know it was you. I didn't recognize the phone number, but I was. I was taking other calls. So I, you know, I took you and. Uh, so okay, so what, what's what's going on here? You still in a residential Nothing, neighborhood? I'll call back later. You okay. said you wanted to take other calls through the shot. I just wanted to make tell you your shit's fucked up. Okay, well thank you. I'll I'll look All right, into that. You're welcome. Right, thank you. Make sure your girlfriend gets on that motherfucking voicemail, man. I'm sick of this shit. You who's this poker fall or blah blah blah. <laughs> you sound like a fucking robot on there. Well, I don't know why you want to hear my girlfriend so badly. Because I like her voice, man. Get her on there. Oh boy. Peace. It's probably better he listens to me. All right, this is what I have to deal with every week. So I want to talk about something else I've been dealing with lately, and that's the credit card deposit skimming issue. Now, I made three deposits on, like, August 26th and 27th. Or actually, a little bit before that, too. I, I made a deposit to bet online to bet on the Mayweather fight. I made a deposit onto Bovada also to bet on the Mayweather fight, but then I decided I... They have me down on Bovada as a sharp sports better, which means they give me a different set of lines, which can be good and bad, depending on which side I want to bet on. But on this, in this particular case, it was bad because uh, the Mayweather line was worse than what I saw before I logged in. So, like, you, I look on Bovada, I see the line, I log in, I see a different line. Because there are there's two sets of lines on Bovada. There's the line they give to most people, and then there's the ones that they classify as the sharp sports bettors. And when I say sharp, it doesn't mean that you're necessarily a winner. It just means that they see that you tend to take the uh, what's known as the sharp action. So they, they have classified me as that, which again is good and bad depending on which side I'm going to want. Anyway, I ended up not using it for that. I used it for poker, which they just added back there. I promptly lost that $500 very quickly. Uh, reloaded, and uh, then ran it up somewhat. I mean, I haven't been crushing, but I, I've, I've run it up somewhat. So, at the moment, uh, I actually have yeah, somewhat of a bankroll on there, but I'm one like bad session away from being busto again on there. So is the life of online poker these days. So anyway, the reason I'm mentioning this is because I used credit cards for these deposits. And as I may have mentioned last week... I use credit cards with a high fee. Not the credit cards themselves, but the sites charge a high fee. Gone are the days when they would just eat the fees on their own. Now they charge you a fee. They're basically passing along their processor's charges to you. So on Bovada, it's 5.9%, which is a pretty steep fee. And on Bet Online, it's like six point, uh, it's like low sixes, 6.1 or something like that. So pretty steep fees, to be honest, and I hate them. You guys know how I hate fees. You know, you guys know what a cheap Jew I am and how, how much it must hurt me to deposit and pay fees. 
And I had everybody ask me, well, why didn't you use Bitcoin? Well, I didn't use Bitcoin because I didn't have any, and it's not easy to get them. And I could, yes, I could get Bitcoin by buying them on Coinbase or something and waiting a week for them to show up, but I, I wanted them then. I, I wanted to deposit and bet and deposit and play right then. And the only way to do that instantly was with a credit card. So I decided to eat the fees. Fine. Okay, I'm not complaining about that. That was my choice. I didn't have to do that. However, what I am complaining about is the fact that they use these shady Chinese processors that are actually based in China, in mainland China, and these processors skim money off the top for themselves. So, for example, the Bovada deposit, I deposited $500. The 5.9% processing fee means it's another $29.50, so I should have been charged $529.50. Instead, my credit card had a charge for $569.13. Almost a $40 difference, and that's for each one. Both of them showed up as $569.13, when they should have been $529.50, meaning I was ripped off almost $80. Now, to be clear, just like I was clear last week, Bovada is not getting this money. Bovada is not keeping this money. They They have nothing to do with this. It's their processor working on their behalf, stealing this money. Why? Because they're a shady Chinese processor and they just do what they want. Why does Bovada put up with it? Well, to put it simply, Bovada needs processors more than the processors need them. Payment processors that work with the U.S. are very hard to come by. So if Bovada leans on these processors and says, why are you doing this? Or give us the money back you skimmed, the processor will say, kiss our ass, we're not doing it. If you don't like it, drop us. So Bovada basically has to tolerate it. Much like back in the old days, processors would just steal from online poker sites and the online poker sites would just uh, eat it. <laughs> Sometimes they'd switch processors after that would happen, but they, they just folded that into the cost of doing business, all the different shady things that would happen with processors. So the processors that work with Bovada have long been skimming, and they skim in two directions. They skim from the deposit end, where you deposit and you end up getting charged more in your credit card statement than what was supposed to be charged. And they also skim from the withdrawal end, where they're sending you some kind of foreign currency by wire, and they just take a little bit off the top. Why do they think they can get away with this, aside from the reason I already stated? Well, because... When you deposit using a credit card, you know, you may deposit for 500, but do you really remember the exact amount it's going to be after fees? And how do you know your bank didn't charge some fee? Or how do you know that you didn't lose some uh, some money because of a bad conversion rate that that you were victimized by? Like like you know, there's a lot of reasons that the player can either not realize he was being skimmed from or may think it was just on the bank's end and that it wasn't even the site or the processor's fault. So and then there really are people who have uh, credit cards with things like foreign transaction fees where you do get charged more, and it's not Bovada's fault. So for all of these reasons, they feel they can get away with it. And same with the withdrawals, the, the wires, if they're, if they're wiring euros, for example, to the U.S., you will lose some in uh, when they convert the currency to U.S. dollars. So the processors figure, okay, we'll just skim a little bit more, and the person who's used to not getting what they withdraw... Uh, they'll they'll get a little bit less and they won't know the difference. So, for example, if you withdraw 9500 and you get paid in euros and then it converts to U.S. dollars and you, you know, it converts to 
9280, you're not going to know the difference if you get 9280 or 9200. Because uh, you really do sometimes get 9200 based upon uh, what happens with the conversion rate. So the processors take advantage of this because it's an unknown amount of money within reason, you know, within a small amount, that they can just take a little off the top. And that's what they were doing. So this has been going on for a while. But the credit card situation, the deposits through credit cards, has gotten especially bad recently. So as I mentioned, I made three deposits, one to bet online, two on two different days, you know, one, one day, one the next day, to Bovada. Of those three, all three of them experienced about $40 worth of skimming. Not exactly 40, but around 40. One of them was a little bit more than 40, the other two were a little less than 40. But all within a dollar of 40 on $500 deposits. You may say to me, well, how do you know you're, you're just not mistaken? How do you know it's not uh, bank charges? Maybe that's the problem. Maybe that's why it's such a similar amount. Maybe your bank is charging you some kind of fee you don't realize. No. If you use a credit card that has no foreign transaction fees, and if you verify that what is being charged to your card is what's known as a purchase and not a cash advance, which it almost always is because the only way they can hide these transactions and pretend they're not gambling is by pretending you bought something. So uh, one of the, you know, two of them are, are listed as electronics and the other thing is like department store goods. So if you're charged as a purchase and if you have no foreign transaction fees, as I do not have with my card, then you should be charged the exact amount on your credit card that they are telling you you're going to be charged. If you are charged even a penny more, then they are skimming from you. So, I mentioned this last week. And I also mentioned that my issue with them was ongoing. I wasn't going to just take it and just eat the money. I was going to demand that they give it back to me. Now, when I say give it back, I don't mean they're going to give me a refund on my credit card, because that's impossible. Because, again, the processor is the one who did this, and the processor would never give any kind of refund. So the only way I could get the money back would be for them to put that equivalent money into my Bovada account and my Bet Online accounts. So I called it Bet Online. Or sorry, I, I called it Bovada first, and they told me that I need to send them a running bank statement. I said, what is that? And they said, oh, you know, it's a statement you can generate uh, you know, with, with all the full information and the credit card number and your name and, you know, as if it's a full statement, but it's just uh, running up to today's date. I go, there's no such thing like that. You, you, you can't generate a full statement like that until the billing period's over. So I can send you a screenshot of, uh, you know, of, of the current charges and my name will be at the top of the screen, and you'll see the last four of my credit card. That'll all show on there, but you'll have to accept that. So they, they reluctantly said okay. So I sent that in, and I was told to wait 48 hours for a resolution. I made it very clear to them that I would not accept no for an answer here, that I'm not, I'm not waiting to see if they say yes or no, and if they say no, I'll go, oh, okay, okay, I guess I'll just see it. No, I, I was not going to do that. I, I told them I'm going to press very hard, and I'm not going to give up on this, and that I know it's not fees, that I, I, don't want a res- I don't want a generic response blaming it on me or my bank. That I know 100% it's skimming. That I know it's not their fault. I know their processor's doing it, but I know 100% it's skimming. So that was where I left it last week. And I had not called Bet Online yet. In fact, I hadn't even noticed the Bet Online thing yet. So since then, I noticed the Bet Online skimming. I called them. 
Very, very pleasant uh, phone call. The person listened to me. They never challenged me. They agreed he was probably skimming. They didn't say those direct words, but they said, yes, we understand. Um, we'll submit a ticket, and you should get the money back within uh, you know, s- such and such period of time, like three days or something. I said, you know, can't, can't you guys speed this up or whatever? So she said, hold on a second. She came back. Okay, I've got an approval to give it to you immediately. So immediately, the money was back in my bet online account. So props to bet online, even though I'm going to have a negative story about them after this one. Uh, in this situation, they did right. I told them about a situation they knew was going on. They didn't even make me send documentation. They said, okay, we believe you. Here's the money back. Thank you. That's all they can do. Again, I don't blame them for the fact that this happens because they don't have control over whether this happens. But the, the uh, processor is acting on their behalf, so they have to either get the money back from the processor or just eat it. It should not be me eating it. So Bet Online handled it correctly. Bovada did not. Bovada told me that uh, I have to wait. I have to let them analyze my documents. So I waited, and I waited, and I waited. Two days, three days, four days, and I heard nothing. So I called back after four days. I said, you told me to wait 48 hours. It's now been 96 hours. What is the status? Oh, okay, well, we checked. Uh, We have no answer yet. Please try back later. I said, no, 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 no. I've given it the two days. I need this to be handled now. So I told them to go to the, uh, the, the department, which is known as, known as the Financial Services Department, and see if they can get an immediate answer for them. Because you can do that. Uh, Bovada, they, they will go to that department sometimes to get an immediate answer on things where you've been waiting. That department is actually higher up on the chain in Bovada than it might sound. Financial services just kind of sounds like, oh, they process deposits and payouts. But no, that's actually kind of like middle management there. The financial services department is the same department that will suspend your account for things like multi-accounting sports, uh, bonus abuse, poker cheating, anything like that. They're, they're kind of like the, the, the managers of Bovada, not the very, very upper management, but as I said, middle management. They're, they're above those customer service reps you just call in and that are kind of clueless. They're above the supervisors of the customer service reps. They, this is that's the department that handles any like actual matters of any seriousness over there. So they told me that someone is there who will speak to me, and I said, "Okay, good." So they put me on the phone with that person. It was someone in the Philippines. It was a woman. Well, she was very obnoxious. She told me that these are bank conversion fees, and that therefore they are not refunding them to me. I said, no, 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 you're wrong. It's not bank conversion fees. And I explained to her, I said, I know exactly how all this works. I said, first of all, you're talking to a veteran of the industry. I've played online poker since 2001. I know people who've worked in the payment processing industry. In fact, uh, one of them listens to this show. He's been on the show, Chad Ellie. Okay. I said, I know all about this. I know exactly what you're doing. I know you have no control over this, but I know once it happens, you have to take care of it if you're a reputable business. And I know these were not bank conversion fees. I know that this was skimming. This was fraud. This was skimming. And I told her, the way credit cards work internationally, it's not like sending a wire. With credit cards, as soon as you make the charge, you get the exact conversion rate at the time. So there's no fee. You get the actual exact conversion rate 
which is great. That's why it's always good to take a, a credit card that has no foreign transaction fees when you travel internationally. Because you charge, and you get the exact rate of exchange. You can't do better than that. So there's no way I'm losing 8% like this to quote conversion fees when I'm using a credit card. Now, is it possible that the Chinese bank that they're using over there, is it possible that there's some fees on that end? Maybe. But that's not my problem. That was never disclosed to me. I was told I'm going to pay 5.9% in fees, and that's all I'm going to pay. I'm not going to pay 14%. I'm paying 5.9%. Now, if my bank charges me stuff separately, that's my problem. But my bank was not. My bank charged me zero fees. They did not convert anything. My bank charged it exactly as it was billed to them. And that was for $40 too much. She said, I'm sorry, it's conversion fees. We can't do anything for you. I said, what do you mean by that? Who charged the conversion fees? Are you saying it was my bank? Are you saying it was their bank? Who who charged the conversion fees? On what end was it? It, it, What what mechanism was used to charge these fees? Why are the fees 8%? Can you explain all this to me? No. What end charged the fees? I don't know, she said. I said, well, then how can you tell me these are these conversion fees? You You know nothing about them. So I told her, I know she's not telling me the truth. And I said, look, I'm not trying to get back money I lost. In fact, I'm up since I made this deposit. I'm not trying to get free money here. I just want back what was stolen from me. That's all I want. I kept repeating that to her. She didn't care. Nope, nope, nope. Denied, denied, denied. So finally, I had to throw down the gauntlet. I said, look, um, I have a poker radio show called Poker Fraud Alert Radio. I'm also a somewhat known poker player who even is on Wikipedia. Yeah, I, th- I threw the, uh, the Wikipedia in there. <laughs> I did not mention the bracelet, though. I bet you guys are picturing I mentioned the bracelet. I did not. Did not once mention having a bracelet. But I did say I'm on Wikipedia, and I did say I have this show that has a, a fairly big following. And I said, if you do not give me back this $80, I am going to make it my mission to expose how any credit cards with Bovada will result in you being cheated. And I'm going to let everyone know that BetOnline did the right thing for everybody and Bovada would not. That Bovada, their processors steal from you and Bovada will make it right. I will make that my mission to make, let the world know about this. And I said, furthermore, I know how you guys hate it when the, the processors are exposed. Like, like, they don't like you posting screenshots of the processor's name because then what happens is the government finds out and closes these down. So I said, I'm going to post the processor's name. I'm going to post every bit of information I have about any processor you use and... I'll go directly to the government and give it to them too. If you're going to cheat me, I guarantee there's going to be a lot of pain. Now, I took a bit of a risk telling them that because I, I have money on there. It's not, like I, it's not like I'm down to zero on there. I, I have thousands of dollars sitting on there right now. But I did not think that Bovada that has been around since 2000 in one form or another was going to vindictively take my money for you know, telling them I will do this. But what really... I guess uh, made an impact an impact on them was the fact that this show exists. So she says, hang on a second. And I said, well, why are you putting me on hold? She says, hang on. You want me to look into it? I said, look into what? She says, I want to look into the, the whole thing you're saying about having a Wikipedia page and having a radio show. <laughs> I said, are you serious? She said, yes. I, you, you told me to look it up. I'm going to go look it up right now. 
I said, okay, go look it up. So she put me on hold <laughs> while she went to go right. look. She went to go look up if I really have Poker Fart Alert Radio and if I really am on Wikipedia. And she came back and said, okay, we've decided to give you back the money as a one-time courtesy. But if you ever use a credit card again, and this happens again, we can't do this for you a second time. So our suggestion to you is don't use credit cards again on here if you don't want this to happen. Use Bitcoin. Do not use credit cards or this may happen to you and we're not going to do this for you a second time. So I said, well, I think that's kind of stupid actually because yeah, you guys know this is happening. I understand that's something you may not be able to control, but that's a cost of doing business. If the customer gets cheated by your processor, you just need to make it right. You should make a, a one-time exception like you're giving them a gift. But okay, okay. At least I know. At least now I know. At least now you're telling me the risk is on me to use credit cards on Bovada in the first place that I'm going to get stolen from. So, yes, I will not use credit cards on Bovada again. And I won't. I'm not kidding. (laughs) That's it. I'm not going to do it again. So, yes, they ultimately made it right, but only because I have this radio show, which is crazy. That, That was the big factor to them. They did not want this show... So if you were just some schmuck calling up, they would have just fucked you. Right, right. Just about anybody else. <laughs> Unless you've got some form, of, some form of media where people will hear you bashing them. Other you than know, just... That would have been great if she's investigating you and she just clicks on Josie Boxcock by accident. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> that, that is what happened. Fantastic. Maybe she liked Josie Boxcock, put her in a better mood. I don't know. But, yeah, this was... That was a pretty bad experience. I was I was surprised. I thought I was, this is what I thought was going to happen. I thought I was going to have to wait, maybe even more than the two days. Then they were going to send me a form letter telling me it's your bank charging the fees, blah blah blah. Then I'd have to have like a million discussions with them to finally get them to understand that I know it's not the bank on my end charging these fees. And then they'd finally back down and say, "Fine." I had no idea that they were going to get on with me and say, "Yeah, we understand what you're saying." No, no. You're not getting it. No. No. Now. Now. That's what I got. So even though Bet Online made it right quickly and did the right thing, I have to imagine if I make further credit card deposits there, they're not going to just give me the 40 bucks back every time. They didn't tell me it's a one-time thing, but I, I think they're going to tell me that next time. Next time they'll probably say, oh, we did this for you this one time, but we can't keep doing this every time. Maybe we'll do it one more. But Like... I have a feeling that their policy is not to just automatically give this every time. Otherwise, you could just call up and lie about it because they don't have access to see what you were actually charged, which is interesting. But you you'd picture you deposit to a poker site or any kind of gambling site, and they can see what you were charged on your credit card statement. No, they can't. That's why they make you send in the statement. All they can see is they submitted a certain amount to their processor, and that's all they get to see. They don't get to see what you were actually charged. Because the process is that you make a credit card deposit, let's say for $500, let's say the fee is 5.9%, makes it, makes it a total of 529.50. They go to their credit card processor. When I say they, I mean the computer does it automatically. And it says, customers requesting you know, 529.50, you know, you know, please process this. Then the processor attempts to process it. If it goes through, it sends a message back to Bovada saying, Yes, it was successful, and if so, then they give you the 500 in your account. If not, then they don't. But Bovada never gets to see what you were actually charged. They just get back a yes or a no, whether it was successful. So they know what they submitted. They don't know what you were actually charged. 
you would think it would be as simple as them just calling a representative at the processor and say, hey, what, what do you do to actually charge this guy or, or email them? But that's not how it works. They, they, just, they just don't get involved in that. Probably because the processor will say, F you, we're, we're not discussing this. So it wouldn't even surprise me if the processor itself lies to Bovada and Bet Online and whoever else and just, just pretends like it's bank fees. And then the the site repeats it. And I'm not defending Bovada on this. I mean, they've got to know. But the whole thing's a freaking mess. So anyway, my advice to everybody here is no matter how tempting it is, no matter how degenerate you feel at the moment, no matter how frustrating it is that you can't get Bitcoin on there quickly or that uh, you don't even have any Bitcoin at the moment, Really try to avoid using credit cards for deposits to online gambling sites because more and more often they're using these Chinese processors, which seem to love to skim. This is not a new issue, but it's one that's gotten much worse in recent times. So my advice to you is if you like depositing to online gambling sites, get some Bitcoin. Go on Coinbase and buy some Bitcoin, whatever. Get some Bitcoin in some way. There's various ways to get it. And then just, just sit with it. And it, it may be painful if it crashes, but uh, that's that part of the gambling. It, it may go up too. Like the, If you bought Bitcoin a year and a half ago and then went into a coma, you would have made like 10 times your money by this point. So I believe me, I, I cashed out a lot of Bitcoin a year and a half ago as I was getting it. I'd get it and I'd cash it out. If I just sat on it, I would have something like one million dollars in Bitcoin. I mentioned that in the last show, so it's a. Uh, I think you drove. I know, I know. Somebody, I, we have somebody here who has a worse story than me. I know, but uh, uh, you shouldn't say fuck me. I, I, I'm saying I have my own bad story. You, you have your story of just losing them. I have my story of selling them at at, at uh, ten times less of the rate that they are worth today. So every time you just got to stick the needle in. I'm sticking it in myself, and it's just it's bouncing off, and, and it's bouncing off and sticking it to you too. Is what's happening? No, no, you you're, you're sticking it in, and it's going in an inch or two. Me, it's going up my ass, through my colon, out my guts, into my stomach, and then out my mouth. Okay. <laughs> well, anyway, we. So yeah, I'm going to have to just sit on some Bitcoin, and just hope it doesn't crash. I'm not going to sit with massive amounts, but again, if anybody wants to sell some. Especially, like, let's say you cashed out of an online gambling site, but you're not really into the collection of Bitcoin. You just want to cash it out. Uh, contact me. You know I'm not going to rip you off. You know I'm a very, very safe person to trade with, and I'm not going to pay you a markup, but I, I will be very reliable and, and you know pay you in whatever we, way we agree I pay you, and I'll do it quickly, and you'll get your full money, and you can't much get much uh, safer and more reliable than that. And I, I'm just doing it. I like having a bankroll. It's it's stressful to play. Not just stressful, but sometimes it's actually difficult to play when you actually have to play like you're in a short stack uh, at a tournament where you may not want to make a certain move because then you may bust faster and then you won't be able to continue playing in what's good game. There's actually a quote from David Skolansky I like. I hate quoting Skolansky, but <laughs> he may, I, there's one quote that actually stuck with me over the years where he said that uh, sometimes you have to pass up a good bet today so you'll have the opportunity to make a great bet tomorrow and that's, that's referring to 
a situation like that where, where normally you would make a certain move in a game if you're short-stacked and can't reload, but, but, but you won't do it because you want to save those chips for uh, remaining in what's a very good game. That it, it'll even be more advantageous to wait and play more hands against the Mega Fish than to make uh, you know, one move on this particular hand, which may or may not work. Which yeah, over- I like. There's another quote from Sklansky that I like a little bit better. What is it? Or I think is more apropos anyway. Yes. What is it? The quote is, sometimes it's easier to pick up underage girls with special needs. <laughs> <laughs> that works too, especially if, you know, if you're having trouble in the, in the dating scene. and uh, There's always that. You know, there's always that's that option. What, that's what lions do. They pick the, the one lame gazelle that's kind of limping outside the herd. You know? <laughs> there's always that option. You can always go to the special... <laughs> There's always a special needs option if there's a... God, he's such a scumbag. So, anyway. Uh, so, let's go to uh, the next topic. I just wanted to warn everybody about that. You know, I, I had a happy ending, I guess, that I got I got the money back from Bovada and Bet Online gave it to me immediately. So, that's good. But uh, it, it does kind of suck because, like, sometimes I'm in a good game. And... I run bad and I bust and I really want the opportunity to be able to reload fast and stay in that same game. And with Bitcoin, even if I have it sitting in my Bitcoin wallet, I can't do it because it won't process fast enough. So even if I use the highest priority transaction, it won't process fast enough. And that, that's what's frustrating. So uh, it used to process faster, but nowadays it won't process fast enough. And the fees have gone pretty high too. The days of uh, the 50-cent Bitcoin fees are long over, especially for uh, large deposits. So I want to talk about uh, something else that happened with Bet Online that's not quite as positive, and that is the accusation by someone. And I, I don't know this person, so I can't say whether, whether they're reliable or not, but I think I believe the story, that they've been canceling political wagers prop bets that are winners. So this is uh, posted from Sportsbook, posted on sportsbooksreview.com. Sportsbookreview.com. This was posted. Hello all, longtime follower, first time poster. Will attempt to make this as short as I can. Bet online posted odds on the Trump-Putin meeting from last week. Uh, will Trump say such and such? Will Putin say such and such? I vote. I bet no on a variety of props. I assumed I would take my chances that the exact phrase, according to their rules, would not be set. Official rules on each bed, uh, each bet read like this: The G20 summit in Hamburg on July 7th. Donald Trump will sit down together with Vladimir Putin for a first for the first in-person bilateral meeting of the two leaders. Will will the President of the United States use the exact phrase or word listed? Must be heard clearly on live feed. So that's pretty clear. It's saying that you're betting either yes or no that Trump is going to say the following exact words and for the yes side to win, you have to hear it clearly on the live feed. So let's say you're betting on, and this wasn't one of the bets, I'm just making it up. Let's say you're going to bet on Trump saying, I'm going to make Russia great again. And on the live feed you hear, I'm going to make the great again. Well, then the no side would actually win 
because you didn't get to clearly hear, I'm going to make Russia great again. You heard, you heard I'm going to make then unintelligible, then great again. So you'd have to hear the whole phrase clearly. Otherwise, the no side wins. And that's very clear from those rules I just read from BetOnline's own site, their own rules. So this guy goes on to write, there was a clear live feed, as I'm sure nearly all of you saw. The two presidents shook hands and discussed their meetings in front of the cameras broadcasted live. Trump did the same with the other world leaders, such as Mexico and Germany. None of the words or phrases I bet no on were mentioned, so I obviously thought I won. Two days later, Bet Online canceled all of the wagers. For a couple of days, I tried to work this out with their customer service team. Bet Online responded by saying that there's no recording of the speech, so therefore all wagers are voided. I'm not sure if this was, re- was reviewed by managers or just low-level employees, but every time I responded with the exact link of the meeting, they did not once even acknowledge it. And the link is this. So this is a YouTube video. of A 20-minute YouTube video of uh, Trump and Putin meeting, on, meeting uh, one-on-one for the first time. And here, I'll just jump around. So, I mean, you, you hear in the background, but that, that's Putin talking. Let me get to where Trump talks because... Uh, here, let me get to a point where Trump's talking. What we did here in those brief moments there, they're speaking off the cuff, but there's a lot of optimism there. There's some hope from oh, both of those. Mr. President, I hope, as you have said, our meeting will yield positive results. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. And for everybody concerned, and it's an honor to be with you. So, okay, so you, despite the in the background, you can hear Trump. Okay, if, uh, I'm not going to play this whole thing. It's I don't even know what this guy bet on, but whatever Trump said during this, uh, you can definitely hear. And he's not saying that they're claiming that Trump uh, that he lost. They're claiming that you just uh, there was no recording of it. A recording does not exist of, of them speaking together. So he says, well, yes, there, there is a recording. Here it is. And they didn't even watch it. It's not like they said, yeah, we, we looked at it. It's not sufficient. Or we, we can't hear anything, so it's no good. They just, they just won't answer. They say there's no recording. He says, yes, there is. Here's the recording. Crickets. No response. That's what this person's claiming. Now, I don't know this for sure. He could be making up the whole story. But I doubt it. I think this is probably true. Uh, a lot of times you have to watch out on these shady online sites, even ones that have a good reputation like Bet Online, or relatively good reputation. Because obviously you're betting directly against them, and it's to their interest that any bet that goes against them uh, either is canceled or that if they could flip it the other way to where you lose. So if it's a very straightforward bet, like uh, are the Dodgers going to win today, yes or no? Well, it, it's very clear. Either the Dodgers win, they're going to lose, or, or the game gets canceled. It's one of those three. There's, there's never, it's not like the Dodgers can win 4-2 uh, to two and they're going to claim they really lost. They can't do that. 
But with with prop, even with prop bets of uh, you know, is, is such and such player going to hit a home run? Such and such player going to rush for this many yards? Okay, that's that's very straightforward. That's a numbers game. Either they did or they did not. But with things like, will such and such person say this, and the feed has to be clear? What what does clear mean? They could make the argument that you couldn't hear well enough because in the background. That's not the argument they made, but they could have made that argument. So that's why it's not good to bet on these things, because if you lose, they're going to take your money. And if you win, they may find a way around paying you, especially if when they add all the bets together that were made on that topic, that if they took a beating, then they're going to probably cancel it for everybody, which is what they did. So I'm guessing on these prop bets that there were a lot more no bets than yes, and that they took a bath there, and then they found a way out of it. So, uh, so this, I don't know if, uh, again, I don't know all the details for sure. This is a, a post on the Sportsbook Review Forum from somebody who just joined to post this. So, for all I know, they could be making this up or leaving out details. But it, it sounds pretty reasonable to me, and I've heard of things like this happening before involving sports bets. And props, and not sports, not necessarily sports bets, but uh, political bets on sports betting sites, or any other kind of prop that the terms are not as clear as they probably should be. Even though they sounded clear, if there's any subjectivity to it, then they can screw you. So you don't want anything subjective. You want everything set in stone, especially something quantifiable. Well, you know, sudden such. Will they get such and such percent of the vote? Will they get? Uh, uh, will they say a certain word more than such and such percent of the time, or, not, or such and such number of times? But then even there, they can get you if they claim that it has to be a clear recording. That's that's why you always have to be very careful with these sites because they may be free rolling you or semi free rolling you. So that's uh, just something to watch out for. And there's not much you can do. There's really no regulation of these sites. And you can complain like this guy did. You can make it public like this guy did. But unless you have a very, very large audience, they're probably not going to care. I would suggest if you're a victim of such a thing to never just leave it with low-level employees, but to be very aggressive, to call there repeatedly, to demand to speak to managers. Uh, If the manager does not give you a response that makes sense, demand to speak to their manager and just try to nail them down. Don't just let them ignore you. Say, okay, I've, I've directed you to something where you can watch this speech or this, uh, this meeting. What's your, what's your answer to that? I've showed you where it exists. What is your answer? If they say we haven't had a chance to look, okay, I'm sending it to you right now. When can I have an answer of what you think of this? And just keep pressing, pressing, pressing for, a, for an answer. You can't let them come to you. Some people, some people approach customer service of all kinds in the wrong way, where they, they, they'll send an email, never get responded, and just go, oh, well, they don't care. You know, screw it. I'm, I'm just giving up. Okay, you, know, you can give up if you think it's too much trouble, but that's not going to get it done. The way you get things done in any kind of customer service capacity is to be aggressive. Look what I did with Bovada. They were going to deny me, and I got them to reverse it. So that's what you have to do. You have to be aggressive. You have to demand answers. And if they 
deny you, ultimately, then you have to threaten consequences. So, just watch out with those. Cal Water Trader Risky, have you guys ever made a bet like that online, like a political prop bet or some prop bet that isn't about sports? Never, man. I'm the worst D-Gen ever. I don't bet sports. I don't do any of that. Okay. I have not either. You haven't either. I, I made some money on the election prop bets during the uh, you know, the last election cycle with uh, both the primary and the general election, especially the primary. And all those went okay. I didn't get screwed in any of them. But these were, these were much more defined bets about you know, who's going to win uh, a certain state's primary or, or what percentage of the vote that a certain candidate is going to get. So there's really no way they could screw me on those. So here is somebody who, I wouldn't say he screws anyone, but he uh, he screws with your head, and he makes you very frustrated if you play with him. He's been on this show before, and a lot of people hate him. Some people find him entertaining, a lot of people hate him. I'm talking about William Pasuf, who has attempted to make a brand out of himself since he appeared on the World Series of Poker main event television feed and really angered a lot of his opponents. Griffin Bender, Stacey Madison. So he's really tried to work this to an angle to where he makes money from the fame he's gotten from this. And this requires him to keep up the same persona. But sometimes you have to wonder, does he take it too far? Now... As someone once said about William Kasuf, he can be entertaining to watch on TV, especially when it's edited down. But if you have to sit at the table with him for hours where he's stalling, wasting time, being annoying on every single hand, taking forever to fold obvious fold hands, it gets really, really frustrating to play with him. Like, imagine sitting and playing with him, and he gets dealt seven-deuce offsuit. And there's a raise in front of him. And he thinks, he says, huh, you're raising in front of me. Uh, what am I going to do? Uh, sh- should I call this? You, th- you think I should call this or re-raise you? What, what should I do? This is a tough one. This is a tough one. I, I don't know what I should do. Uh, I don't want to lay down this hand. I don't know if I want to raise it. Um, um, all right, I'll let, you, I'll let you go this time. It folded. So so if he does this once, fine. But if, think of like every hand he's dealt, he does this. Yeah, Druff, everyone likes or, you know, everyone rubbernecks and looks at car accidents or car wrecks, but no one wants to be in one. <laughs> you know? I mean, you, you could look at this, but I agree with you, man. Like, dealing with this guy, he, he would make me just quit the game. Oh, yeah. And I've had people <laughs> like him at the table, not even as bad as him, even in cash games. And it's just been infuriating. They're just, you just want the hand to get over with. And they sit there talking and, and wasting time. And you just go, come on, let's get it going. It's one. I, I don't. I'm not a hard ass when people need to make a tough decision, especially in a in a no limit or a pot limit game. But when, when someone's just wasting time as part of their strategy or for fun, that that's when it really gets annoying to play with them. So I, I There's fully something even worse though, Druff. What I can imagine a scenario even worse than just being at his table. Imagine that you're at his table. But you're at that experimental tournament that does not allow any cell phones at all. <laughs> so you have nothing you can do you're to trapped. distract or tune him out or to listen to something like an eight-hour podcast on Poker Fraud Alert. 
Like you have nothing yeah. to save you. That's that would nothing. be that would be torture. So they, that would be the end of that tournament format if guys like that start showing up and doing it. Like, it would just be done. Right. So they invited him to Live at the Bike. And now, of course, Live at the Bike is a bit different. It's it's for entertainment of, of the audience. I mean, yes, they're playing real poker, but it is being streamed, and it is intended to be entertaining for the viewer. So that's why they invited him. And if you'd knowingly go on a uh, Televised, even an internet televised broadcast with William Kasuf. You have to know he's going to engage in these antics. And, and that's kind of what you're signing up for when you're on a broadcast like Live at the Bike. So that does have to be kept in consideration when I play you what I'm going to play you. But he got involved in a hand, a very unusual hand, where he got by far the better of it. He got Del Pocket Sixes. He was up against pocket eights and jack ten suited. The board came eight six six. And talk about a freaking dream situation. Okay, that's like out of a movie. Yes. You know? Right. I would expect like James Bond to have that happen to him. And the funny thing was the guy so they all checked the flop, and I actually hate that move. I hate the move where a board like eight six six comes, you flop quads, the other guy flops a full house, everybody checks the flop. Because um, both of them think that they've got it just murdered and that no one else can have anything. Yeah, but uh, the problem is there's going to be a lot of continuation betting where people don't have anything or, or where there's uh, – they have some of it. They have pocket fours, they have pocket nine, pocket sevens. You know, so um, – What I, was the order of betting? Do you remember? No, but I, I remember it, che- it checked around the flop, and there were, there were three players in this. One of the, this guy named Wayne, who had Jackson suited, William Kasu. Well, it, matter, it matters where they are, right? In terms of their position, I agree. If like if one of them um, checked it back on the button or something, well, like yeah, that, I, you know, I think the one who che- I think the one who checked it back was the guy with the eights. So he he was directly to the left of uh, of Kasuf, the guy with the eights. I mean, here's the the thing about a board like that. Like, yeah, I get what you're saying. Like, you're going to be you're you are going to be c betting on that board very yes. often. Yes. So you probably should c bet when you actually have it. That that makes complete sense. You know. That's but what I, I think some people are just so shocked when they flop quads. They're just like, oh, "Holy fuck!" Like, I don't know what to do. Yeah, because when I see someone, when, <laughs> honestly, when I see in a, in a no limit game when people check the the pre flop raiser only against two opponents, check a board like that back. Knowing that a C bet will often get the two people to fold, I get very suspicious. Yeah, that just screams he's loaded. Yeah, I get I get very nervous about this, and then I don't want to give much action after that. Where well, here's it? the thing: think about it even further, Drup. So let's say that um, the the guy who flopped the quads uh, was first to act. So let's say he checks, right? Yeah. And or, or even let's say yeah, okay. Let's say that he checks, and his plan is to like. I mean, I guess he if he's going to play it like that, he has to just check call the whole yes, way? Yes, yes. Because he, you, can't, you can't check raise. Right, you I can't. Mean, just, right, exactly. You know? Yeah. So, anyway, the, the, I think the, who, the one who acts first is this Wayne, who had jack high. Then Kasuf was in the middle with this quad, and then Derek. I don't really know who Derek is, but he was the one who had the top set full that was sitting right next to Kasuf to his left. So Derek is the one that should have C-bet. Yeah. 100%. He's yeah. the one that raised, right? I'm forgetting how that went, I, I, and I have it sitting at a certain point. I want well, to on a, on a board like that, whoever raised preflop should be the one who's c-betting there. And like, even whether it, it's the guy with quads or the guy with eights full, right? You know? or, or even just the guy in last position, just to make it look like he's stealing it. Because I, I've done that many Whatever. times too. I've done that yeah. a lot of times. 
I, I, I've stolen this a lot of times in No Limit Hold'em where people just check to me like that and I go, okay, they have nothing. <laughs> I'm just going to bet it. And they, it, it, it works. They, they usually fold. Right. Sure. So so betting there does not mean you have something. It could easily mean you're stealing. So anyway, uh, so, so the turn hits, uh, meaning this card, a four hits. There's also a flush draw on the flop, which obviously is uh, inconsequential. It was 8-6-6 six, six with two clubs. A four spades hit the turn. So Wayne, with a jack high, bets out. Obviously a bluff. And this is where we're going to come in, as far as the audio I'm going to play. And this is uh, Kasuf deciding what to do, if he wants to call $60. Roughly. I've still got quads, I'm thinking. Uh, is there t- now, now, by the way, he's been saying the whole time, he said on the flop he has quads. So this is one of these things where you, you say what your hand is, and it really is that, but nobody believes you. By the way, can you hear this? Yes. Okay. Okay. Yep. Okay. So, so he he's he's saying I I I'm still saying I have quads here, and so he's he's doing his usual talking routine. But but this is not a slow roll yet because the the hand's still going. You know, there there is a strategy element here to getting your opponents to give you action. And of course, he doesn't know that the guy to his left has top set full. Time limit? How long you can Hollywood before you, you raise with quads? Until somebody objects. Just, okay. Okay. I'm just thinking. I'm sure he's. I know he's folding anyway. I think by the Wayne's actually got a six or a four in his hand. So the funny thing is, he said he actually saying that he thinks Derek's going to fold the guy who tops that full, but he thinks Wayne is the one who has something. It's the, it's the opposite. One floor out there, so yeah, it take a while. I might have to get rid of my change. I'll get rid of my change. You got it. You got it. Whatever that is. There you go. I'll cut, cut up on the stream and yeah, two twenty-five. <laughs> all right. So so he raised it to two twenty-five. So Wayne bet sixty with nothing. Kasuf makes it two twenty-five. Now it's back to Derek, who's got top set full and has them both covered. Got four hundred behind. That's it. Don't call. Don't, don't let me go skin. Let me let me show this one just for the fans. So he has four hundred behind Kasuf. So that's all he's got. And uh, Wayne, of course, is inconsequential because he he's got Jack high. Derek with the top set full, drawing to one out but not realizing it. Uh, if he puts Kasuf all in, Kasuf has to call four hundred more above the two twenty five he put in. So, obviously, Derek is thrilled and has no idea what's about to pound him in the ass here. I'll show a bluff, please. If you call, I'll show you quads. If you fold, I'll show you a bluff. Whatever you do, I'm winning to stand. The only way you can win this spot is by raising me. Oh, my <laughs> day. Oh, what has he done? So, he, he just, like, tosses in. You hear, he just, like, drops chips in of, uh, like, 800, which puts him all in. Puts uh, Kasuf all in. Like a boss. Like a boss. I love it. I'm playing 3,000 behind. <laughs> I'm playing 3,000. How much? 800. 800? More than you can handle, just... buddy. Wow. Now, is there a time limit and how long oh, it can uh, take to slow roll? When you're sitting here with quads, you've got the absolute coconut. Is there a time limit, Brian? I thought I'd ask. If you're friends with them, yeah, they're actually If you're friends, no, there's Eight. no time limit. 800. So what he's asking here, at this point, his only option is to call or fold because he can't re-raise him. He doesn't have enough chips. So he's either got to call that all in you got to call that raise, which is essentially all in for Kasuf. The other guy's already folded, obviously. Or uh, or fold. So obviously with quads, you know the answer. But the question is, and he even asked this, you know, how, how long do I have to, to just go on and talking like this uh, uh, if, if I haven't? If I really have quads, do I have to call right now? Do I have to just instantly say call, or, or can I just mess around for a while? Basically asking, can I slow roll? And someone said... If you're friends with the guy, sure, but uh, otherwise, no. 
And these two aren't friends, by the way. I don't think they really know each other. Hundred. I've got. <laughs> well, well, if, they, if they were before, they aren't now. Yeah. <laughs> when was the last? When was the last time uh, you've been to Value Town? <laughs> Every day, man. Every day. When was the last time you were slow rolled? Uh, months ago, months ago. Months? Yeah. So you're due, you're due a slow roll, right? Yeah, I mean... I'm, yeah. I'm building up to the slow roll. I have if to make the slow, climb. It's a, if it's a slow roll, it's a chop, it won't hurt. It won't be a chop. I've got quad sixes. I'm just slow rolling. I'm just thinking. I've never done a slow roll before, but live on TV with the whole world watching. I think... There's no time limit for a slow roll, guys, no? Do it for the thing. Better slow roll. Right, tell me, guys, when, when I should call with quads. Now. Now's a good time? Now. No, yeah. I don't. We're going to have a vote. So, so he's still stalling. This has been going on a while. Remember, all he has to do is call. You know, Drove, I love the men- I love the mentality here, right? Where he's like, you know, I wouldn't normally be an asshole, but now see me being an asshole, I want to be an asshole. <laughs> you know, it's like, what the fuck? <laughs> when, Four, when's a good time? Three, two, one. Is that cool now? 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 By the way, that's not a floor man. That's just someone at the table. It's, that's not a, a real countdown. Wayne, you got to say. Yeah, that's someone who's on like till seven more seconds. Seven more seconds, right? I'm saying he falls four, in five seconds. Three, he falls in five. Call now. No, Fuck it, I'll call. call. What you got? I'll call. I want to see your hand. Now this should be over right here. Okay, he called. He called. I. You think at this point you 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 call and then. Uh, and he says, "I want to see your hand." Yeah, he says, "I want to see your hand." He doesn't just call and flip over the quads. I want to see your hand, which he knows he's beating. I'll call. What an asshole. If he makes a like, yeah. show, do it, do it, please. Do it. Uh, and, what a dick. And by the way, it's already on the river. I forgot about that. I, I said it was the turn. It's actually the river. It's, it's the two fours. It's a t- a four on the turn, four on the river. So it's absolute nuts of the sixes. Do it, do it, please. Do it. Oh, oh, my days. Can I- so, so he just showed the eights. So nobody knows Kasuf has the sixes yet. So he, he's, I want to see your hand. Derek turns over the eights. And and then Kasuf is kind of making the joke out of okay, you just slow rolled me. Now look what's coming. Wait, wait, can I slow roll him back? We're gonna slow roll. Wait, wait, wait. What you have? You have two pair? Or you have two eights? Four, uh, I have four pairs. Yes. Show me. See your hand. Wow. We're gonna see one of his cards. No matter what, that will be an awesome. Wow, that's sick, man. Show me both your cards. Take your hand. I call. Leave it on the table. Keep him up. Keep him up. Wow. Wait, 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 wait. Wait, what do I need to win? What do I need to win? Show your hand. What do I need to win? Wait, what card, guys? What card do I need to go? Wait, show your hand. They The viewers need to see what you got. He's actually telling him to show his hand to the camera, which Derek is doing. So Derek's picking up and showing the eights to the camera. So he's setting up the humiliation here. Yes. What do I need to win? What do I need to win? You need a six. A six, need and a six, six only. Which six do I need? Six of spades? Six so I need, a, spades. I need a black one with that suit. Six I, I folded uh, six Show me your hand. I called. I called. Oh. Show me your hand. I folded what, what's he got? He's got, he's got eights full? Uh, wait, we're going to make magic, Brian. Why is someone saying they folded the six of spades? I guess it's messed with them. Or maybe they, they remembered wrong. <laughs> Unless there's something wrong with the deck, that's not true. You see? In England, we make this oh, kind of magic. Shit. It's called white magic. Only on Wednesdays. Only and we say, on Wednesdays. I don't want to slow roll him, but Brian, turn over the six of spades for the magic show, please. I this is hilarious. Show him the six of spades, but don't slow roll him. He's trying to get the dealer to turn over one of the cards. Say, you know, we're, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to magically turn this into the six of spades. This is a trick in England. Get it, try, the dealer won't do it. Show him. No, you show him. Wait, you slow roll him. I don't want to show him. Who wants to slow roll him? Slow roll him. So finally, somebody else went and turned it over. You know, he's he's shoving it out there, asking people to turn it. Over. Finally, someone on the other side of the table reached over and flipped it over, and now everyone's going nuts. Oh, 
So you can tell, obviously this is audio, so you can't, yeah, you can go watch this. You can just go to YouTube and type in William Kasuf slow roll and you'll see this whole thing. But if you watch starting from around the 625 mark, yeah, very shortly after Derek sees he lost, Derek's trying to have like a, a slight grin to make it seem like he's taking this well. You could tell he's just seething inside <laughs> because Kasuf's just talking it up and, and Derek's just, he's got that like angry grin on his face. Like I'm grinning because I'm angry. I'm trying to make it look like I'm not angry, but I'm really angry. That's the look you're getting here. That's good Hollywood. Is that good Hollywood, guys? Is that good Hollywood? Give us a smile, Brian. Beautiful. Wow, that was sick. That's the best slow roll I've ever seen. I know. I'm good. 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 I'm Wilkasu flops quads versus Derek's top boat and super slow rolls and tells him the whole time I have quads, I have quads. So I've heard some defense of this, that this was kind of the atmosphere of the whole game, that it was kind of a, a, a fun game, people were messing with each other, and this wasn't just like an asshole slow rolling someone to have you know, to screw with him, that uh, this was par for the course of this game. I don't know if that's true because seeing uh, Derek's reaction, he didn't get mad and go off, but you could tell. I mean, yes, he's frustrated he just lost money, but you you can tell that he's pissed about this. You can tell he's not happy. So I, well, I part of it part of it too is that with that hand, like you were already counting the money that Yeah, you yeah, I know that. You know what I mean? And there's there's going to be no matter who you are, you're going to be kind of disappointed about what happens, you know? Mm-hmm. But I've seen it before where someone Yeah, but takes... you're probably happy he only had 400. Yeah. <laughs> oh, very happy. I mean, yeah. That's huge. Very happy. You, you know what I, I have to say with this, though? I've seen you know massive cooler situations where the person on the losing end has a good attitude. Obviously, they're very, very frustrated, and obviously they wish it was the other way or that the hand never happened. But but they're, they're taking it with, with good humor and... Uh, Kind of like ah, that sucks so well. That's that's the way it goes, sort of thing. the The look on this Derek's face is like like he's pissed, and not just at the hand, but but he doesn't want to come off as an asshole and or a sore loser and complain. So he's he he's like bottling up anger here. You can tell because he uh, he he stops talking. He has that weird grin on his face. I don't know what the I wasn't watching this whole thing, so I don't know what the atmosphere was. If this really was an atmosphere where everyone's slow rolling, everyone's screwing around, and then this opportunity comes up, and William Kasuf builds up the the ultimate slow roll, fine. If, if, that, if that's what everyone's been doing, you can't call him out for this one. Uh, otherwise, I, I think he overdid it with how long this took. Because keep in mind, th- this started. I I stopped it at the seven eighteen mark. If I rewind this back to. Uh, like yeah, three minutes earlier, you're still waiting for him, for Kasuf to call. So this was like a three to four minute slow roll. Yeah, it looks like about four minutes. This whole thing, three to four minutes. So that's a pretty big slow roll. 
I got slow rolled, in fact, by Phil Helmuth uh, in 2009. If you go on YouTube and you enter Todd Wittellis, Phil Helmuth, WSOP, you'll find an episode in 2009 at the main event where, he, where Phil busted me, where he played Queen Deuce suited under the gun. I had pocket threes. The flop came with a flush draw for Phil and the set for me. The turn, the flush hit, but I was very short stacked. It was a no-brainer all in, which I did. And instead of snap calling, Phil uh, took a little bit of time. So I was very surprised when he turned over the air he had the flush. I thought when he was thinking, he was looking to see if he had the flush draw or something, like the ace high flush draw. So, but that was still only, uh, I don't know, 20 seconds or something he did. This, this was minutes, so. I mean, part of me, like, obviously... If I had to play with this guy and he was like that all the time, he would annoy the crap out of me. But part of me is also like, you know, whatever. I mean, it's for it's for TV. Yeah, you know. And that was that was the point I brought at the beginning, though that I that that this yeah. is not as bad as as a regular cash game because this 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 is meant to be entertaining. This is meant to get viewers and people to enjoy watching it. So and and this is a clip that live at the bike. If they're smart, I mean, they will heavily promote this thing on YouTube and all that kind of stuff because it's the kind of thing that real casual people will be like, whoa, you know? Yeah, yeah, love it. yes. And and, uh, and it has gotten good viewership. It's gotten uh, 121,000 views in five days. Sure. So it is getting uh, views, and I'm sure Live of the Bike is going to benefit from that as, as they should. And, yeah, so I, I like you, I kind of have mixed feelings on this. Uh, it's hard to get too mad at something like this that is on a televised cash game. Uh, but at the same time, uh, he probably overdid it a little bit. But then again, if you if you go on the stream with Lily Kasuf, you have to know what you're signing up for. <laughs> so, yeah. So I mean, there there are many things that are, that are like this in terms of you know you kind of hate it, but for the greater good, it's probably overall a better thing that he's doing shit like this. Like zoos, for instance, right? A lot of people who are real animal lovers, they have real mixed feelings about zoos because they're like, well, you're taking wild animals and you're putting them in captivity. But the greater good is if you expose these animals to tons of people that would never normally see them, they might give more of a shit about them. You know? yeah. And there, there are lots of situations like this where, I mean, yeah, I mean, in a vacuum, he's just being a complete asshole, but it's TV poker. And it's the kind of thing that is going to get the hits and get casual players interested. And, you know, I, I wouldn't want to be at the table with him, but I'm glad that lots of people want to watch him be a douchebag. Yeah. <laughs> and as you guys know, I haven't announced where yet or when, but soon. In fact, I will announce it on the next radio show. Tune in to the next radio show, the one on September 13th, and I will announce where and when I will be playing televised poker. And you'll be able to watch a live stream of me playing poker. Are you going to slow roll anybody? If I flop quads, I might. Are you just going to be a complete douchebag and try and beat Kasup's record in terms of I, how long? I might. The thing is, I have a different record that I'm eyeing right now. That's my own record. Food? For food, yeah. That's, that's what I'm trying yeah. to do. Is that the, the food thing is really my focus. Uh, but, you know, who knows if it comes up and I get flopped quads. You never know what I'll do. But I will give you guys more information next week. Though, I'll tell you going in, I, I'm really not looking to uh, be Willa Kasuf and try to uh, be the uh, the clown of the table on this one. I'm just going to go in and try to play a good limit hold'em game. And uh, I gave someone, oh, it's going to be limit hold'em. 
I didn't mean to. I wasn't going to give that away yet, but I'm going to be playing Limit Hold'em on the stream. So I just gave a clue. Oh, sweet. So I can watch paint dry. <laughs> <laughs> That's now, a- hey, speaking of douchebags who are seeking attention, whatever happened to that hashtag king guy? I don't know. He's yeah, not he really, van- yeah, he kind of vanished. That's a good point. He's not really, ya- he's not really yapping away anymore, right? That's a good point. The problem is his social media accounts get terminated so quickly, you can't even say, oh, I'll go, I'll go check on him because he, he loses accounts so fast. Uh, there's really no way to go check on him. So that's a good question. I have not heard of him in, in a few. I think the last thing I heard about him was when he attempted to get into the World Series. He tried to get the Caesars ban reversed. And then Seth Polanski slapped him down. And then we got to see Seth's response because, like he does with everything, Hashtag King posted Seth's response. The, the, hashtag King, everything he does, he makes public. So. He writes a letter. Maybe he, he kind of has the uh, career arc of a porn star, <laughs> yeah. you know, where everyone's fapping over him for a short time, and then years later, they're just a cashier at Walmart's in some Midwest town. Yeah, he, he really, really, really wants to have his own reality show. He's never said that, but that, that's what he, that's his wet dream is to be a reality star. He, he would love to have the cameras rolling on him 24-7. So he wants a reality show where he's playing a character on it. Yeah, something like that. How, how is that fucking reality? <laughs> well, reality shows. You know what I mean? They, they've, that's why I don't watch them. Is they, they've never been reality. I've, I always thought they were crap. Uh, it's funny because the reality show concept, if it were what it purports to be, then I would probably like it. If you're really watching reality unfold of, of interesting or weird or uh, unusual people, and you can watch their lives as like a fly on the wall. I, I, I could find that very interesting, but, but not when it's contrived and, and somewhat scripted. And it's just that that has no appeal to me. I, I want to see. You know, I, I always kind of I, I never really got into the whole reality thing either, because I mean, the whole reason why movies and other forms of entertainment like that are enjoyable is because they're not reality. And, you know, fantastic and amazing things can happen. And I mean, yeah, there's some people that lead more interesting lives than than others, but most people's realities are what they're trying to escape by watching TV. Yeah, you know, it's not something I want to see on TV. Well, if they if they pick the right people, and especially if it wasn't live and they were editing, and and, and but not not manufacturing. Yeah, rough, but they or... always take that temptation where they're like, well, you know, this isn't going to be interesting enough, and then it becomes fake, and then it's no longer reality. Yeah, I'm just saying if, if it was. I'm saying I, I know what happens, but just yeah. if somehow it was, they found a person with an interesting and an unusual life, filmed them constantly, and then edited it down to the best moments, and I knew for sure somehow none of it was fake, then I, I probably would enjoy watching, provided the person was interesting enough and their situations were. But, but it never is, and as you said, they... The temptation's always there that they always have to insert phony things or exaggerated elements into it, and it just at that point it ruins it. At that point, it's it's kind of the worst of both worlds. It's not as it's not as interesting as a scripted drama, but it's also not real. So it's kind of the equivalent of dating an average-looking chick who thinks she's really hot and acts like she's hot. You're getting the worst of both worlds. You're getting the chick that's not hot. But but all the bad aspects of being with a hot chick. Incidentally, I, I found that happen most often with girls from Orange County. Orange County, California, that is. That, that was a very big thing, especially like, like in southern Orange County. 
a very big thing over there. The girls that would um, that were you know, plain looking, they, they really thought they were hot shit and were doing you a huge favor to, to go out with you. And my attitude was, if, if I'm going to date someone who thinks that, I want them to actually be hot. I, I want them to at, at least get that benefit of it. But uh, the, the worst is to be with someone who thinks much more highly of themselves than they really deserve to be. And then, they're, then, then they look down upon you because uh, they don't put you where they think they are. So that's like the absolute worst. I, I found that was something that I ran into frequently with the girls from Orange County, so I, I tended to avoid them. As a weird aside to this whole thing. Okay, uh, let me go on here to talk about the Jow Poker situation and the battle we have. The battle for the ages here between uh, shady Jow Poker manager Tam Wen versus shady full flush affiliate John Brown. I don't even know who to root for. And uh, it's kind of like watching two gangs fight. You I, know? I even you got, don't really care who offs the other one. <laughs> I, I even got uh, contacted by John Brown, by the way, who says, you know, let's put our issues aside. Let me tell you about Jao Poker. <laughs> he, he, he wants kind of like, like it's, it's like an enemy of the enemy is my friend thing. Like he knows I'm calling him shady and, and, and bashing him constantly for what he did with full flesh. But then he sees that I, I don't think highly of Jow Poker. He's like, oh, you know what would be a good person to have on my side here? Dandruff. So, let's, let's, you know, so, so I, what I said back to him is like, I, I actually laughed. I said, LOL at you here. Like, uh, like uh, you know, I'm not going to forget the stuff you did. Like, I'm not going to just act like that didn't happen. But you know, if you want to send me anything, and if it's reliable, go ahead. But uh, you know, I'm not taking your side in this whole thing. I'm just... <laughs> If you want to send me something that's of public interest for Jow Poker, go ahead. So, anyway. There's already some uh, minor problems going on with Jow Poker. To, to review, for those of you that didn't hear the past show we had about Jow Poker. Jow Poker is a U.S.-facing online poker site that is also multi-level marketing. You cannot just go on Jow Poker and sign up like you do on every other poker site. You actually have to be referred there by somebody. You absolutely have to have a referral. And then the person who referred you will, of course, get a cut. In this case, a cut of your rake. They also encourage you, though you're not required to, they encourage you to also become an affiliate yourself. And this takes on the multi-level marketing element, where then if you refer others, then whoever referred you will also get a cut of what you get, and so on and so forth. In order to become an affiliate, you have to pay a $250 fee. I think that's how much it is to become an affiliate. We tried to ask Tam Wynn when we had him on this show. Tam Wynn is a manager there at Jow Poker. We tried to ask him why that fee, and we didn't get a good response. We got the usual multi-level marketing nonsense about how they, you know, they have fees as far as maintaining the records of the affiliates, blah, 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 as if that's so expensive to do. Like you just... Uh, you do it in an Excel file. <laughs> it's not a tough thing to do. But that, that's the whole multi-level marketing scheme. That This is a scam that goes back to the, to the 70s with Amway and all these others, even some that uh, still exist to this day, where what you're really doing is selling the opportunity to sell. You're not really selling a useful product. And the law about this in the United States is that and I'm talking about multi-level marketing, not about poker, is that 
you are allowed to allowed to sell the opportunity to sell something, but the thing that is being sold has to have real value. It has to be a real product, and there you have to actually be trying to sell that product. If it's only about selling the opportunity to sell, then it's illegal. So, for example, if I was selling a pencil for uh, $10,000, obviously nobody would buy it. Even the most gullible of poker players probably would not buy the $10,000 pencil, though you never know. But if I were selling a $10,000 pencil, but then on top of it I had a scheme where you're selling the opportunity to sell a $10,000 pencil, and the entire business model is based upon selling that opportunity and, and the actual number of pencils sold is immaterial because that's just a sham, I could get charged with, with fraud with that because uh, that is a pyramid scheme. That is not uh, traditional multi-level marketing because I'm not really trying to sell the $10,000 pencil. That's just like a fake product that no one's ever going to buy. But the problem is it's never that clear. There's always some product being sold, and usually it's a product of like limited usefulness, but it's overpriced, but not like ridiculously overpriced where it can be claimed for sure you're not really trying to sell that. But usually with multi-level marketing, it's not really about selling the product. It's more about selling the opportunity to sell. And there's also other factors where they'll pressure the affiliates into buying the product at its inflated prices and then selling it on their own, where basically they have to buy it and resell it. So, and there's all these different incentives, and there's all these reasons people feel like they're, they're too invested in it, don't want to get out of it. And uh, as you can imagine, a lot of people lose a lot of money attempting to do this to make money. So getting back to Jow Poker, we played a video of Tam Wen, a manager of Jow Poker, promoting it. We had him on the show. We hit him with the tough questions. And after the show, even though we treated Tam very well, we didn't come and say, hey, you scammer. Hey, this is a big scam. Like, we gave him a, an opportunity to answer everything, and we were friendly to him. We, we, were, not, we were not confrontational here with Tam Wen. You can go back and listen to that show. I should have had it prepared which show that was, but I didn't, so you can just go find it. But afterwards, he, he, was, bashing, <laughs> he was bashing me uh, for leaving up uh, any kind of criticism of Jow Poker. He actually thought that by coming on our show and spouting his BS that he had us convinced and therefore we should take down anything critical about his company. <laughs> so, so when I told him no, then he, he got very frustrated and, and bashed us and that was pretty much the last I heard from him. So Jow Poker is still going and they, they've been using PayPal, which we'll talk about later. But PayPal is that they've been using them as a deposit and cash out method. But I don't believe they have an agreement with PayPal. Or if they do, I don't think it's going to last very long. Anyway, there's some minor problems there right now. One of which is that uh, they supposedly have a store. As I guess you earn points and you can buy things in the store. I, I think it's kind of like the Poker Stars FPPs. And they never got it established. So they were promising the store was going to open up on July 1st. And it has not opened yet, to my knowledge. At least uh, this is from a guy named Jack in Stacks on 2 Plus 2. He said, I racked up over 1,000 cash points. And one of the reps said on July 1st, the store will open. It's now August 20th, 2017. The long-promised store to spend your reward points is still non-existent. It's a shame because they have the power to change some of the to, – to, to change – some of the players' attitudes. Why tell the players the store will be open in June? More BS. So, 
it's not a major problem that this store is not open. But yeah, if you're earning these rewards points and can't redeem them, that's annoying. If people, if that's part of the reason people are playing there. Then uh, also in that same two plus two thread, longtime Minnesotan poker player known as Bicycle Kick. He's he's friends with uh, Mike Schneider and that whole group. He's he's been around a long time. The winning uh, poker player mainly limit hold'em. This is what he said. I heard an alleged story from a reliable source about the owner scamming a couple deals in Minnesota, as well as hearing other unfavorable things. I'd stay far, far away from that site and owners. Now, again, he just said he heard the story, but he claims it's from a reliable source. I will say that Bicycle Kick, he's not really known for just, like, posting things like that and starting drama like that. He's been opinionated before, and, you know, I've even had experiences with him online where he's kind of a jerk. But uh, I, I haven't seen where he just like makes up stories about someone or, or spreads unfounded rumors. So if I had to guess, what Bicycle Kick probably heard probably was from a reliable source, and it's probably true. But obviously there's no way to prove it either way, but uh, <laughs> you can take that as you may. But perhaps most entertaining, in what appears to be a battle of scammy affiliates, John Brown, also known as Countatron, who posts on Poker Fraud Alert, or shall I say posted on Poker Fraud Alert, is how quaint. He won't post anymore because I've been criticizing him. Uh, He's the one who runs a professional rakeback, which was very much at the forefront as an accomplice in the full-flush poker scam, which we've discussed before. Uh, And and, and just to briefly touch on that, full-flush poker, which is down and stole everyone's money and disappeared. John Brown and his professional rakeback company were promoting full-flush poker as safe as giving quick payouts for months and months after they stopped paying people. So you'd go on professionalrakeback.com, and their, their featured site would be full-flush poker, and you'd, you'd read all about it and the FAQ for it, and it would talk about how safe the site is, and you never know for sure, but the payouts are fast, and it's safe, and they have no reason to believe it's not safe. Well, what do you mean no reason to believe it's not safe? They, they hadn't paid people in months. But not only did he not say that, he was saying the opposite. And so many people, myself included, were bringing it to his attention, and he would not change the narrative on his site. Why? Because he wanted more signups. He wanted Full Flesh to live. Because I believe he was the only affiliate that was giving rake back. I think I once said he's the only affiliate they had. I believe he was the only f- affiliate who was giving rake back. But whatever it was, uh, had Full Flush survived, he would have stood to make a lot of money, especially if it survived and thrived. So he really, really wanted to stay up and therefore would not put something like, they're not paying people, watch out. Yeah, Druff, there's a pretty famous quote that comes to mind. Yes. Uh, the only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing. <laughs> yes. And he is doing nothing. Right. Uh, he was doing worse than nothing, too. He was actually promoting it. So, so he, Oh, yeah. So he was uh, – and I called him out on this, and he tried to give these really lame answers. First, he gave lame, ans- lame answers to people on 2 Plus 2 who then brought it to my attention. Then I held his feet to the fire on this site, and he, he – gave pretty much non-answers and then went away when I, I wasn't accepting his BS. And to this day, he has not answered to it, yet Yet he posts on 2 plus 2 like everything's fine, like like nothing ever happened. And I, I find that to be disgusting. And this is a guy who's a veteran of online poker. I played him on Cake Poker as far back as 2007. This guy has played a ton online. 
he got very involved in bashing Locke and, and helping expose that scandal. Not not because he was doing it out of the goodness of his heart, but because Locke was his competition of the sites he was promoting. But still, this is someone who is very, very experienced in online poker and in identifying shady online poker sites. He, he has articles on his own site identifying very, various shady poker sites. In fact, what was yeah, really... but situations strange, Druff, <laughs> you know? I mean, the the guy is, is doing the equivalent of... Uh, Giving people five dollar hand jobs in the bathroom, you know. I mean, the, the the deal is that he probably isn't making as much money as he used to. No, I'm sure, right? Yeah. Because the poker industry is down, online poker, all this kind of stuff. He's probably feeling the pinch. Though you I know? think you know, he's, he he seems to have done well in playing limit hold'em all those years, and he seemed to. Uh, that was then. Yeah, I mean, you know what I mean. I, I just have the feeling he's not hurting for money, but who knows? Well, and then he's a real dick. That, that's that's what I think. That's the problem. Is I don't think he's hurting for money. I, I don't I don't know if he's rich, but I don't think he's hurting for money. And and from what I've seen, it doesn't look like he's living an extravagant lifestyle. I I think that he just wanted the income coming. And I I once had this discussion with someone many years ago, not about poker, but someone who had a house that was fully paid off in L.A. and they had cash in the bank, but they were not working and they had no income. And they were very upset, and I and they, they were always complaining about money problems. And I said, "What do you mean money problems? You've got you've got a fully paid off house, you uh, you have a lot of money in the bank. I mean, I, yeah, I'm sure you'd like to still be making money, but why why do you seem like you're in a panic?" And they said, "I'm not working. No money's coming in. It's very depressing." So I think it was kind of like that for him, maybe that uh, I mean, it wasn't no money coming in, but maybe he's making much less than he used to, like you said, and and he was feeling like he's got to do something to change that. Uh, if he I, actually is well off and he's still doing this, I mean, he's even more of an asshole. That's what I and know? I said that I said that to him too. I said that I said I don't think you're hurting for money. That's what really pisses me off with this whole thing. I think you're just doing it to make extra. Anyway, uh, he, he he's never answered to all this. He's never explained why someone who's such a veteran of all this, who is very very clear of the signs of a struggling poker site, why he kept promoting them and leading his customers off a cliff, basically. He was also, by the way, uh, buying up money on that site at one point for forty cents on a dollar, while still promoting it as a safe site. <laughs> so I, people gave him a hard time about that too. So anyway, that, that's that's John Brown, aka Conatron. So he decided. I don't know why he's getting involved in this. I think just because he likes criticizing the competition of of the sites that he does promote. But on professional rakeback, they actually have an expose about Jow Poker. <laughs> so you can imagine how Tam Wen took to this. Now, Tam Wen doesn't even know about the whole story about John Brown himself being uh, shady. In fact, he he's, he's, uh, erroneously believes that John Brown is, is not in the country. Because I think he lists himself as being from somewhere in Mexico where he's not. He's actually in the U.S. last I heard. But, yeah, he wrote uh, an article called Jow Poker Exhibits Shady Behavior on professional rakeback, which, by the way, don't use them. I'm not trying to give any promotion to professional rakeback. They, they screwed their own customers at full flush. Do not use them. Use some other rakeback site if you want to get rakeback. In fact, if you want to get rakeback, you can, you can even message me privately. I might be able to get you a rakeback deal. Even on sites, you can't get rakeback usually. But uh, it says, Jow Poker exhibits shady behavior. If you're, if you're a U.S.-based poker player then you may have seen or heard of Jow Poker, an entity that has seemingly sprung up overnight and promises fully legal online poker for Americans. Unfortunately, once you look behind the hype, the entire operation appears questionable at best. We've reviewed Jow Poker and believe it to be a shady company that ultimately won't be able to fulfill its obligations, he bolded that part, to players or affiliates. 
Most internet poker rooms are happy to partner with affiliates who can promote their games, and they allow anyone to become an affiliate for free. Affiliate programs are free because they only pay based upon performance. In other words, if an affiliate fails to send players, the affiliate program has no need to pay such an affiliate as it's incurred no costs. Jow Poker, on the other hand, uses its affiliates as a source of income. Jow Poker charges $250 for an affiliate account. Whoever does pay this fee gets $100 credit to their poker balance along with Jow branded merchandise, but the total value delivered is much less than the $250 upfront cost. So he goes on with this re- review just bashing them. And, and the truth is, uh, he's right. Like, like, I'll tell you guys another example, okay? Uh, there were these two girls that I knew a long time ago. And I, I, I wasn't dating either of them. I just, I just knew them. But they, they hated each other. And they were both constantly criticizing the other. Both were accusing each other of being shady. And when it was all said and done... They were both right. Both of them were shady. One of them stole from a blind guy. One of them literally defrauded a blind guy and wrote and forged checks from him that she claimed to be helping. And the other one uh, was uh, you know ha- ha- was married and was was uh, cheating on her husband and uh, and then looking to get the the maximum money she could get out of him leaving him. So and, and so anyway, they, they were both pieces of crap. These these girls. And what each one said about the other was 100% true. When it was all over, I said, wow, what the first girl said about the second girl was true, what the second girl said about the first girl was true. But they were both pieces of crap. So I think it's kind of like that here. <laughs> so so we, we have this article on uh, professional rakeback about jow poker that pretty much repeats a lot of what we said. But it's, it's, it's true. This all seems to be true. But it also gets a little bit more personal. On the professional rakeback article... He writes, um, he writes this about the, uh, the, the spam marketing techniques. He says, Jow management and affiliates are heading to the internet forums and social media to shill the site. There are mul- multiple Facebook groups that have been reporting an infestation of Jow poker fanboys posted in the affiliate codes, uh, often against the rules of the group, which is also true. That has been happening. Some of them are even developing personal Facebook pages that are basically advertisements for the site, complete with large banners and sign-up codes. When you accept one of them as a friend, then others will soon send you a request, and you could wind up with dozens of, quote, friends who are just trying to promote the increasingly desperate-looking organization. This is bad enough, but it gets worse when we look at how these Jow backers conduct themselves. Facebook user Tam Wen claims to be a member of the board at Jow Poker, and he has been actively commenting on anything negative posted about the poker site. The tenor of his post is quite defensive and sometimes angry. Take a look, uh, take a look at this example. So then he posts an example, a screenshot of uh, Tam Wen bashing a guy named Eric Nichols on May 15th. Tam Wen says, Eric Nichols is a broke joke for the poker community. I gave him the opportunity to make money with me, but all he did was bitch and complain. I even paid him $27 for a complaint of bubbling a tournament and blamed it on our system to keep him happy, and he lost it and is now filing a complaint that charges were not made from his account. You're a low-life bitch. I don't, give, I don't give a fuck. I will blast you. You said your reputation is important. Well, you fucked it up off $27 that got, you got paid on. So this was Tam Wen and... That screenshot from Facebook was then posted by John Brown, a professional rakeback, to show that Tam Wynn is a jerk. So, so, so Tam Wynn was very unhappy about this. And then wrote a message to John Brown saying, and this just happened, uh, like, like last week or something. 
don't get what you want in a deal. So, uh, don't get what you want in a deal. So you call the poker site a scam? Yes, I fucking shut you down, you cheap, arrogant bastard. Real business people don't call other businesses a scam when a deal is not agreed on. Now let, let's stop right there. Isn't that kind of a weird thing for him to say about a deal? And notice, notice Tam. Now I, I have to say something. Tam Wen did say something that like we were. I, I think he did write something about us like that too. That. Uh, Something like we we were uh, rejected as an affiliate or something like that, which totally wasn't true. That, that we were posting this because we were rejected as an affiliate or some nonsense like that. So you can't believe everything this guy says. But he keeps referring to a deal. So I do wonder if John Brown contacted him and said, hey, let's make a deal. I can promote Jow Poker for you. Because keep in mind, Jow, uh, John Brown promoted full flesh when he knew it was a total scam, like a, a worse scam than Jow Poker is. So if he's willing to do that, of course he's willing to do uh, Jow Poker if that'll make money for him. So I, I have a feeling he pitched a deal that Tam didn't like and thought it was, uh, wasn't was something they wanted to do. Said, forget it. And then John came out and, and bashed Jow Poker. And then Tam got pissed and, and wrote this whole thing about uh, you don't call the businesses a scam just because the deal's not agreed on. So I, I, I kind of think something like that happened. He says, you want free stuff to turn into lots of cash. I turned you away because you have no business sense. Yes, it is me you have in your article about job poker. Go ahead and post this on your site. Instead of getting a piece of the franchise to make thousands per month, you got nothing from job poker. All your offerings on your site are the same as our promotions we do every day. Click here and use referral code XXX. Fact. So what makes Jow a scam? Nothing. 100% payouts to all players upon request. Most of the payouts are transferred same day. You clearly are a horrible business person. Can't close a deal. Don't go claiming something you have no proof of. You haven't even tried out the site. You have no room to talk. Your, your accusations are false. And your business ethics are part of after partnering, partnering up is ridiculous. Fuck professional rake back. Post this all over social media. You're not even in the USA. So then that's what he did. Then John Brannowen posted this on uh, all over social media. <laughs> so... So that, that's where it stands right now. These two are, are, are battling back and forth here. And as I said, I even got a message from John saying that he wants me to, to help expose Jow Poker. There's some information he can give me. So and what a mess this is. So th- this is what happens. They're, they're, they're both competing for the, for the remaining U.S. poker market that isn't that big anymore for online poker. With these shady sites, and it really does look like they tried to make some kind of deal, and that uh, John was probably demanding too much for Tam's liking. <laughs> it fell apart. Now uh, John's ripping on it, and Tam is pissed. And oh boy, so I don't even know who to root for here. I don't even know who I want to see come out on top in this whole thing. Like that's why I had mixed feelings when when, when John contacted me. And said he wants me. He wants to give me some information on this. I'm like, okay, well, if the info is true, which it probably will be, I, like I, I probably should share it. But at the same time, do, yeah, do I really want to help him? And this is a stupid battle. You should just send. You should send them both posts to post. <laughs> you know. Yeah, I should. I, I should. I should contact that, Tam and say, hey, the, the, yeah, you know. here's some. Here's a John. Here's a John Brown post. You can get all the information out. <laughs> yeah, I could make it work on, worse on both sides. I, I could just. Uh, I, I could really instigate here. So, yeah, I, I, you know, it's funny. I actually did this a long time ago. Um, I signed to confess. Nothing to do with poker. And it was a very long time ago. In high school, there was a lot of graffiti in the bathroom for some reason. Uh, very little graffiti in my high school otherwise. But the bathroom, people loved to write graffiti on the wall. 
and not just in the stalls, like just on the wall, like where the urinals were. Did, did you guys have this in your bathrooms? Like, like how wild? Did you have a lot of graffiti in your high school bathroom? Oh, yeah. Oh, you did. Okay. What, what about you, Trader Ruski? Um, no, not too much. Uh, not too much. They, okay. they took care of it pretty quickly, but people were pretty determined. Oh, they, they were kind of slow at my high school. So, And, and I was from a high school that you know, didn't have a crime problem at all. It was in a very nice area, but, but the graffiti in the bathroom was it just uh, it was out of control. So I was very fascinated by the graffiti in the bathroom, especially when it was about people in the school. So, and sometimes it would be just dumb stuff, like sometimes the person's a fag or whatever. But, you know, the more interesting stuff sometimes would be more specific about something. And I thought, like, some of these stories might be true or, or some of these claims might be true. So, there were these two people that were kind of fighting back and forth through the graffiti on the wall. I think, I don't know if it was them personally or their friends, but, like, the first guy would have stuff written about him that was bad. And then someone would respond to it on the wall as if they knew who was doing it, and bashed that person. So I don't know if it was actually these two guys going back and forth, or their friends, but whatever it was, it was definitely these two going back and forth. So I found this so entertaining, it was like a soap opera, that I started contributing to it too. I started actually writing on both sides to get people more riled up. So, so the whole thing would, would keep going on, and if it died down, I would sometimes write you know, one side or the other to get them more and more pissed, and it worked. And I, I thought it was hilarious. So th- this, I, I guess I could do it again right here, except I could do it uh, through the internet instead of bathroom graffiti. And uh, I, I also, there's also one guy who, they used, there's a lot of graffiti about him. And it was someone I really didn't like. The, the two I was talking about before, I didn't really know very well. But the, the, I think they were like in an upper grade. But the, there was someone who was in my grade I really didn't like, and someone started writing graffiti about him. And then it started to die down. So, <laughs> but I noticed people in the school were starting to talk about it, so I, I actually started like writing the same thing on more walls to kind of keep it going. So I wonder what the first guy was thinking who was doing this, that there was someone joining in with it. And then eventually it really got – I think the first guy really started getting it going. And then uh, at one point, he was like spraying stuff on lockers about this guy. That, that's kind of when I bailed out because I wasn't going to go that far. But uh, I, I, I liked instigating through graffiti. I thought that was uh, I thought it was fun, especially especially if the person I was instigating against was someone who'd been a jerk to me. So, I just got sent a. I just got sent this. I don't know. Someone sent me a, a, a tweet in text. Um, oh, I see. This is kind of interesting, but I, I don't know why you sent it during the show. Someone sent a uh, a text of a tweet showing that a, a way you can charge your phone, even if you lose electricity, uh, using... Oh, the fucking 9-volt battery. Yeah, the 9-volt battery thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's it, actually kind of cool that someone thought about that, but yeah, I mean, you know, power is power, right? Yeah, they should... They should uh, Send this to uh, this guy as what? I think he may need this. I well, the impressive thing about that is actually the uh, the fact that the charging technology in phones these days is really advanced in that it can take a whole bunch of different kinds of amperages and, and voltages coming through it. That's true. And, you know, I, I actually uh, I have something that no, well, it doesn't work anymore, but you, you could turn a crank and charge your phone that, which I thought was... Uh, a good thing to have. Mm, yeah, I've seen those. 
course, if, if it breaks like mine, it doesn't. It's not very. Wasn't bad. that like a sharper image thing? You know, actually, I, I got it. It was actually my girlfriend's, and she got it for free. But you know, it was uh, it, it still works as a light. It was both a light and a phone charger, <laughs> and the the phone charger stopped working, but the light works. But it, it's always good to have something you could just wind in case there's no electricity for a long time. I mean, if it's an emergency, great. But if you're if you're sitting there. If you're out camping and you're winding the fuck out of this thing just so you can check Twitter, I mean, just put it away. I always thought about bringing this. To, I, <laughs> yeah. I thought about bringing this to like the World Series to a poker table and to see how much I can tilt my opponents. So I'm just sitting here like spinning it the whole time to keep my phone going. So you are going to try to out Kasuf Kasuf? Yeah, if people complain. I mean, maybe I'll bring that to the 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 place I play on the live stream, and I'll just just be twisting that. It makes a noise. It sounds like. I'll just be the twisting yeah, at all times. And then time. you can say to your neighbor, oh, can you keep twisting? i got to check my yeah, hand yeah, real quick. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, if I don't keep twisting, I'm not gonna, it's not going to be charged enough. Like, uh, it'll, it'll go off. Can you, i, I got to play this hand. Yeah, pl- can you please just twist this for me? I'll give you a dollar if you twist this for me during the hand. Okay. Uh, so let's see what else the chat room is saying. Uh, let's see. They're shutting down I-95 in Jacksonville. Hmm. Uh, Disposition say Druff had troll blood, uh, had troll in his blood early on. That's probably true. I I think maybe some of that came from me being on uh, BBSs since when I was like 14. So that uh, I was already getting ideas from that. In fact, if you think about it, BBSs and bathroom graffiti aren't too different. BBS is being a computer bulletin boards, by the way. All right, I want to talk about the uh, DDoS attacks on America's card room. This is a, a persistent story that we seem to be reporting on all the time because it's happening all the time. And America's card room, the CEO will often get on Twitch and then talk about it, which I think is kind of a mistake because he's giving satisfaction to whoever's doing it. If you DDoS a site and then the... CEO gets on Twitch and looks very agitated about it. If you're doing this for fun, then you're going to want to do it more. But there, there's a rumor that this is not being done for fun, that it's actually being done by competitors to screw with them. But I, I don't know if that's true, because uh, you would think it would happen to other sites more often than it does. It seems like America's card room is, is the one that uh, is most often the victim of this, or, or maybe they're the least equipped to deal with it. Yeah, it's the latter. It's They have spent nothing to try and prevent yeah. it. So this, here, is not, this is not a problem that, doesn't, that hasn't been solved. Right, that's what I don't understand. Like, even Poker Fraud Alert, I, I've set up something to prevent it, so I don't see what the, why they're not uh, putting more effort. But it says the following. This is, uh, this is something that's sent out from the CEO, Phil Nagy, an email. Dear valued customer, Over the course of the past few days, our network has experienced severe distributed denial of service attacks. While we will never pay one cent of extortion money in order to stop the attacks, we will be putting putting in considerable resources to determine who is behind the attack in weeks to come. Though we were able to successfully complete the Million Dollar Sunday Tournament along with the online Super Series, we've decided to postpone the bigger online Super Series that was scheduled to run September 6th through 10th. As per our terms and conditions, we were forced to cancel a number of online Super Series events as well. 
Because of this, it only seems fair that we relaunch the entire online Super Series again and increase the guaranteed prize pools uh, of the entire event. And then get DDoS again. <laughs> <laughs> the entire... Or sorry, the online Super Series Cub 3D, whatever that is, will relaunch from September 24th through October 22nd, giving the hackers even more time to come up with uh, better attacks. The series will feature both a half-price million-dollar Sundays tournament with a 250 plus 15 buy-in, along with another regular 540 buy-in, million-dollar guaranteed, the final Sunday of The Boss. I will be talking to players this afternoon about these developments in further details via Twitch at 2.30 p.m., 3 p.m., and 4 p.m. ET. What is he? He's doing like like several performances? That's weird. 2.33 and 4? Why not just say starting at 2.30? Is he really doing like three separate performances? If you, can't catch, if you can't catch the 2.30 performance, we also have performances at 3.30 and 4.30. Uh, to follow the live stream, click here. The postponement allows us time to strengthen our defenses against... Possible attacks. <laughs> Possible attacks in the future and ensure network stability. We apologize for the disruption and appreciate your ongoing loyalty as we, we deal with these attacks. Thank you for your understanding, Phil Nagy. Now, here's my question. This, this has happened over and over throughout the years. So, so just now they need to postpone a tournament for a few weeks to strengthen their defenses? Why didn't, why didn't they do this before? What are they going to accomplish in the next 18 days that they could not accomplish in the last few years? This has happened a lot to them. So I don't even know what they're doing. I I don't know if this is really a series of extortion attacks from just Russians or whatever, or if if it's attacks from competitors, or I guess it could be both, or people just doing it for fun because they took bad beats there and they're mad. Who knows? But they never seem to deal with the problem. By the way, I see Team ML Gay is trying to call in. And I, I will let you on Team ML Gay, but you have to wait till we're done with the segment. When we're done with the segment, which is very shortly, then we will let you on. Okay? Just hang on. Calling like 20 times in a row is not going to make it happen. So, yeah. I, I don't understand why it has come to this, why it's taken this long to take action, and why... A few more weeks is going to make such a difference. But it's a real problem on that site. And you're always taking that chance when you play a tournament there. And it's really frustrating. Like, let's say you were doing really well in the early stages, and then they have to cancel it because it gets DDoS'd. So, this is a persistent problem with that site. And uh, now, Calwatt, have you had to deal with these attacks with sites that you've managed? Sure. And how difficult did you find it to put a stop to it i mean it, it depends on the nature of the attack but it's really not that hard um there are even services that you can use these days that kind of shield you from that yeah uh, it, it all depends on really what they're doing but my guess is they just have kind of a, a mickey mouse set up and you know they they feel that it's okay to to deal with this on occasion as opposed to spending the money and the time it would take to to fix it right yeah that's what it seems like to me too and maybe they've learned from experience that these just happen, and then they stop happening for a few months, and then they can just reschedule a few weeks later, and it'll stop. It's a, it just seems kind of weird that – or maybe it's like a Band-Aid fix. Maybe whatever type of attack they have, they, they then try to put in a specific fix to stop that attack, and then uh, 
the attackers find new ways around it. But uh, th- there are some simple ways you can put a stop to this sort of thing. Yeah. So that's what I'm surprised about, of why they're having such an issue here. But who knows? As you said, it probably is a Mickey Mouse system. All right, Team MML. That's, that's, I mean, I can guarantee you. <laughs> Team ML Gay, you can call in now if you want to speak to us and probably yell at me about uh, restricting you and whatever else. Team ML Gay is definitely a person with a, an inflated sense of importance to this site. But uh, I'm going to keep inflating that by putting him on here. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm on air? Okay, great. Like, I mean, what's going on, Todd? What, what have I done or what can I do to improve our relationship? <laughs> I didn't expect that question. Okay, so let me explain this here. Uh, you came on a few days ago onto the forum and you claim that you're going to be selling football picks, which I think is comical, but fine. If, if you want to do that, then uh, I'll let you indulge in that fantasy. The problem that I had with you was when I was not responding to your demands because you you wanted me to to change your title on the site and you wanted me to do something else. I don't remember, but you wanted me to do things I wasn't going to do. And when I was not responding to these demands, you then created a thread called Todd or Druff Read Your Site. And then you made five other threads, one entitled like R then E, then A, then D, and then another one, your site. So you made five junk threads to say read your site on top of the original Druff read your site. So, And that's on top of the other thread you started on August 31st saying Professor, Professor Team MLK to sell NFL picks. So now how, how can you expect that I would put up with this if, uh, if you're not even treating the forum respectfully and making junk threads? Well, am I still on air because Skype is failing on my phone? Well, yeah, you're still, we can't hear you that well, but yes, you're here. Okay, I guess you're not here anymore. <laughs> Am I still there? Okay, you're, you're back, yeah, you're back. Yeah, it, it, Skype's screwing up, I missed, um, what's going on here? Okay, I, I don't know what's happening with your Skype, but I, again, I, I can try to call you back, but you, you bombed the forum with nonsense when I wouldn't do what you wanted. We can't have that. See, I want to get his response, and we can't even get that because uh, we tried to call him back. His Skype is having an issue. He probably he probably didn't. Uh, yeah, I'm back here now. I don't know what Skype's doing on my phone. It's failing. Well, why don't you use your computer to call him? The phone Skype is usually kind of fail. Well, it's working now. Okay, so can can you explain what, why were you bombing the forum? Well, because Todd, I asked you very politely, uh, probably four or five days prior. I said, "Can you please update?" my name and you're just snapping me off clean you're posting about your alberta ticket and miss cleo this and that so i tilted and and that's the honest truth i mean i thought it would be a simple request for you to update my um status to nfl sports god or whatever i requested and you just snapped me off well these things take this wasn't a priority to update you to nfl sports god i wasn't even sure if i wanted to do that because it could give the mistaken impression to users that you really are an NFL sports god, and then they may take your picks too seriously. So I have to think about things like that. I will realize that the site is LOLs. Like, I mean, 
I've, users know that I'm an NFL sports god and um, proven by my record. So, yeah, proven by your your faked record. So I I, I just was afraid. Not to my get... fake record. You can go back in the archives and find out that uh, my win ratio is well above the expected norm. So and maybe the expected norm for you, but okay. Norm for me. I, I, I'm saying here that I I just don't think that this is something I really want to promote. I, I let you promote yourself there and didn't get it in the way, but I. I wasn't sure if I wanted to be giving you custom titles or anything else that shows I'm endorsing this. So, well, hold on, you're endorsing other people by giving them diamonds and bronze medals and gold medals, <laughs> and I have fucking balling for the last ten years on there. What the hell is that all about? I'm not, I'm not even a, I'm not even a diamond in the rough here. I'm, I'm just balling. Like, ba- balling is better than diamond. Balling. I mean, nuts. I mean, see money. I have. Raised with C Money's um, courteous, uh, generous donations, thousands of dollars for the free roll, and I get all this hate, and um, I can't even get a status updated. And I've been a ten-year listener. I, I, I was considering what to do about the status update, but the point is whether I do it or not. And even if I take a few extra days to do it, if I ultimately do it, you you can't bomb the forum to punish me for not acting fast enough. That's just not no, an option. No, I bombed the forum because you were you were posting other junk threads and you put me on tilt. And I I really didn't bomb the forum. I put R E A D and then drop. So but I mean, you, you, posts, you made you made five junk threads, not five junk posts, five separate threads. That, that's. Uh, no. I mean, come on, I know, but how long did that end? But then you were quick to uh, restrict me uh, to um, five posts or four posts. Because a day. I, I happen, really I happen to be lucky enough to log in like shortly after you did that. I said, "What the hell is this?" I said, oh no, TMLG is going crazy. You're again. too busy posting with Cleo and shit on there, and because it's and because it's my me. forum. It, it's my forum, and I. I if I want to post about Miss Cleo and Grand Theft Auto and stuff, I see I can do that because it's my forum that I run. And I can post about topics of interest to me. Uh, this topic about you selling picks is not of interest to me, so that that's the problem. I understand, but the, no, but my title is of interest of the forum. I mean, it's like a prison riot on a Poker Fraud Alert right now. A lot of people are very upset in regards to this. Like, I mean, we got like legends of free roll donations tempting to leave the site. They, they just they, they want to see your picks for uh, kind of uh, comedy reasons, but my picks are are proven winners. So, oh, so, so are you and calling? Then I, and then I blew up. I, I admit I blew up on you. But you can still post. You, you, said, you can I'm, still post four. I didn't take your posting away completely. You can still post four times a day. I know, but did you read my recent post where because you're um, chunking off money at Caesars or Seven Stars and whatnot? Did you read that one? No. Yeah, that was a that's not that was a nice one. I mean, I admit I was a, a little nasty in regards to that one, but um. okay, I, I'm sure I'll see it at some point. But what I'm trying to say here is that you need to uh, approach me por- more politely about these things and not spam the forum and not go on tilt. I did approach you politely. I said, "Can you please?" I, I will. I said, "No, but also like, not, but also advance. not, but also not expect me to do things." You can ask it, but I, I don't necessarily have to agree now. Well, you can at least reply. I mean, you have like 4,000 replies on this. It's not like you have like 10 replies. Are, are you going to give picks here on this phone call, or do I have to wait? Uh, or people, do people actually have to buy these? The buying was just an LOL, to be honest. I mean, C-Money is the only one that's going to buy it anyways. But, I mean, I was <laughs> going to give 10% of it anyways. C-Money doesn't care. He's a baller. And oh, so he's actually paying? So, so C-Money is going to actually pay you for your picks? 
See, money said he would he would buy them, so I don't know if he okay, would or so, not, but he so, will. So, are you going to give one here? Like, why don't you give a pick right now? Well, I, I, my terms and conditions in the form <laughs> is that one. Well, you're not going to give me an apology, so but two, I need my status updated by Saturday in order to get picked. Oh, I have a time limit now. That's great. Well, I mean, I gave you a time limit three days ago. I shouldn't have any time limit. That's what you're not understanding. There should not be a time limit for me. Trust, how long does it take? To, I mean, I could go into Poker Fraud Alert. And you can update everybody else's the diamonds and bronze, and you've probably updated 400 users. No, 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 no. And, that's automatic. That's just automatic statuses. Those, what do you mean is automatic? You had to do something to do it. Those are generic statuses that update for depending upon how many posts they have. What I'm trying to say here is that the good thing about running and owning my own site like this is that I have no boss or anyone telling me what to do, at least as far as the site is concerned. So nobody can put deadlines on me or requirements on me. That's, that's why it's annoying to get that from users on the site who are not even – I'm not making I'm not, any money I'm off them. I'm not an ordinary user though, Todd. I'm like a legend of the site. It's not like I'm a fucking one-month – you know, like I've been around for ten years, loyal, and I even wanted to meet you in Vegas. And uh, I'm very loyal to you, Todd. So don't don't be judging me so quickly. <laughs> well, I'll have to think about the title here, and and I'll address this on the forum. But uh, I, I have to say, I'm not I'm not that bullish on the picks. I'm a little afraid that uh, I'm a little afraid to bet them. God, I went on like a fucking ten winning streak in a row. And I lost a few and then won again. I, I called Carolina last year, who made it to the Super Bowl the previous year, and I said, they're terrible. And guess what happened? They didn't even make the playoffs. Not even close. They, they were terrible. And I, I predicted that. Nobody, Everybody laughed at me on the form. They think it was fucking crazy. Boom. And this year, I'm predicting Tampa Bay to be successful. So who knows? Okay. All right. We, we will uh, address this on the forum. I, I, I gave you your radio airtime and uh... – well, just well, no, but I wanted to discuss something I posted about my rant. I mean, I don't know if this is true or not, but I mean, it just seems like, and I admit that I could have been a little rude, but like, are you chunking off like a hundred k for seven stars? And, and what's no. going on with your your lady friend wife? I mean, like, why is she still with you? <laughs> I don't understand that. <laughs> See, you want custom titles? You say that to me? That's crazy. Yeah. No, but that's what how, I told how can you how, how can you ask me for a custom form. title by Saturday and then ask how my uh, my girlfriend's still with me? Yeah, I no, mean, Druff, when you were that. telling me you were, you were taking three minutes, I was wondering why she's still with you too. <laughs> no, uh, that's what I posted in my rant because I was on tilt, and so I'm just wondering if everything was okay because she's working and you're snapping her off clean all the time. But and, how am I and, how, how am I snapping her off I, clean? I you. Wait, how am I doing that? I don't understand. I think you have a little bit of jealousy in regards towards CML, okay? And I don't know why. I mean, I, I, I mean, I think the site will go crashing down, like I predicted on Donk Down. Remember, I said that on air. And you can check the archives in regards to that. I predicted Donk Down would be a fail, and boom, it was a fail. Okay, this is what he wrote. I just looked this up. I hadn't seen it yet, but here's here's what he wrote. This, <laughs> this was this was uh, about uh, 24 hours ago. Not posting until my status is updated and an apology is given. Yeah, he, TML, mm-hmm. okay is demanding an apology for his restriction because of the uh, bombing of the forum. <laughs> okay, so if not, I hope the site goes down in flames like I predicted Donk Down would. In addition, Todd obviously has some sort of jealousy with me as I am not asking a lot from him. He's busy grinding seven stars, losing 100K at video poker and spewing what he has left online. 
wouldn't surprise me to see Druff on some sort of TV show looking for a new secret girl as the one he apparently is with will eventually leave someone who doesn't even work and is coming crashing down hard with his gambling issues. I'm out of this joke site. <laughs> Keep posting your troll threads, Todd. Can't allow a simple request from a 10-plus year listener slash poster is disgusting. And then he posted uh, a song from Bob Seger is still the same and then did the later <laughs> fag gif. Okay, so... Well, I mean, that was a little hard, I admit. I mean, okay, so I so here's, here's, here's my response here. Number one, I, I, I would never spend 100K at video poker to get seven stars. Even, even if I, I ran, spent 100K. No, no. Mean, look at the coins you put in there. If, There's no way no, there, you did seven star by betting five dollars a hand. Yes, listen, three listen, hands. Here's, you can. There's no way to lose 100K trying to get to seven stars if you do it right. Even if you ran like the worst ever, you couldn't lose 100K. Well, Second, that, that's that's the first thing. Second, not even close to that. Second, well, uh, I, I'm not busy grinding seven stars. I was done with that in January. I did it over a 10-day period in January, and I'm done, and I'm not going to do it again until January 2019. Next, uh, spewing what I have left online. Actually, I've I just returned to play online at Bovada, and I'm actually up since I returned. Next. Uh, you wouldn't surprise you to see me on a TV show looking for a new secret girl. I don't know what that even means. But like Ken Scaler, like one of those shows, like Blind Date. Or oh, I see. No, like no, that. see, I wouldn't do that. See, that's that has no appeal to me. But I, I will say that. No, no there's there's nothing crashing down hard, and and. Uh, She's well, not, it seems that leave. way. You're complaining about a ticket you got for $200 in Alberta. Well, and you're complaining last week on air that you don't make any money off the site. It's like, a, I mean, I'm concerned for you, Todd. I mean, you know, <laughs> like if you need some gambling help, I'm here for you. Or You know what I mean? Like if you want to talk to me secretly on the forum about your gambling issues, I'll be there for you. But I, I mean, I, the, like, Alber- on, the Alberta ticket was $400 a year. The Alber- he does sound genuinely concerned. The Alberta ticket was, was an annoyance. And, you know, I'm a cheap Jew and I, I don't like when there's speed traps that uh, that rob me of money. And then, uh, you know, as far as the site, I, I just want people to understand it's different than a lot of other poker media ventures that are only there for profit, that this one is really here as a nonprofit site that's there for the good of the community and for entertainment. And that's what that's what I point out to people whenever they think that uh, I, I'm doing this for some sort of personal gain. Uh, the only personal gain I get is from the occasional ability to cite the fact that I have it so poker sites will do the right thing and be afraid of me giving them negative publicity. But that doesn't come up that often enough to make this worth doing. Anyway, so so there, there's your answer to all these... Uh, well, if... No, but, well, okay, if C-Money goes ahead and purchases these picks, I mean, I'll, I'll give you some funds to to uh, help uh, with the site because obviously you have some sort of issues okay. with gambling and I don't want to see you go broke, Todd. So Look, if you want to give me money, I'm not going to turn it down. If you're listening on your airplane ride over to wherever you're going... Let's make this done, sir. We got to help out Todd. Okay, I mean, so, so I, mean, if, I feel look, bad for the guy. If, if you want to give me money, that's fine. I'm not going to reject it. But uh... no, but like I mean, I, I want to support the site, Todd. I Good. mean, I don't want to see you lose your house, your okay. family over gambling. I mean, like just let, let's just make this NFL pick thingy i want let's get this done sir and, and we'll move on we have a cordial relationship i've been nice to you on air i mean i i posted four junk threads big deal people bomb the threads with black cocks and 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 racist nah, posts that, that, and then you tilt on me here. for four four um posts i made like nah, come you, on. you, you can't you can't you can't just like believe you second? run the place you you can't believe you run the place i can't let that happen okay not, I, 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 I don't even post okay i, I haven't called it in months okay I, I don't run the place i understand everything you're trying to say here uh we, we will see what we'll do i will post an answer to this shortly goodbye well i cord you all right i've heard enough 
God. The only reason I allow this is there's there's a certain contingent that listens to this show that enjoys these segments. So, in, including C Money himself. So, I, I have to allow these segments of TMMLK, even though there's, there's some people who hate them. Some people say, "Why do you let him on here? Why?" Do you, like, like, you know what? I bet you if you did a Venn diagram of the people that enjoy the those segments of you guys arguing with the people that enjoy watching William Kasuf, it's probably there's a big overlap. <laughs> probably is. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's 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 hard on a show like this to please everyone. We have such a variety of listeners and and what they're listening for, and I never know what the right thing to do is because there never is a correct answer. There's some people that love segments like that, and there's others that love the 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 agenda topics and the more serious segments. And uh, it's so hard to please everybody with it. It seems like whatever I do or don't do, uh, I'm both right and wrong. That's why when someone like universal, when a segment is universally hated, then I know never to do it again. Because with all the different uh, types of listeners we have, if everyone agrees that a segment sucks, then I know that it probably sucks. Okay, uh, Doug Polk is creating his own news again by challenging Tom Dwan to... No, 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 Druff. He's creating Polker News. That's correct. Polker News. In fact, they mm-hmm. Polker News actually got a media pass for uh, the World Series. They were denied I hear, at first. I hear they have low standards. <laughs> well, they were didn't denied you, at didn't first. Did uh, Poker Fraud Alert get one? Well, yes, but but they were denied. And, and serious, I rest my case. And seriously, serious. <laughs> seriously, serious. was very upset. It was coming to me. You guys got one and we didn't. I was like, well, you gotta you got to understand this here. They are very sensitive at the World Series about commercial products getting media passes just to promote themselves. Like, right or wrong, they're highly sensitive to that. They know we're not a commercial product because we lose money. Which, But... Uh, uh, we're not selling anything, but but you know they they're aware that Doug Polk, despite being a, a pretty big name, that that he's really pushing this upswing poker product, and that wait a minute, you mean he doesn't do all these videos just out of the goodness of his heart? Are you sure? I I think so. Okay, not a hundred percent. So so Doug wow. Polk, uh, they they saw through it and they said, oh, you just want a media pass to keep promoting upswing poker. Forget it." So I, I said it's probably an uphill battle because I know others who got denied for that same reason. So. Late in the World Series, they posted a picture of their media pass for Polker News. So I guess they uh, they softened. They were in game. There you go. They wouldn't give it to Upswing Poker, but they would give it to Polker News. So here's some more Polker News where Doug Polk is challenging Tom Dwan to a $5 million heads-up battle. You know the thing that really gets me is... By the way, that music, this is such seriously serious music. He, he loves like the... the the serious music in the background, the sad, serious mm-hmm. music. As soon as I heard that, I knew who selected this music. Just don't get it. I mean, okay, the guy plays the highest stakes. He's had a few great moments on TV, some really epic moments where he made big bluffs or calls. And yeah, you can't deny his sense of fashion. But other than that, what does the guy have? You can hear this, right? Oh, yeah. Okay. So, of course, this isn't a serious video, but he's calling out Tom Dwan for really not having anything besides uh, a, a few entertaining moments on TV. Other than being one of the sickest heads-up players of all time, or gambling for millions of dollars, or having this aura of mystery, he has nothing. What can I do? What can I do? Wait. I have an idea. This might be the most expensive mistake of my entire life. 
I know what I'm up against. I understand. This could be the end of my poker career. But I have to take my shot. Sometimes in life, you can't let money stand between you and destiny. And to become the best, you have to beat the best. Which is why... How am I going to do this? I need something catchy. Um... Hey, Tom! I'm talking to you! Phil! I'm talking to you! You know what? I'm just going to say it. Tom Dwan, I challenge you to a heads-up no-limit match for $5 million. Whoa, okay. So, I, I have to say that Doug Polk is really getting a lot of views these days. This was posted yesterday. It has 112,000 views. Though, of course, Seriously Serious is involved, so it could have been viewbotting. But yeah, probably... Oh, stop. <laughs> those are probably real. Come on. But uh, you got 112,000 views. And uh, he has 142,000 subscribers. He even has 6,000 people who clicked the like button and only 339 dislikes. Uh, can you imagine in uh, just a poker per- uh, a, I said a poker personality. A poker personality in, in one day gets uh, 112,000 views. I mean, that's, uh, that's pretty impressive. So- well, this is the way that the social media, especially YouTube, works. Because what you do is you build up your uh, subscribers to your channel. Right, and the more you build them up, the more it snowballs. Because as more and more people subscribe, they get notifications when you issue something new. Then more and more people come in and like it, and then their friends see it, and and that's how these things spread like social. Things. Yeah, and and you end up in the recommended list, which is a big thing. So so yeah, that's what, it. anyway, that's how it all works. Yeah, and one yep. day, one hundred twelve thousand. We're gonna have to have an escrow, though. I know I'm an underdog. I'm not. <laughs> We're gonna have to have an escrow. <laughs> of course you are. That's a little bit of a, a, a swipe right That's there. That's a jab. That's a yep. jab. So. Stupid. What am I, 15, maybe 20% to win? But that's 20% to beat the greatest. Those are odds I'm willing to take. One out of five times. Get my moment of fame. There is a problem I didn't think about. I'm not sure if Tom is going to be willing to play stakes this slow, but that's why I need you guys to get out there and spread the word. Let's make this a reality. I need you guys to do what you have to do to make it happen. Plead with Tom. Reach out. Find a way. Otherwise, this challenge isn't going to happen. And they're showing uh, as if a a new tweet is being composed. This composed new tweet. At Tom Dwan, please accept Doug's $5 million challenge. He's at the end of his rope. Hashtag save Doug. So they're encouraging people to hassle Tom Juan on Twitter about this. It all comes down to one simple thing. I need to save my career. This is the last shot I think I've got. On a totally serious note, though, Tom, let me know if you want to play. Thanks for joining me for today's video. Okay. So, yeah, he put out that video yesterday. It's already got 112K views. They do a good job at uh, getting interest in these things. Uh, now, if... Cal Watt, he already spoiled the segment at the beginning of the show, but yeah, this isn't going to happen. Tom Dwan, it was never going to happen. Yeah, Tom Dwan <laughs> is, you know, he's, he's, not even, he's not even continuing the match he had against Jungle Man that's ongoing that has made him look bad for not completing. So he's going to take on a new challenge here for $5 million when he's not completing the old one. So It doesn't matter. It's brilliant. It's brilliant that they decided to do this because they saw that Tom Dwan had kind of returned with the uh, Poker After Dark on Poker Go, right? Yeah. And the amount of attention that that received was amazing. Um, So many people in the poker world are curious about him and the high stakes and 
how he was crushing it and then disappeared and then finally he's come back after all these years and all the you know rumors about him being chained to a desk somewhere in uh, you know some triad dungeon or whatever and they recognized that um, his name was back in the news and that lots of people had interest in it and they said fuck it you know I could see these guys sitting around having some beers and they're like you know what let's challenge Durr for five million. You know what I mean? Yeah. That'll get some views. And and not only that, uh, first of all, there's already terms it has to be escrowed. Uh, Second, uh, even if Tom somehow agrees to this, let's say he gets the triads to back him, and uh, and this Tom accepts it, then there's the negotiation of of where it takes place. There's a lot of ways that if he doesn't really want to do this, if Doug Polk doesn't actually want to do this, that he can get out of it by claiming that uh, they can't come to terms about something, where it's going to be, when it's going to be. And also, if he does want to, he could sell off a lot of action because Doug Polk has gotten enough of a reputation at this point of being an excellent heads-up, no-limit hold'em player. And and Durr has been... People don't know where he's been or what he's been doing. People could think, okay, even if Durr is an excellent player himself, he might have rust where Doug Polk does not have rust. And Doug Polk, even though he said, oh, I'm a 15% chance to win, people don't really believe that. I bet a lot of people would believe that Doug Polk is the favorite in this. I would take him as a favorite for sure. And I would too. So people, he he probably wouldn't have trouble getting backers to take large pieces of this and, and bring down his personal liability of this. I, I, there's no way I see Doug Polk putting $5 million of his own money. Even if he had it, match. he'd be dumb to do it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, whatever. So, but yes, it, it is a very smart uh, marketing move and, uh, you know, there, this creates the hype, this creates attention, this gets more people looking at uh, Doug Polk and running into his upswing poker product and they know they probably will never have to even deal exactly. with the, 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 the consequence of this because Tom's just not going to respond, and that will be that. Right. Or, or even right. if he does respond, it'll just never happen, and, and, and it'll be probably on Tom's side that it wouldn't. Maybe Tom will say yes to save face and then never really push it. So they know it probably won't happen, and it's a, just a smart thing to do, and they did it. Yeah, think about this. I could put out a video challenging LeBron James to a one-on-one uh, basketball match, and I, I guarantee LeBron James would not accept, and it wouldn't be because he's afraid he's going to lose to me. <laughs> but he, he wouldn't acknowledge it. He wouldn't accept, and I can go around saying, ha, I just challenged LeBron James one-on-one basketball, and this guy's such a pussy, he won't even play me. So he, he might take on Prahlad, though. <laughs> yeah. Little free throw competition. Yes. Yeah, that's what Prahlad will have to do. He'll just have to make sure he gets fouled all the time and then uh, just win on free throws. So yeah, now smart marketing move. They never planned for this to ever actually happen, and it's also one of those free roll kind of things that if by some incredible coincidence or some incredible luck it actually does happen, they'll be like, okay, you know, let's go. Yeah, let's get some investors and let's do it. Right, even more publicity. Why right. not? Right, that, and think of, think about all the hype that would be surrounding that if it did happen. And how he would be able to parlay that into making even more of a name for himself and yeah. promoting his site even more and all that kind of good stuff. Yeah, so there's really that, so no, a, yeah, no downside, especially if, if you are willing to go uh, through with it and think you can, you can raise the money to go through with it, then especially you might as well do it because you don't have to fear, what about the small chance he says yes and can do it? Okay, well, okay then let's play. <laughs> yeah, so, total free roll. Yeah, 
So that, that was a, a smart move on his part. But don't expect to see this anytime soon. Even Seriously Serious, who posted this video to Poker Fraud Alert, uh, put a spoiler saying, uh, you know, like, this is happening. He put, okay, probably not, or maybe not, something like that. So even, even uh, Seriously Serious knows this is probably not going to occur. Hey, be- best case, it does happen. Yeah. You know? I, I'd like to see it if it does, but... Uh, as would everyone else, and yep. that's what they're banking on, right? It's a smart move. It's funny. I, I, I wrote on the agenda, Doug Polk challenges Tom Dwan to $5 million NLHL heads-up match. I actually kind of like that. I, I meant to say to NLH, but NLHL is like no limit, high limit. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think that's what I was... I don't know why I I'll pretend it. he didn't fuck it up. Yeah. I actually kind of like it. I think I'll leave that again. All right. Uh, here is a story of a radio listener that ran into some controversy and some very angry fellow players at a tournament. And this guy brought his own story to Poker Fraud Alert and asked for opinions. And some of the opinions he got he didn't like very much, but nevertheless he asked for opinions. He goes by A. Hoosier A., he both posts on the forum and listens to the radio. He's more of a radio listener. He's been on the forum for three years. He has 106 posts, though more recently than in the past. But I know he listens to every radio show. So here is what he wrote. I was playing in a tournament over the weekend, $1,100 buy-in. Ran really well, made day two with a ton of chips, and we were about 27 people away from the money. I don't know how many people were uh, in the tournament. I assume like uh, he said it pays 63 spots, so probably 600-something. With day two starting, I had an amazing table draw. There were only two people other than myself that had any kind of hand in mob results. I steadily increased my stack without ease. I think he meant with ease. <laughs> until we were on the stone bubble. Yeah, he gave up his uh, English major scholarship to be play poker. Yeah. The tournament paid 63 spots. We were at 64 players hand for hand. For those of you that don't know, hand for hand means that when they get down to the, the final player before the bubble bursts, to pay the min cash in the tournament, they will, in order to prevent stalling at each table, what they do is they deal one hand at each table, and then they don't deal the second hand until all the tables are done dealing. Until every That's kind of a sick needle, Druff. What? I mean, you're basically saying that the people listening to the show are donkeys and have never made it far enough to get to hand for hand. Well, that, that's, that is true. But, that's but kind of what you're saying. That, that is true to some degree. But, but the other thing is we actually have some people who listen that are not poker players that for whatever reason enjoy the show anyway so I, I like to include them in fact i i got a compliment from the uh yeah i've talked about the australians before that, that met me at that uh, tire place one time when they were in vegas that it, it's an australian couple and the guy plays poker in fact he was uh he won it in that uh tournament this year the world series where Cantu busted me the Australian happened to be to my left and, and took some of my chips right before that. But anyway, his wife, who really likes this show, told me that one of the reasons she really likes this compared to other poker shows is that I explain everything for the novice listener who doesn't know poker that well. That uh, even for someone who doesn't know the community or doesn't know the game that well, they can follow along. So that's why I said it. Anyway, he goes on to write, At my table, there was an all-in and a call. A flip between two similar stacks. The guy that lost the hand was left with just a little over one big blind. He said the blinds were 5K, 10K at that point. The guy had like 11.5K. So just a tiny bit more than uh, one big blind. The very next hand, 
the guy that had uh, the one big blind was under the gun and put in the last of his chips. So basically the guy knew it was either this hand or the next one, he's all in. Because if, if he folds the under the gun, the next hand he has to put in 10K and he had one one and a half K left, so obviously he's pot committed with any two cards at that point. So he put in the last of his chips. It folded to me in the small blind, and I made the call with deuce three offsuit. The big blind made the call. The flop came king nine six rainbow. So that's about as bad as you can get for deuce three. Now, obviously, I have nothing. However, I'm not ready for the bubble to burst. I was collecting blinds and antes at will. So I lead out at the dry side pot with three high. The big blind folded, and the under-the-gun player won the pot with king high. Actually, I don't see how that's possible if there's a Forbes king nine six rainbow. But whatever. He won with something high over the 3-2 the, the high. Now, to explain people what happened, in case you don't follow all that... Uh, Basically, with, with with this guy going all in with a super short stack, and then uh, A Hoosier A, who had a lot of chips and, and called with 3-2, with when he totally missed the board, when he says has a dry side pot, what he means is that he, he's betting, but the only person he's betting against is the remaining third player in the hand, the big blind. And it said you should never bet into a dry side pot, meaning you should never bet if, there, if there's no further money in than what's already in with the all-in guy. Uh, you're not accomplishing anything by uh, bluffing into nothing to, to get the first person to fold. Because if you, it's a complete bluff, because you, the reason that's it's, it's a waste of time is because you're going to lose anyway to the guy who uh, who's already all in and you can't make fold. So so he bet into the guy who had the big blind. The big blind did fold, and then both people turn over their cards and they see that uh, A. Huger was betting with the absolute worst hand, three high with no draw. So he's thinking, well, why are you doing this? Because uh, you have to beat the guy who's all in already, and, and, and now you're going to have to uh, catch a three or a two, or you're going to lose. So, so why, even, why even try to force me out? So he writes, as soon as I turned my hand over, the whole table was like, what the fuck, and screaming collusion. I didn't say a word. I mean, what am I supposed to say? I want the bubble to continue, so I continue stealing all your blinds and antis? So what he's trying to say here is that he purposely tried to lose that hand and let the short stack win because he didn't want this guy to bust and then the bubble to be burst and everybody be in the money. And then what happens in these tournaments, once, once everybody makes the min money, then everybody with short stacks just shoves in their, their, uh, their chips uh, pretty lightly. I have seen people use this as a strategy before, by the way. Yeah, so I hadn't heard of it, but, but uh, yeah, apparently this is not the first time this has been done. So. Nope. So, uh, so that's what he's trying to say is that before the bubble bursts, people are so paranoid they're going to be the bubble boy, like I was in the, uh, I actually was the bubble boy in the Limit Hold'em event this this year at the first one I played. That they get very very tight. There's even I've even heard stories of people like folding kings or even some cases folding aces when they have uh, you know because they just don't want to be the bubble boy. They don't want to bust on the bubble. They feel they got all that way. They want to be paid something. So there are some people who will just fold everything pretty much. And then others, especially those with a lot of chips, will take advantage of this and just keep playing every hand, raising every hand, and just making people repeatedly fold. And, of course, gaining chips while they do so. So A. Hoosier A was saying, look, I've got a lot of chips. I love the fact that we're on the bubble. I'm just collecting chip after chip after chip. Once the bubble bursts, I can't do this anymore. I want, it to, I want this to extend. And he said he learned this, by the way, in a later post, he said he learned this strategy from watching Fedora Holtz play. He said Fedora Holtz was doing this. 
mm-hmm. and that uh, he learned it from him, and so that's the strategy he was using. So he said that uh, that's what he was doing here. He was actually trying to lose with, th- with a three high and hoping the bubble would continue. But that people are afraid this is collusion, that he's actually trying to lose, not for strategy reasons, but because he knows the guy in the big blind and is trying to give him chips. So, But then he doesn't want to admit what he's doing because he doesn't want uh, the table to realize that he's doing this so he can keep stealing, uh, stealing uh, blinds from them. The floor gets called over and asks what happened. Everyone, including the dealer, is ready to hang me on the cross. I tell the floor that I will gladly explain to them away from the table regarding my reasoning. He let me talk to him away from the table and explain to him the dynamic. Luckily, he was a pretty competent floor man and seemed to understand why I did what I did. No penalty was issued, luckily, but I did receive a lot of shit from the other players until the table broke. And the guy that eventually busted me, um, the guy that was in the big blind in that hand, not the one who won the hand, but the one he ran off the hand, uh, made the comment, that's what you get when he busted me. So... Uh, so he didn't ask for opinions, but obviously, if, you know, this is his post. Obviously, he's posting this on a forum like this because he wants opinions. So immediately, immediately Hockey Guy, who also listens to this show, was uh, on his case. Hockey Guy said, your explanation for what you did, of why you did that is just stupid. There are six or seven tables left, and the bubble could burst at any moment. So for you to say you did that just because you want the bubble to continue is retarded because you have absolutely no control over what's happened at the other five or six tables. Yep. That's a good point. So, anyway, what I said is, I said, I don't believe you were colluding or cheating in any way, but this is one of the oddest poker strategies I've heard, and I totally understand why players were alarmed by it. As Hockey Guy said, I don't think you were getting much of an advantage from this, and it clearly looked really weird to everybody else. I also would have been scratching my head asking, what the fuck, if I saw this happen at my table. So, the biggest problem here is because there are several other tables that even if you are good at preventing others from busting at your table and you're actually trying to prevent people from busting and trying to lose to them who are short uh, for, you know, for a few chips, the chances are one of the other tables is going to lose somebody anyway. So what, how much are you really gaining from this? So I, I don't even know if this is a smart strategy, especially where there's this many people on the bubble. I mean, if it gives you a 10% chance of of keeping the bubble going longer, it's probably plus EV to do it. You know, though you are throwing because, away some chips and in, in, in trying to do so. Yeah, because he's well. I mean, he's trying to. Assuming he gains more chips by doing it than he loses by donking off to this guy, right? Um, but that's I, I definitely have heard people talk about this for a long time about keeping the or wanting to keep the bubble around so that they can keep abusing everyone that's short. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So. Anyway, that's uh, that's what happened there. And so this is what I feel. I, I feel that this is a valid strategy. It's a weird strategy, but it's it's valid in that... I don't think he's gaining much edge from it, but it's valid in that it's not unethical right. and that it, it's understandable what he's trying to do. Even if you disagree with it and think it's dumb, it's, uh, it's, it's a strategy you can't say he shouldn't be able to do. And as far as the other players... Raising issue with this, I don't blame them either because it does look weird. And you know, whenever you have one person at the table seemingly trying to lose to somebody else who is short, 
of course, the immediate thing that's going to go in your head is this is collusion. He's trying, collusion. To, keep, he's trying yep. to keep his friend alive without you know, having that person bust before the bubble. He's trying to yep. dump chips to his friend. So that's what you risk when you do this is it's going to piss people off. And n- people don't necessarily know there if you're friends with that person. Now, he claims he did not know that person, which I believe. But how are you going to convince everybody else at the table that, oh, no, we really don't know each other? Well, okay, you can say that, but <laughs> that doesn't mean they're going to believe it. So if you're going to pull that strategy, you do have to prepare for others to respond that way, and you can't even blame them for responding this way because it looks weird and it does look like you're, you're engaging in chip dumping. And the floor man who has to deal with it may not be like this floor man and may say, no, nope, I don't believe it. I think it's collusion. You're getting a penalty. So I, I wouldn't do it, at least uh, – yeah, I wouldn't do it at all. I was going to say at least live. I, I wouldn't do it at all just because of the the fallout and the Well, off. if you're going to do it, do it right. Like, you know, you can't risk <laughs> making it so obvious that people are going to co- think you're colluding with You're right. Guys. Yeah. Yeah, like there there is a middle ground where you can do this with yeah. a with a hand that's that's uh behind you you know is behind but not not hopeless. That uh, that you could you could just explain uh you know, he's short. I just had to get it in even though I I I'm way behind or something. I, but yeah, three high there, betting into three high into a dry side pot is uh, kind of weird. <laughs> mm-hmm. you can't, you can't, that can't be more blatant of chip dumping than that. So that's kind of a weird situation. I don't think that he did anything wrong, but I, I wouldn't recommend doing this just because of the fallout you're going to get and because you, you may get penalties or other consequences from the tournament staff. You you can you can't always count on the tournament staff to make the right decision. And this is one where I could easily see some floormen giving you penalties or even in, in an extreme case a disqualification for this. So and if they do you you have very little recourse. Because it's it's an unorthodox and unusual strategy, so you may have a hard time convincing him it's a real strategy. And saying, Oh I saw Fedor Fedor Holtz doing it is not going to convince them. So, someone sent me a PM. I'm not sure when. It may have been when Team MLK was on. He said, "Come on, Todd, this is fucking terrible." Okay, in the chat room, they're talking about it a bit, and he says, I, you know, "Snake in the ass brought up a good point." He says, "It's silly because the guy under the gun who doubled up is going to be in the big blind the next hand anyway, and he's going to go all in again." So what did he buy? One more hand? And that, I see your point, but you could also say that if he does double up then in the big blind, then he's in much better shape and, and probably won't bust for a little while. If he doubles up there, then he, he can stall it for some time. So, Someone who's that short, they probably they do need two double ups to, to, to kind of hang around. Well, and he tripled up, right? Yeah, he tripled up too, right. Right. Yeah, but I think just making a, a play that's helping another person and knocking out, I mean, and affecting another person, I, mean, I think that's where it gets shady. Yeah, well, I mean, the bottom line, as long as you're not doing it specifically to collude with someone, if you're, if you're just playing a stupid strategy or a stupid style that should be allowed, I don't think this should be disallowed. It's just, uh, but but I see how it looks, and it can look terrible. And that's that's why I wouldn't do it. There's just too many, both both for the way people they're going to react to the table, and the way uh, you may get a penalty from the floor man for this. And it's it could be a tough thing to explain. And, and you're not gaining that much from it, if anything, especially with a tournament of that size. 
Like, can you imagine like the World Series main event if I was doing this? <laughs> like, oh, I'm going to keep the guy from busting at this table. And people would laugh at that with with all the the, the uh, like hundred tables running then. So okay, uh, moving on. Phil Galfond announced uh, quite some time ago. It was like two years ago or something. Let me. See, I'm going to f- figure this out. I remember that show. I did that show yeah, with you. Yeah, you did. When he was show. talking about it. Okay, so you know what? It feels like two years ago. It was one year ago. It was yep. one year ago. It feels like two years, but it was one year. And he gave an utterly unrealistic time frame for going live with this thing. Yeah, well, I'm looking at the blog right now. It's called A Poker Site Should. And it was posted on September 1st, 2016. And it's all these different statements of what a poker site should do. A poker site should value poker players. It should value the casual player for the money he's willing to put on the line to play a game he loves. It should value the enthusiast and semi-professional for the liquidity they, pro- they provide and for growing the game. It should value the professional for embodying the dream that brings so many people to poker. Uh, a poker site needs to believe in the dream as a, p- a poker career. Blah, blah, blah. Okay, so you can go read it if you want. Just you just Google uh, Phil Galfond uh, run it once. Or Phil Galfond, a poker site should. So, and that was a nice corporate manifesto, though. Yeah, know? yeah, and it, it, it was like it's like a. It wasn't too long. It wasn't too short. Yeah, but it was a. I I, I liked what he put out there. In fact, I well, like biz, business school one hundred and one is when you're thinking about starting a company, you write a mission statement. Yeah, yeah, and that that yeah. definitely was that, and it, and it worked, and it, some people got excited by it. In fact. I took notice of it and said, okay, um, I, I like what he's saying here. I, I think some of it's a little unrealistic, but yeah, that could just be the marketing end of it. But I, I like the fact that it's a, it's a long-time uh, pro poker player who played a lot online, who I think understands the industry, and that understands that Maybe there should there should be a poker site that is both friendly towards the pros and friendly towards the fish, and not uh, yeah, it, it's it's fair to both, and that it's trying to appeal to both, and, and they're going to make the effort to really be a poker site for everyone. Because too many poker sites uh, you know, for a long time were, were too much favoring the pros, and then, and then they went too much the other way with, with with trying to favor the fish too much and really screwing the pros and uh, creating a lot of bad blood. So he he's trying to say you can actually have everything. You can actually have it where you you really appreciate the fish and do a lot for them and understand their contributions and at the same time not give a big F you to all the pros. And, uh, you know, you, should, you shouldn't... Uh, you, you shouldn't uh, try to pl- put unenforceable rules in place, but at the same time you shouldn't let uh, the fish be exploited by, by predators there. So he, you know, he put out that statement and then people are very excited and wondering what this new site's going to be, uh, when it's going to go up. Now, it, it wasn't made clear whether this was going to be a site that uh, would take American players, but then it, it seemed like it was not going to. It seemed like it was actually going to be uh, a legal site that was only in markets where it was allowed. It wasn't going to be. He's not an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> so He's too high profile. Right. And- the, the people that I'm assuming he's going to he- help uh, get him to back this thing. I'm, I'm really hoping that he spent some of his money, but mostly he's spending other people's money 
But when you're doing that, like, there's no way you're going to get a whole lot of funding for an illegal poker site. It's not going to happen. Yes. So I actually wrote a fairly long email to him. And this is after first asking him if I can write an email about this. I didn't want to just you know hit him with a long email that he's not interested in reading. Is this the one where you're asking for a job? Yes, yes. So, so I, I, basically, <laughs> I basically said to them, look, I, I have so much experience in online poker. I know what the players want. I know what makes a good room. I actually have ideas. I didn't say what they were, but I have ide- innovative ideas that uh, haven't been tried before on online poker that uh, – um, some major, some minor that I think would work, not just outlandish things that would be failures, but the, that would work and make it even more interesting. Uh, and and I know in many aspects what the players are looking for from uh, a gameplay standpoint, from a software standpoint, from a customer service standpoint, all of that stuff. I, and there's a lot that even poker stars, I, I feel, could improve upon. They're the best of the bunch there, but I, I feel there's a lot that even they could improve upon. Uh, with regard in regards to how the site is run, and I, I have a lot of ideas that I, I believe if I were to be put in a position to be able to implement them, that uh, it could be very successful. Now, th- this wouldn't turn around a, a failing site, but uh, it would be something that would be valuable. I, I think I would be a valuable employee to have in such a situation. And I said, also, I have credibility. I, I've been known for all these years as someone that. Number one has never been involved in any kind of uh, scandal or anything shady, but in fact the opposite, someone who's been calling out uh, companies that have been shady and have not treated players well or that have uh, stolen from players, even in situations like lock poker where I wasn't even involved, where I just got myself involved to try to uh, bring people's awareness to it and, and save people from, uh, from being taken advantage of. So I said if, if I was seen as involved, that would also instill a lot of confidence in people, because uh, you know they, they would trust that I wouldn't get involved in something that that was shady. And, and I said, and furthermore, uh, you know, honestly, I, since you're trying to attract the recreational player, uh, the the one thing you guys are missing from the team I see you've assembled is that everybody's kind of around your age, kind of like early thirties, and that uh, if you want to relate to the casual player who, who you know has a good deal of money and has a career outside of poker but just likes poker, you know, a recreational player who's a you know, middle-aged type of person, uh, you're going to want them to be able to identify with someone on the team that uh, they can feel like they trust and that they can feel like uh, someone more similar to them. So... You know, the average uh, 45, 50-year-old uh, professional who wants – professional, not poker player, but uh, you know, a career professional who just wants to play some poker, they may not trust a site where everybody involved is, is 31 years old and a professional poker player. They, they see someone like me who's, who's older, who's involved in it, who has a history of fighting scams and stuff. That, that, that's someone they can identify with a lot more. That's someone that is, okay, it's, it's, it's someone I can more relate to. So I said you got that too. You got someone from a, a different age group. That also has uh, a reputation with really pressing for sites to, to act honestly and fairly. So, so I laid this all out to him, and he gave me a nice response. He said that uh, you know he was very impressed by what I wrote him, and uh, and and he can you know understand what I'm telling them. He could see the value of having someone like me on the site. However. They've already basically filled all their management positions. 
and he knows that's pretty much what I'm looking for. So, sorry, we'll keep you in mind, but uh, we, we, the, the position has been filled, essentially. I was like, okay, well, thank you for your time, and that was that. Uh, I, I wasn't, like, crushed by this. This was kind of a shot in the dark, like, okay, I, I see what you're doing here. I see how this could be cool. I, I see how this could be something that uh, could be a little bit different, and this is something I'd like to be involved with uh, if, if you'd like me to be involved. So and they said, no, we, we don't really have room for you at this point. Okay, fine. So I wasn't bitter. I wasn't mad. In fact, I, I was contacting them after they had already gotten something going with it. So, yes, I was asking to join after the fact. And uh, so, of course, it makes sense that there may not be room for me there at that point. So, fine. I, I wasn't uh, bitter about this or anything. And he did give me a very respectful response. And uh, that was that. I didn't expect to hear yeah, from him. I'll tell, you, I'll tell you what. Phil Galfon is a guy that... Um, I mean, I've always really liked him, and it's kind of weird because it's not that I know him or anything like that, but I back in the day when I was playing online poker, I listened to his training videos from Blue Fire Poker, and then, you know, just see him in various appearances and the things that he says. He's always been exceptional from the point of view of he's not really douchey, you know, and he has always been above board, and... uh you know, he's just been kind of. You know, it's he's someone that I would like to succeed. You know what I mean? I really would. Um, but I just think that a lot of the things that he's trying to do, while laudable, are unrealistic. At least in terms of the the time frames that he's laid out. Yes, you know? yes, I I agree with that too. So I mean, I've been involved in some really big software projects, um, and I know what it takes to do some of these things. And there there are a lot of moving pieces that you need if you're not going to just license some off-the-shelf stuff. Yeah, and, and that was a mistake that Ultimate Poker made by, by rushing a product out there that wasn't really ready, and then it had all kinds of problems, and then they had idiot uh, upper managers who were, who were uh, refusing to allocate the time to fix some of these major problems, and uh, they, they wanted them to keep pressing forward with new features, and in the meantime, the, the, the old features didn't work, and the whole thing was a, a disaster. So I, I totally get what you're saying there. So people have been asking... Phil, for a long time, for this past year, okay, when's it coming? What's it, where's an update? People have been joking on 2 Plus 2 about when they're going to finally see it. And, and people were talking about uh, they're going to see that they're going to play their first hand on Run It Once Poker when Baron Trump is president. <laughs> so, so. That's rough. You know, they, they, there were a lot of things like that. So, finally today. Phil Galfond put out a statement on Twitter, and he waited till today because he knew it was Wednesday, so he did it in the afternoon on Wednesday, knowing that I would have time to see it and then cover it on the show, which I appreciate. It was just for you. Just for me. Just like everything else that happens on Wednesday is, mm-hmm. is, is specifically for this reason. And I appreciate the rest of the world holding up their lives till Wednesday so we can do this. I did something for you this Wednesday. Or rather, my wife did something for really? you. Really? What did she do for me this Wednesday? Well, you know how the show was interrupted the other week for the the booty call? Yes. This time, since the kids are back in school, the booty call happened in the middle of the day. Oh, okay. Great. So she got it it out of the way, all for you. Oh. You know, that's especially impressive because a lot of women, I, I noticed this, and I'm not sure the reason why, but a lot of women are much more in the mood at night than during the day, like like by a wide margin. And when I, mean, I was, every, everything's done, you know. 
like it, it, even like younger women, not even like older women who have a lot of stuff to do and are very busy, even yeah. the younger women that didn't have much responsibility. Uh, I, I noticed this when I was younger, and I thought it was weird. Like there would be like at night, the girl would be all over me, and in the daytime and in the morning, they they, they weren't interested. And then I thought, okay, right. well maybe I did something wrong. And then the night would come again, and, and it would be repeat. So I go, this yep. is weird. But I noticed this not just with one girl, but a lot of different girls. In fact, most of them were this way. And I said, well, that's very interesting. And it, again, it wasn't just about fatigue or, or, or just about feeling like the, the day's done and they're done with their, with, with their responsibilities because, again, some of these were younger women who really didn't have that going on. So for that reason, the fact that she did this during the day for this show, I appreciate. Yeah, I mean, it was uh... – <laughs> And it's one of those things, like, I know what you're saying, because as a guy, you know, day, night, whatever, it's like, okay, let's go, you know? Yeah. And it was exactly, you know, I was just sitting there, I was doing some work, and uh, she's usually, like, busy as hell during the day, you know, whatever. But uh, she just came over, she's like, hey, you want to take a break? And I just looked at her, I'm like, I just looked at her, I'm like, yep. (laughs) (laughs) See you later. (laughs) All right, very good. That's, that's why we have Calwy. You can appreciate that, everybody. If you like having him here during the show yeah. and not yeah. taking breaks for more than three minutes, then you have his wife to thank, at least today. Yeah. So this is what Phil Galifant said. He said this around, uh, around 2 o'clock Pacific time. Hey, all. I've been asked many times for updates on Run It Once Poker. Unfortunately, there still isn't much to update right now. So this is an update to tell you that there's no update. I mentioned in my last update that I'd let you know when we're approaching a date we're sure of. That's still true. And that time has not yet come. Trust me, nobody wants us to get there there as soon as possible as much as I do. (laughs) The reason for this non-update update is that we have some unrelated product projects in the pipeline, which I'm excited to announce when ready. <laughs> That's a horrible tweet. The reason for this non-update update is that we have some unrelated projects in the pipeline, which I'm excited to announce when ready. <laughs> I mean, come on. He can't even announce the projects which are delaying this project. I'll tell you what, like... Back in the day when uh, we were doing all sorts of software projects, you know, when I first started out doing it, we'd announce release dates, right? Yeah, big and mistake. <laughs> no end of pain came from that, right? Because, y- you know, because you did it for a while, but you never hit release dates, like never. Yeah, I know. Um, just the nature of software is just, it's amazingly complex and interconnected. Um, and then, you know... You, as you mature in the industry, you just never announce a release date. Like, you just don't. Like, people will be like, when is it going to be done? You'll be like, when it's done. Yeah. You know? I mean, it's the only way to do it. Yeah, and this tweet here, I, I think the mistake here, even if it's true, I mean, I'm sure it's true, but you don't say this because he's saying the reason I'm not giving you much of an update on this, I'm just pretty much telling you that I have no update is because we have other projects we're doing, which we've decided we're putting ahead of this project, which you're all waiting for so eagerly. So this is this is on the back burner. This isn't important to us anymore. We're putting this in the ba- on the back burner, but we're really excited about this new stuff, but we can't even tell you what it is yet. We'll tell you about the new stuff when we're ready to tell you. <laughs> I mean, 
that's that's the ultimate of saying a whole lot and saying nothing. So really, he should have left that part out. He should have just said that uh, we're still working on it. There's a lot of unpredictable factors to building a site from scratch. Yeah. So uh, just stay tuned. Leave out the unrelated product that is yet another product that. Yeah, I mean, just they can't tell you about. Yeah, just leave that out. Yeah, that's. (laughs) You especially don't want people to think that you're you're starting to give up on it or put it in the back burner or other things have caught your attention more. This kind of seems like that uh, he's gotten bored. I've run it once poker and now has other exciting stuff that they're really pushing ahead of that. That makes you feel like it's never coming. Yeah, it's not really a smart move. And he can't even excite you about those because he can't say what those are yet. <laughs> so why even say it? Okay, so he goes on to say, I don't want you to take my enthusiasm for these future announcements to mean that I've forgotten about the projects you've been waiting for. Well, that's exactly what it sounded like. Uh, the overwhelming majority of our resources have been and will remain focused on Run It Once Poker. Okay, then, then, then why mention the other stuff? Why, why do that at all? Thank you for your patience. Hopefully you'll share my excitement for everything we've been working so hard on. Uh, yeah, this, this was over seven tweets he wrote all this, because tweets can only be like 144 characters. So... Uh, I understand everything you said, that you don't, you don't want to give a hard date and then not make that deadline and look foolish and disappoint people. It's not even look foolish. Like, there's no upside. The, the real reason to announce release dates for stuff is a marketing concern. Yeah. but, but or, that, or if you're doing enterprise software where businesses are doing timetables and they actually really need it, um, then it's okay. But when you're doing consumer stuff, there's no upside. At the same at the same time, uh, not only did he make the mistake by saying that other products, uh, other projects are, are getting in the way somewhat, but also he should have at least given kind of an upper level reason for why there's this delay. He explained that designing uh, a great poker product from scratch is very difficult, very time consuming. No. They, they want to make Truff. sure everything's perfect. Truff, here's how you do it. It's real easy. I mean, this is how you phrase it. You know, the, we, we don't have an update to give you uh, because we're working very hard to make sure it has the best possible experience for you, the player. That, that's what Both. I was going to say, pretty much, in that in you know, roundabout I mean, way. that's it. You know what I mean? Like, you, you phrase it that the reason it's late is because we're trying to make it awesome for you. That's right, it. Right, that's what I was about to say, that we're... we're, we're it's very difficult to build a, a great site from scratch, and we're we're putting all the features that you're going to want to see. And when you see the the end product, you're going to understand why we took so long. But, but we're working on it every day. We haven't forgotten about this. In fact, we're working really hard behind the scenes, and and uh, when it's done, it's going to be a great product, something like that. But I would leave out all that stuff in the beginning because marketing 101 is that people have short attention spans. You want to have one message, and you want it to resonate. So you just make it really simple. The reason is we, we care so much about making it a great experience for you. That's it. You know what I mean? Like, I, people don't care about excuses and know it's hard and all that kind of stuff, you know? I, I can understand that, but at the same time, I, I still think that people, especially who are looking for updates on this particular online poker site, they, they just want more information. If it sounds like a one-liner that's too generic, they may get irritated, like they're not being told anything. I think people also like that they're being kept in the light for what's going on. They're being kept updated. 
that they're they're not they're not being forgotten about. They like, like they got excited for his project, and now he's letting them know along the way how it's going, rather than just yeah. you were excited about it. Now we're not telling you for a long time, and now we have a one liner six months later. Like that's I, I think making people well, you feel balance like, that. You could balance that by having like a nice like a screenshot. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. That, uh, would, that would be something of good. something that's working, and just so people can get a peek at it. Yeah, you know. Yeah, something like that. So that's his update. I don't think we'll see it anytime soon because if it was close, he would say something that it's close, and it's not close. He would say he wouldn't have to give a deadline. He could just say that uh, um, you, you'll be seeing it uh, fairly soon. That could mean anything. But he's not even saying that. Just like other stuff's in the way, uh, we're working on that. We're working on this too. That's where our resources are going. Uh, thanks for your interest. <laughs> so. Yeah, we're doing some other stuff. So you know, got distracted by another shining object. Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> I, I still love how he's saying that they got distracted by things that they cannot tell you what they are. Yeah, that's the best part. It's not even like uh, we have such and such exciting projects now, and we're working on these at the moment, but also working on it's like. Yeah, we have other stuff going on, but we're not telling you about that either. Just trust me, there's stuff. There's stuff, and it's exciting. One day we'll tell you about it. It's a weird, uh, weird update. Okay, I, th- I threw th- that was the last topic I threw in, even though it's not the last topic we're doing. It was the last one I threw in that I almost didn't cover, but then said, "Now nah, I've got, I've got to cover this," especially because I we still got Trader Ruski here. Do we? <coughs> I'm here, but fading oh fast. Fading. Oh, tra- God. Tra- before you fade, uh, d- when you heard what I read there about uh, this, do you agree with us? Do you, do you think that uh, this was a good announcement, or do you think this left something to be desired? How, how would you take this as, as a person waiting for Runner Once Poker? No, I agree with Cal Watt, and I don't know why he's talking about the uh, and YouTube. He's talking about the main project, and, I, and he said most of the resources are involved in that where I mentioned the other things. <laughs> yeah. So that was kind of strange. Yeah. Well, okay, let's talk about something else strange. The Global Poker League. I, I thought they were pretty much finished. The Global Poker League itself was an epic failure. Nobody cared about it. No one watched it. It got terrible viewership numbers. Uh, CEO Alex Dreyfus seemed to be broke. Uh, he seems to have screwed the World Series in some way to where Ty Stewart of the World Series openly bashed them <laughs> uh, and, and, and their global poker, global poker index, and they changed it at the last minute to their own proprietary uh, point system, which also sucked. But I, I really thought that was it, and they were even admitting they had money problems. Alex Dreyfus even scammed Fedor Holtz and, and a few others uh, in a currency exchange scam. That was only made right after the the guys made it public. So I thought the Global Poker League was just another shot in the dark by Alex Dreyfus that was funded by other people that failed, that lost money. And I even heard rumors that some people weren't being paid who had participated in it. So I I thought that was done. I thought it was one of these things like he wanted to try it, wanted to see there be interest. There wasn't much and he was giving up. No. Uh, It's continuing. And continuing in, in a strange fashion. So what I did not even know was the fact that they expanded it to another market. That they made a global poker league China. And that's apparently already completed. 
So the original Global Poker League featured uh, what they called teams from the Americas and Eurasia. And then this year they had a Global Poker League China, which I hadn't even heard of. So now they've decided that they're going to add a Global Poker League India. (laughs) Now, keep in mind that you want to talk about marketing. (laughs) Uh, They're even admitting that, in a way, that the GPL's first season was a failure. GPL India will take all the lessons learned in GPL's first season, as well as GPL China's current successful rollout, to create the most legitimate and perhaps most importantly most appealing poker competition witnessed in India until now. There's so many things wrong with that statement. (laughs) Let's let's break this down. We'll take all the lessons learned in the first season. Not like we're going to bring back all the great things. No, no, we're going to bring back all the lessons we learned about why it sucked. Then, uh, as well as GPL China's successful rollout, okay, fine, to create the most legitimate? So they're saying the others were not legitimate? Like, what does that even mean? The most legitimate and perhaps, most importantly, the most appealing poker competition witnessed in India until now. Now, how many poker competitions have we even witnessed in India? I don't know, but a lot of them must not be very legitimate. <laughs> I, I, I've never even uh, heard of poker in India. It just seems like it's not big over there. There's there's a number of good Indian poker players who are Indian Americans or Indian Canadians or Indian Europeans, but not in India itself. I, I just haven't seen any kind of existence of a poker community there, despite its very, very large population, the second largest population of all countries on Earth, and in fact, uh, uh, the United States is a very distant third. The United States is like about a third of the size of India population-wise. But uh, India, what was that? I was just uh, doing a little research on it, and I found an article. I, I was wondering if like online poker is even legal there in India, because I have no fucking idea. But and they found. <laughs> Indian Supreme Court to rule on legality of rummy and poker. <laughs> so, and this is from 2014. So I'll see if I can find a result. But apparently, as of 2014, it was one of those things where uh, it was a gray market where there's no law necessarily against it, but there's no law uh, making it explicitly legal either. Yeah, but we were we just haven't seen uh poker in india we haven't seen nah. indian poker players there, there's a reason it's because for whatever reason it just has not caught on in that country so to say this is the well most- it's also a, it's a very very different country uh from a just wealth point of view than the u.s or europe or uh scandinavia or a lot of other places where where poker is pretty big there's a huge chunk of people in india that don't even have running water in their houses yeah yeah but though China yeah. has, they have a poverty issue too, and they, I can understand in China why you know over there, the, the poker still has popularity and can be successful because uh, there, there's there's gambling in the culture over there. But India doesn't really have that. So he, he goes on to say, this is a spe- this is a spectacle built to benefit the country's poker enthusiasts and draw in fans as well. Top players from India's national GPI rankings will be part of this league. 
But while the pros will have their place, the nation's millions-strong contingent of amateur players and poker lovers will have the opportunity to win their way into, into a roster spot on their local GPL India teams as well. I'm sure there's going to be like tons of excitement for that. Uh, they even admitted, Alex Dreyfus even admitted that uh, India is a very weak poker market. He says, this, this was a, an interview he had with GamblingIndiaInfo.com. Interestingly, India is one of the smallest poker markets today, but the most competitive in poker leagues. What does that even mean? It's, <laughs> it's healthy, but also a frustration because there is no money to be made or to share at this stage. Operators need to understand that it's a three- to five-year investment and, and need to put in millions of dollars to make it work. Each league operator chose a specific model. I, I know the PSL management, and I like them. I'm not sure which uh, PSL is, but... Uh, um, let's see if I can find that. Uh, whatever, I'll go on. Uh, I don't know Raj, but I know very well Match Poker IFP. I don't believe in all that model. I believe it's flawed and doomed. Unfortunately, we're in the entertainment business. I've been in the inter- in- I've been in the internet industry since 1995. The only downside of having several operators is that not all of them will survive. And when one disappears, it affects all the others in a negatively f- negatively in form of PR. On the long term vision, I'm not worried about our approach. So I, I think he's referring to. Uh, other poker leagues. There's an Indian Poker League and a Poker Sports League. That's what PSL is, Poker Sports League. Uh, and I guess they've been slowly growing. And he's claiming... And, and so the GPL owns all the teams, but this Indian Poker League and Poker Sports League actually have it where the, the teams are owned by... Yeah, they, they own themselves. So the GPL already has that problem in that uh, these teams are not, you know, they, they have to fund everything. So I, I see what he thinks he's doing there, that there's already two leagues over there and he's trying to basically take their business. But he thinks that their their model is flawed and doomed, he says. But he also admits that's one of the smaller poker markets despite its huge population. And even said... It's a frustration because there's no money to be made or to share at this stage. Operators need to understand it's a three- to five-year investment. I, whenever you hear something like that, it's a three- to five-year investment, there's no money to be made right now. I, I can't see a lot of people lining up to invest <laughs> at that point. You know, I, I wonder if he's doing this uh, Indian poker tour. Maybe he conned some, uh, you know, some wealthy Indian guys into investing in his sphere that we talked about. That, that's, that's what I think. I think there's, it's got to be something like where he's just trying to penetrate new markets and, and get more suckers who aren't uh, wise to the failures of his other ventures and hyping things up. And so he has to go wherever the money is. So uh, he even said right now, he said, I think the Indian poker industry is very small, like, likely around $50 million. It's almost a niche. But we believe there's a big potential for growth, especially through a uh, skill game and competitive gaming angle. That's our specialty and expertise. I read that Poker Stars is looking to invest in India. Yeah. So, if uh, Alex Dreyfus himself is admitting it's a very small industry and it's a fifty million dollar industry, which is pretty ridiculous, he's claiming there's millions of poker fans there or millions of poker players in India. That, that couldn't be true if it's only a fifty million dollar market. Is worth is each player worth like thirty dollars in the whole market? So, 
That's. Uh, I mean, I, I really have not seen anything out of India. What's next? The Bangladesh tour for them? I mean, they could be the rival. <laughs> yeah, I guess it could be. Yeah. But I think he's just moving on to whatever he can find. I, th- I think I really think that he just searches for investors to stupid things like this, and probably propped up the success, or shall I say, lack of success of the original GPL. Maybe even tried to say, oh, we had some challenges at the beginning, but the China one did well, and now we're going to move here. But I don't, I don't know who keeps getting to invest in these things. You must be good at talking people into investing. Because the, the guy who's having to scam Fedor Holtz for uh, $20,000 at the World Series is unlikely to be the one coming up with the money to do things like this. You know, it's really funny. I was actually listening to that dollop podcast that I have talked about on here before. Yeah. And they, they did one on P.T. Barnum. And it's just the shit that this guy did was just fucking hilarious. Like he had a a hundred year old woman that, or sorry, like a hundred and sixty year old woman that he was charging people to come see, and he fleeced people for tons of money to to come see it, and then she ended up dying, right? And <laughs> they uh, ended up doing an autopsy on this woman to see if she was really old, and she wasn't. So what does the guy do? He, he goes back and he says, oh, that ops- autopsy was a sham. She's actually still alive, right? <laughs> so he's getting, he's getting people that already paid money uh, to come back and, and come see this again, right? And then the same, with the same woman, he actually fed a piece to the uh, local uh, paper at the time. I don't, I don't know what it was that said that um, when she actually did die, that said that she actually wasn't real and she was made from like – all these different parts of some kind of animal or something like that. <laughs> and all the people that were outraged came down to see it again because they wanted to see if it was true or not, you know? And you get people like this that are just really, really good at, at playing on uh, playing people up and conning them out of stuff, you know? And I don't know. I mean, maybe Dreyfus apparently ran some legit businesses for a while, and I think he's made attempts to have these be legit, but I do think that he's got at least some part of a of a scammer in him, you know? Well, yeah, it seems like what he likes to do is very much overstate the potential for these different business ideas he comes up with and and overstates how the great innovations he's come up with will be a game changer and all you have to do is invest and, and the, the money will flow in. And I, I think that he, he just is good at convincing suckers into investing into these ideas, which in reality have a very small chance of success. Uh, it, it's very hard in this day and age to come up with something that uh, is, is a new idea in poker that's going to just make tons of money. It, it just the market is too saturated, and too many things. The market have is tried. shrinking. It's, yeah, it's saturated and shrinking, so it, it's very hard to do. Now, like someone like Doug Polk came up with this upswing poker. I don't know how it's doing, but at least he has the advantage there of being uh, a known player who had a lot of success, heads up that a lot of people know about. And, and right. then, uh, and now he hired Seriously Serious to help him make these videos, and and uh, is able to promote a poker training product based upon his known name. Now, if he was a nobody, it would be very hard for him to have done this. If he if he was just a right. nobody who who had no success in poker or no known success, uh, then it would be very hard for him to start this upswing poker and convince people to buy it. People are mainly buying yeah. it because they know he's a good player. And I, and I don't know Polk, but my guess is that the end game is not upswing poker. Um, I think that a lot of, I mean, he's definitely doing the videos in part for that, but I think he's also just trying to gain notoriety 
um, so that he can be a, a personality or a media figure. And he's obviously using his exposure in poker uh, as a way to leverage that. But I wouldn't be surprised if he's going to try to use this to get into you know some kind of media business. Yeah, or or even just uh, to get very lucrative sponsorship opportunities like people like uh, Negreanu get. So, well, he's trying to become internet famous. Yeah, you know, and he's using a small niche where he's already famous. And I do think that these videos are a way to um, advertise upswing poker, but I also think they're a way to advertise Doug Polk. Yeah, I, I believe um, that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So. But anyway, with, with, with Dreyfus, I think he just he comes up with all these poker-related ideas that, he, oh, this is so innovative. This is going to be a game changer. This is going to change everything. It's going to be a second poker boom all on the backs of what we're doing here. And, and people buy it, and they don't bother to think, wait a minute. Is this really very exciting? Is this really very interesting? Is this what people really want to see? Is this going to attract large number of people? And the, the funny thing was the, the viewership for their first global poker league – it was nothing. It was tiny. For all the money that was probably invested in it, and and all the names that were involved, so several of whom were fairly big, it really got very, very little uh, viewership. Nobody really cared. Where do you think that cube is? <laughs> no, I'm I'm really genuinely curious about this. They built this fucking expensive huge cube where do they keep it and yeah. what do they do with yeah, it i don't know the whole thing that whole thing was weird you know what i mean it's like you when you see uh photos of these old like resorts that are overgrown by uh nature that has crept into them because they have been mm-hmm. unkept i bet you that cube is doing something really weird you know maybe you sold it to someone for like a zoo or something <laughs> like that you know you know what that yeah. reminds me of there's there's a water park between LA and Vegas in like a total no man land in the desert. There's really nothing close to there. It's just, it really is. Someone came up with the idea to start a water park in the desert, which is close to nothing. And the only customers that could be expected would be ones that were driving to or from Vegas that want to stop at a water park, which most people are not going to want to do because you're, you're either going to or from Vegas. You don't feel like stopping and changing into a bathing suit if you even have one. And go into a water park, even if it's a, a hot day and, and normally you'd like to. So, not surprisingly, it failed. But uh, it, remnants are still there. You can still see the, the closed rides. And over the years, it's, it's deteriorated more and more. And some things have either come down or been taken down. But there, there's still signs of it. In fact, there's, the, there's still a giant Coke can. They had like a giant Coca-Cola can. I'm not sure what it was supposed to be, but it was like a, a giant Coca-Cola can that was there that started peeling off so you could only see partially that it was a Coca-Cola can. I think that's still there. Mm. And for a while, it, it looked like a fully functional water park. It just wasn't open, and then it, it deteriorated, and things started disappearing. Things started falling apart. And yep. that, uh, that, that was just the weirdest thing to see appear there because I, I couldn't imagine who thought that was a good idea. Because you, you really, they really were going to get nobody there except for people driving a long distance to or from Vegas. Yeah, be, it kind of is like Planet of the Apes, you know, where they have those scene where there's like a Statue of Liberty like wrecked and just barely peeking out. Yeah. It'd be kind of cool if they did, uh, you know, return to the Planet of the Apes and there's a cube. <laughs> you know, there's just like a cube sticking out of the beach somewhere. <laughs> but seriously, what the fuck are they doing with that cube? It's got to cost a ton of money to keep that house somewhere. Yeah. You know? 
I mean, I know what storage fees are, and it's not your average storage facility that you can keep that thing. I guess they must have it so you can break it down uh, into, like, slabs, and then they're just storing that somewhere, I guess. Yeah. Here's here's a commercial from 98 from this is a... In the expansive Mojave Desert, the mountains sit majestically over the desert plains of Southern California. In a land where water is scarce, travelers between Los Angeles and Las Vegas on Interstate 15 will be surprised to see the refreshing oasis that is the all-new Lake Dolores Resort <laughs> and Rockahula Water Park. Visitors are treated to an atmosphere filled with classic Americana and family fun. Boasting 18 brand new aqua attractions, including the Big Bopper, the world's largest family raft ride. By the, the Big Bopper, I'm seeing this on here. Uh, it's like a, you're, a few people are on a raft together going down a water slide. This looks dangerous. Like It looked like the raft was about to go over the top of, in a few spots. All new Rockahula Water Park offers something for everyone. Young and old alike can bask in the sun, get their kicks on one of the many exciting water slides, relax in the cool flow of the Blue Bayou River, or take time to enjoy one of the many shaded areas in the park. When it's time to eat, the park offers the Lazy River Cafe, or a lush family picnic area. A fabulous destination for friends and families, travelers will definitely want to spend their night in the soon-to-be-completed Cyber Ready RV Park. Cyber Ready? What does that mean? The Cyber Ready RV Park, in Wi-Fi charging stations. No, not not ninety nine. <laughs> this this was a commercial in ninety eight saying they're opening in early ninety nine. Most people were using dial up then. Trying to think back. No, yeah. was that? I don't know. Was it still dial up then? It mo- it wasn't all dial up, but most people, for, there was nobody using Wi Fi there, and the, the there was a little there was. Early usage of, of uh, broadband technologies, but uh, uh, that was that was only at homes and businesses. Not uh, you know, it wouldn't be something like a trailer park or, or even a hotel. You were, so you were, Apple introduced their airport in July of 1999. Yeah, so this is talking about like January '99. That was when Apple introduced it. Not uh, I'm well, telling. What you. I'm saying is Wi-Fi existed before they came out with that product. But you're right; it wasn't uh, it wasn't a widespread thing. I- I'll tell sure. you. I remember in 2000 was actually the first time I got uh, a non-dial-up internet connection, aside from using them at, at uh, universities and stuff like that. Uh, the, the first time I had one in my home was in the year 2000. I could have gotten one sooner, but that, that's how popular dial-up still was until uh, in, in the 90s. That was Most things were really made for dial-up in the 90s. Traditional campers will enjoy the clean air and mountains surrounding the full facility campground. There are so many great things to do at the all-new Lake Dolores Resort, and the new park management team is excited to bring a full calendar of special events to the park. From rockin' concerts to jammin' jet ski competitions, classic and custom car shows to fantastic fireworks displays, the all-new Lake Dolores Resort and Rockahula Water Park has no shortage of smiles. Except for the owners. I, I'm, I, this looks like a great place from, from this commercial, but uh, they pretty, uh, pretty much got no business, as, as I expected from when I saw it. I, I don't even know where this commercial aired. This is a, a three-minute commercial. I've played you about half of it. And someone put this on YouTube. It actually has 100,000 views. It's a, let's, let's see here. 
See, you know what I was saying before about Galfon that I've always kind of liked him and I hope that he succeeds? Yeah. I I got to be honest, I kind of hope that Dreyfus just falls flat on his fucking face. Oh, I do too. He's been involved in so many scandals and so many times people have had bad things to say about his business dealings. I, I totally hope that. Like I, We did stories years ago about uh, promised World Series of Poker seats for people who finished at a certain position of the Global Poker Index and then he uh, went back on those promises. So, uh, yeah, I'm seeing here that uh, the... Does it really go that far? It, it says that the... I thought this water park was built later. It says something about how Sold in a defunct park in August 1990 to the Lake Dolores Group. And then they basically rebuilt the park. And that's probably the one I saw open. This this one was being advertised in, on July 4th, 1998. Oh, that's interesting. The original Electric Daisy Carnival was there. That I did not know. I don't know if... It, so that was before it was in Vegas. In 99. And... Uh, then I, I, there is a an employee who was crippled in a 1999 accident who got 4.4 million dollars in damages. Then they filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy in February 2000. So they were already bankrupt by by February 2000, and they opened in uh, mid 98. And then they they actually sold the property in September 2001, and then it reopened in 2002. After a $400,000 renovation under the name Discovery Water Park, it was only open on weekends, but then uh, it still was not getting enough people, and they were only opened intermittently in 2004, and then they finally closed it, and it's been closed for the last uh, 13 years, and it's still there. Though it says people still occasionally uh, visit just to uh, walk through the ruins. And it says, although a no trespassing sign has been clearly displayed at the entrance, visitors often ignore the sign to enter the park. And in 2017, the no trespassing sign has been torn off. Uh, but there was, there was a, a gate that was keeping it closed, but then uh, someone rammed the gate open and it's now just open now. <laughs> and the parking lot there has been sheathed by a layer of dust from the Mojave Desert. And now you can't even get into the parking lot entrance because there's boulders blocking it. And now I kind of want to go there before it's completely gone. So anyway, that's that, I don't know how we got into talking about that, but that's that weird water park between LA and Vegas. It is... Let's see exactly where it is. Yeah, it's by Newberry Springs. But it's not really in Newbury Springs, kind of by Newbury Springs, and you have to... I remember the weird thing with it is you, you can't just get off of an exit to get there. Because it, it showed up like... The freeway wasn't built around its existence, nor did they build an, an off-ramp for it. So you actually have to get off the freeway and drive like a mile the other way to get back to it. Which is another tilting thing for anyone who's considering visiting. You're like, oh, okay, I'm past it, okay, never mind. And then you, 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 if you get off, you have to drive back a mile, which a lot of people just don't want to do. But I, I guess it originally opened in some way in 1962. But it was like just a campground. And then it uh, they started adding things to it. 
That part I did not know until I read it just now. Okay, so I, Poker Go is attempting to stay relevant after the World Series is over. If you remember, that's the app you have to use to watch the uh, content of the World Series of Poker that ESPN is not broadcasting. It's $10 a month to subscribe to it. And people were asking at the time, once the World Series is over in July, who's going to continue paying 10 bucks a month? So they're trying to find reasons that you keep paying $10 a month. So they, they had that uh, Poker After Dark. They revived that and brought Tom Dwan in, and that was successful. Uh, they're trying something else now. They're trying a new prop bet show called Major Wager, and it's going to debut this week on the online site. It's going to have a five-episode run, and it's produced by uh, by PokerGo and uh, by some New York-based company called Roundhead Creative. It's going to feature... Isn't this something that Antonio and Locke tried to do a while ago? Yes, and they're going to be involved. Uh, oh, right, or, of course. Or not? Not. I, I don't think Locke <laughs> is involved, but it's going to be uh, Daniel Negreanu, Samantha Abernathy, Brian Rast, Antonio, and uh, then Jeff Gross are the five who will be uh, participating. Wh- which one is Samantha sleeping with now? Uh, it's got to be one of those. Or maybe the producer or something. Yeah. I, maybe it's Negreanu. Could be. Yeah. Or it could be a Carrie Katz for all we know. Oh, there you go. Well, I don't know if his wife and like 10 kids would approve of that, no, though. That's true. So uh, they're trying to bring an audience to this uh, Poker Go and keep them around paying their $10. Uh, now, of course, uh, Antonio and, and uh, Samantha are owners. Not Samantha. Antonio and Negrani are owners. Right. Uh, and uh, th- th- this came out recently. In fact, we even talked about that here. And uh, Antonio and, and Negreanu, they had been promoting Poker Go without saying they were owners, which is technically a, an FTC violation, though I doubt that they'll be uh, facing any consequences for that. So uh, as far as a major wager goes, Poker Central said each episode's contestants will make performance-based bets with dignity and pride on the line. Challenges range from racing cars to pole dancing <laughs> and everything else that Las Vegas has to offer. Nothing's off the table. And well, I hope that Samantha is going to be the one pole dancing out of that group. That's the only one I want to see. Well, because yeah. I'm looking at a small picture and there's Antonio is pole dancing. And then oh. there's some chick on there who doesn't it's not samantha it's just some chick that's right. probably showing him how to do it or something yeah he, he's at a studio learning how to pole dance so some one of these like fit young hot chicks who runs one of these pole dancing studios and then antonio's trying to learn so yeah i guess we'll have a, a pole dancing competition between uh, probably antonio and negrani that's gonna be sexy so then uh, i am i am greek says the pole dancing was hilarious <laughs> okay so uh Joe Kakati, who's the Poker Central president, said, We want to explore what would happen if we combined the most con- competitive personalities in poker with prop betting in everyday scenarios. Major Wager will be a hilarious addition to PokerGo's already robust offering of local pro- uh, of original programming. And 
other shows that are on there already are uh, Pokerography, Poker Nights, and Dead Money. I don't know what those all are, but Pokerography, I'm guessing, is like a biography of poker players, but the rest of them I don't know. I, I have zero interest in any of those. You know what? The one thing that they, they did that I <laughs> almost made me want to subscribe to it what? is getting getting Dwan on there. Well, I was going to say, that, you know? that, that, that seems I thought to be, that would have been interesting as hell to yeah, watch. That's, that seemed to be the, the one that's really getting got the most publicity and most positive response was the revival of uh, Poker After Dark and bringing Dwan on there. That was uh, a great yeah. move. But then, you know, and I actually was thinking about it, and then I got distracted, and then I realized I didn't have time to be watching it anyway, and then now I don't give a shit anymore. Yeah, what was so brilliant about that is they they brought back two uh, beloved institutions from the past, both Tom Juan and uh, and Poker After Dark. Yeah. So, so, so anyway, the prop bet shows in the past, uh, some of them have been good, some of them have been terrible, so uh, it's... I don't know if Major Wager will be good or terrible, but I, I can't imagine that this is going to create a lot of buzz. I think this is just something that's... Uh, it's, it's, it's an idea that, that, you know, they've tried it so many times before in various forms. I can't imagine that it's... I mean, who knows? May, maybe it'll be amazing, but yeah. I, I'm skeptical. So that that will be on. You can watch it this week on Poker Go if you have it. Uh, I want to talk about PayPal and their weird change in attitude regarding gambling transactions because for a long time they were super anti-gambling to where they just wanted nothing to do with any sort of gambling and if they caught you or if their bot caught you doing any kind of gambling transaction they would close your account and that's actually still true however it seems like they have softened regarding legal gambling and that is any kind of gambling where they are approached and an agreement is struck with them to process gambling transactions where they are convinced that the gambling is legal. So you won't see America's card room or Bovada using them because they would never allow that. But uh, where you might see them in the future, I can't say you will or won't, but I I wouldn't be surprised if maybe they'll be willing to process payment for something like uh, WSOP.com, one of these legal online gaming sites, maybe even for for the uh, New Jersey casino sites. Now, I don't know if they want to get into that the full casino gaming but it they do process for william hill i believe though over in the uk i know they do process for full-on gambling in the uk where it's legal to license sites and we've talked about how they were processing for global poker and we're believing that global poker was actually gambling through the chargeback attempts by the guy who is in contact with me the radio listener who has been filling me in on his progress in attempting to charge back to global poker it did kind of open up an interesting window to the relationship between paypal and global poker and what he got from the whole thing was that they were convinced by global poker that it is gambling but it's just legal and then he confused paypal by saying oh yeah well look at all this language all over the site that it's not a gambling site and they're like, oh, that's interesting. We were we were told this is a gambling site, and that's why we don't provide any kind of guarantee, and that's why we don't allow chargebacks. But yeah, if it's not a gambling site, then we have to allow chargebacks. So they, they, they started looking into it. So it's kind of funny that Global Poker may be kicked off because they're not a gambling site when they said they were. So, But, but it, it does seem like they are processing transactions for companies that convince PayPal that they are legal gambling. 
yet it seems like they're mainly processing payments for sites that are gambling but kind of you know use some kind of loophole to claim they're not so they can be legal but then it's very questionable whether they are legal and then yet oddly enough they they identified a PayPal not as a non-gambling site which just resembles gambling but is actually legal because it's not really gambling they actually go to PayPal and say yeah yeah we are gambling but we're legal and somehow PayPal falls for it that that seems to be what we're seeing here that PayPal classifies them as a gambling site and yet all over their site it says we're not a gambling site. So another site has uh, offered PayPal as an option. And that's a site called uh, NLOP Poker. Which uh, I think is, is one of these uh, Cafrino gaming sites that uh, I haven't heard very good things about, to be honest. But uh, the NLOP stands for National League of Poker. So there's two brands, uh, uh, Cafrino and National League of Poker, and they're going to operate independently. So uh, this is an email. It says, uh, we're excited to announce that NLOP has been acquired by Cafrino. The two brands, Cafrino and National League of Poker, will continue to operate independently for the foreseeable future. So you you can expect the same great platform you've come to know and love. But by combining the resources of the two leading free-to-play and legal online poker brands, this will offer many benefits to all players – and while we feel that this is a huge win for both products and all players, the transition will take some time, uh, blah, blah, blah. And then it, it uh, talks about PayPal. Let me get to the PayPal part. Uh, prizes. We're focused on getting prize withdrawals back on track because the Cafrinos had problems with, with, with withdrawals and people uh, play their, quote, free poker site and then they uh, – they can't withdraw their winnings. Effective Friday, September 1st, the payment processing accounts PayPal and Dwala will be up and running. Uh, initially, we need to cap daily withdrawals, so please bear with us to work with us. We can complete this transition. So basically, they uh, they couldn't process for a while, cause it, probably because they were broke, and now they've uh, been acquired by Cafrino, and they, they claim they can do it again, but they've got it limited, probably because they're, they're still somewhat broke. But... Uh, yeah, I'm not even sure how these completely work. I know that you can play for free. I think that you can also buy play chips and then earn prizes eventually. Something like that. It's one of these loophole things where it's really low-limit gambling, but they claim it's not. They claim it's just uh, you know, free contests. But PayPal seems to be okay with this. And I'm thinking that it's possible in the future... That if PayPal really is okay with these shady sites that claim they're uh, legal gambling when they're really not, that maybe some actual legal gaming sites like WSOP.com will eventually offer PayPal. So maybe they've they've changed their minds on this as, as far as how they handle gambling in the U.S. But still be careful when using PayPal. Don't ever write anything that their bot could detect as being a gambling payment. So don't ever say, uh, you know, for sports bet we made on Sunday or or uh, you know, poker steak or whatever, They'll, or even the words like free roll. It'll pick those up and ban the accounts. Oh, uh, you mean when I sent you that PayPal for the WSOP? Yeah. Don't, I shouldn't have put in there uh, good luck in the World Series of Poker tournament? Yeah, you don't put uh, good luck gambling at the World Series of Poker. I, re- I really hope that this steak... <laughs> For for uh, you have yeah. I really hope that this steak uh, f- results in in big wins for you. 
<laughs> if you if you do run it up, maybe go take it and make some sports bets. I think if you put that in the description for any PayPal transaction, you'll get that person's account shut down. So, yeah, I wonder. It, it, I, I'm following this thing with the global poker chargeback so much, not because I'm excited this guy's doing chargebacks that are kind of shady, but, but because I, I want to see the inner workings and the relationship between global poker and PayPal. And I'm really interested to see if PayPal will agree to process gambling transactions eventually for these legalized online poker sites that are legalized and regulated by the government. It's possible they're staying away from these uh, state-level rooms because uh, maybe it's a little more gambly than they want to do. Maybe maybe they're willing to take these low-limit rooms where the money exchange back and forth is not going to be a lot. How do you think our uh, buddy Dreyfus feels about global poker? <laughs> Given, I was given wondering that about... his brands are, he's got uh, Global Poker League, he's got Global Poker Index. How do you think he feels about this brand? I was wondering about that, why he hasn't complained or tried to like, threaten to sue them. I was wondering why he's tolerating that, to be honest. Probably too generic. Maybe, but you'd think, he would, you would think he'd take a stab at it anyway. Well, I mean, maybe, but it doesn't sound, since he needs to borrow money from poker players to fund his fucking cube. <laughs> it may not be uh, too flush to to hire a lawyer. Yeah, maybe you can't hire a lawyer. I don't know. That's a that's a good question though. I, when I first heard that, I'm like, oh wait, did Alex Dreyfus start a poker site now too? But no, it's different, totally different. Because that's the thing. That's how you measure it, right? Is in market confusion, and whatever you use, like poker fraud alert, is trademarked, right? Because you've been using it, um, and the fact that you haven't registered it doesn't really make a difference. But the problem is if you register something really generic, then it's really weak and you may not even have a case at all, you know? And this may be a situation where even though it is like legitimately creating some confusion, um, I'm not sure he would actually have a case for it. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, that's a good question. But I'm curious, like I, I... Imagine him like gritting his teeth. Yes, when he sees global poker coming out. And yes, he'll pro- probably even get people like mistakenly asking him questions about it, and he's probably like, "Ah, that's not us," you know. Yeah, he'll say, he'll say you know, Alex, uh, I, I've been skeptical of everything you've done, but this global poker, it seems like it's going pretty well. Finally, you have a successful business. He's like, "Ah, that's not that one's not me. <laughs> that one's not mine." Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's it's, it's kind of like a. When when uh, when poker news doesn't keep up with your chip counts, and then you you bust like on the bubble, and people go, "Oh wow, I see you're the chip leader! Great job, man!" And you're like, "Shut up! I bubbled this. I'm not here anymore." Yeah, wrong guy. Okay, so the uh, P- uh, Poker Stars has stopped allowing winning. They stopped allowing people to win multiple satellite tickets to the same event. And the reason this is significant is that there are people who actually have used satellites as a way to make a living, and they wouldn't actually do it the way you'd think. They're not playing satellites to win their way into a bigger event and then win that event. They actually just will win their way into that event and either sell their seat or win, or just use the seat but then win other seats and then sell those, or in some cases just automatically get the value of those if they win online. Uh, there are people that come to the World Series just to play satellites to win what are known as lammers, which are chips that can only be used to buy into World Series tournaments. 
And what they then do is they just hang out at the cage and try to convince people who are buying into those events anyway to sell them the Lammers at full value. And usually it, it will be done. Usually you can do it and not even have to give up any value. So, like, someone will enter a satellite to a 10K event, win it, and then not play the 10K event. They'll just go sell it. Usually for full value, as I said. So, focusing on the online portion of this, it's actually a lot easier. Because, like, on PokerStars, if you would win a second seat to an event they're running, since you cannot pull a Z Justin, you can't be Justin Bonomo and, and be sitting in two seats at once, what they do is they automatically just give you the value of the seat. They'll either give it to you in tournament dollars, meaning that's dollars you can only use to enter other tournaments with, or they'll sometimes even just give it to you in cash, depending on the situation. But they'll give it to you in full value. And that includes live tournaments. So if like a, if a tournament has a $5,500 buy-in and they're also giving you a $2,500 travel allowance, which is... Uh, part of the whole package. So the package is $8,000. If you win that twice, they'll actually just put $8,000 in your account or $8,000 tournament dollars in your account. So there were people on PokerStars that would mostly play these, mostly play these satellites just for the purpose of either selling them or just uh, winning them multiple times and just getting the tournament dollars or cash out of it. The reason people would do this is because satellites were assumed to have weaker players overall than regular tournaments. Because satellites tend to have people who cannot afford to play whatever buy-in tournament they want to play, and therefore are just kind of taking a shot at it. And, and usually, of course, lower limit players are not as good as upper limit players. So people found that this was even the case where the buy-ins were the same. So they found that uh, uh, like a $530 satellite into a $5,000 event had a softer field than an event that was just $530 to enter. Why? Because even the events that are $530 would get a lot of people entering who were still very good. But players who are very good often would neglect to play satellites. They go, I don't need these. I, I can afford to enter what I want to enter. Why, why do I want to bother trying to win my way in? It's just, there, there's something about playing satellites that a lot of people just find distasteful. They feel, find it's beneath them. They don't have to, they, don't, they feel they don't have to satellite in. Why should they bother? That's why a lot of people don't enter them. Or they don't, it doesn't even register in their minds that they should. And I was guilty of this. Until this year, I never played a satellite into the Limit Hold'em event. So all these years, there was the 10K Limit Hold'em satellite event that was $1,100 buy-in, you know, a Limit Hold'em tournament I could have played all these years that I just did not even think about playing until someone mentioned it this year about that existing. I said, oh, you know what? Why didn't I ever think of that? So I played it this year, and of course, uh, typical of this year, I got it very deep but busted and did not. It uh, sounds like TMLK might be right about you. That, that I'm, I'm just uh, losing all my money gambling? Yeah, because it's your first year that you're having to saddle it in. Ballin! <laughs> so, so people played these satellites because they felt these were the softest tournament fields, and then they could still cash out what they won. Just because it's a satellite doesn't mean that you have to play what you win. So Poker Stars, which has been basically in a war against pro players. They, they, they're they not banning pro players, but they're making life less and less pleasant for them. They're trying to 
gear the site more towards amateurs and recreational players, realizing that they are really the customers they're looking to attract. They have changed their long-standing practice of allowing people to win multiple tournament seats through satellites of the same tournament. And this was the statement from PokerStars operations manager, Mike Jones. While recreational players dream of winning the poker experience of a lifetime with PokerStars, a fortunate and skilled few with mul- win multiple packages and, and seats to our live events where they can only use one of them. These players have taken advantage of a system that allowed them to profit from winning against recreational or less experienced players. While this hasn't been against the rules, it doesn't make for as enjoyable of experience as we would hope. The practice has, in fact, been off-putting for many, as we are seeing an increasing number of recreational players not even attempting to qualify for live events. This means that they are, as a group, less likely to experience the excitement that comes from playing live and the further investment in the poker world that comes from playing a major live event. So, so he's, he's talking about the live events here, that people aren't even trying to satellite into the poker live events. And I, I guess... I guess they're only restricting this for uh, their satellites to live events. Not all. I, th- I thought they were doing it to all events, but it's, I see it's only the live events. So, apologies for the confusion there. But uh, yeah, they they just don't like people winning multiple seats to live events. They feel it's not allowing fish to win their way in, and I think I think they're also frustrated that if fish w- don't win their way in, then the events are too tough. Then a lot of pros are probably staying away too. So I think they I think they want to see more fish at their live events. And therefore, they want the satellites to be won by more fish. And the only way to stop this is the only way to stop the pros from winning these satellites is to tell them, "Okay, you're done." Once they win once. So, and they also said they've noticed that amateurs aren't playing them as much because they're just not winning and they're giving up. So that's a change they've made, and it only has to do with the live events. I I had this wrong. But uh, it wouldn't surprise me if they clamped down on non-live events, too, and only let you win once. I was thinking about that the other day, Druff. So let's say that you opened up uh, a paintball uh, arena, right, where people could just come in and, and shoot paintballs at each other, and that's how you make your money, right? Yeah. And then let's say that, uh, you know, they, they start – there are some prizes that you give away or whatever, and so what ends up happening is you get a couple of guys that are just because, you know, maybe they're like ex-Navy SEALs or something, and they come in and they just, just shoot the crap out of everyone. Like a little 12-year-old kid, first time ever coming in there, they just blow them away. Like as an operator, what would your attitude be towards those people? You know what I mean? Yeah, well, yeah, you could say, I, I guess you, you'd have to think about how to deal with it. But yeah, I, can, I can understand how... Customers in, you know, in such a competition would be frustrated if the same people are, are, are winning and crushing it every time. And then they don't come back. And they don't come back. Yeah, I I, I understand and, and why as they're an doing operator, it. How would you How would you feel about that? You know, I wouldn't like that. I understand, especially for the live events, why they're doing it because what they're basically saying here is, you want to satellite to a live event, fine, you can, no matter how good you are. You know, we don't mind you playing, but once you win, okay, that's enough. You, you've won your way in. You shouldn't be able to clog up the the, the satellites in the future. For the same event, so they're saying that's a, the whole point is to win your way into the event, not to win additional seats you can't use. So they uh, they've done away with that. But that, that this is something they're doing at PokerStar. They're just 
they're trying to come up with ways here to take traditional advantages away from the pro players and make this better for for fish. Okay, so let's. Uh, by the way, I got a message that a lot more Indians are playing on stars these days. That's interesting. I, I really didn't see any when I played, but that was years ago. Finally, this is not a topic. We actually got to this topic. I thought you'd be asleep, but we got to this topic. The Craig Carlton topic. Did we get Traderuski though? Is he still here? It's a fine question. Traderuski, are you here? We have to give it the obligatory thirty seconds or so. Then we can declare him dead. Nothing. That's it. That's it. That's all she wrote, man. <laughs> He's flatlined. He's flatlined from cause of death, too much tea. Let's see if he's even on the line still. No, he, he just hung up. He's. I should have looked at that. I wasn't even looking. I just clicked on it. No, he's not even there. Just you. Okay, so... Boomer and Craig was a show on WFAN, which is a big sports station, sports talk station in New York. Uh, sports talk radio is much bigger on the East Coast than the West Coast. The West Coast, when they, they, ha- they have sports talk stations, but they don't do very well. The East Coast, they do much better. And Boomer and Carlton was actually, uh, not Carlton, Carton. I've said it's St. Carlton, it's Carton. C-A-R-T-O-N. Boomer and Carton is, I've never heard it before. I, I don't really listen to much sports talk radio, and especially not, East Coast sports talk radio, but uh, it, well, it, you don't have to discriminate against coast stuff. I do that all the time. So anyway, well, you know, Boomer Esiason. Yeah, right? yeah. No, I, I know, okay. I know, I know of it. I just hadn't uh, listened to it. Uh, so Boomer Esiason was was uh, one of the two, and then uh, Craig Carlton was the other one. And uh, the show has existed since two thousand seven, and. Uh, Carton was arrested at his Manhattan home at 3.45 a.m. They were waiting for him before he left to go to work. His show starts at 6 a.m. And he was arrested for a Ponzi scheme and a concert ticket selling scam. And this whole scam that he was engaging in was just to pay back loan sharks and bookies. Uh, Boomer Esiason was not even told what was going on. He had a sub-co-host right after Carton was arrested, and they didn't even tell him why. They just said, oh, you know, uh, Craig can't make it today. <laughs> here's here's a sub. And then they, they uh, then he found out later. And uh, Boomer Esiason said, I'm taken aback and surprised by it, like everyone else is. I thought he had called in sick this morning, but unfortunately my partner was arrested. <laughs> so... Let's hope that doesn't happen on PFA radio. Yeah, yeah, that'll be the Cal. Let's, let's hope I, I stop showing up for a couple of weeks. You're like, oh, I don't know where he is. <laughs> yeah, so I, I thought Calwatt was just tired because the show always started so late, East Coast time. But in reality, yeah. my partner was just arrested. Yeah. So the SEC said that uh, he, he started a ticket-selling scam 
where he claimed that he had access to large quantities of face value tickets to big concerts that include uh, Katy Perry, Adele, Justin Bieber, uh, Roger Waters, Metallica, and Barbara Streisand. He claimed that they just had agreements with these uh, with these artists or the companies representing them to get face value tickets. And uh, so he got investors to this company that he started to provide these tickets. And uh, this is last year he did this, claiming to have these agreements in place. The SEC said, in reality, no such agreements with a concert promoter or venue existed, and the signatures for the concert promoter or venue were forged. So he just completely made up the whole thing to get, quote, investment in this company, claiming he already had these agreements in place and even forged signatures. Not good. Uh, and so he did this uh, with an accomplice named Michael Wright from New Jersey. And they posed basically as, uh, as power brokers in the concert ticket business. So he was arrested for this. But apparently this wasn't just done to enrich himself. That uh, in reality, he did this because he had accrued millions of dollars worth of gambling debts to both casinos and to bookies and loan sharks. Yeah, I actually read up on the story. <clears throat> Excuse me. At one point, he said he was $3 million in the hole. Yeah. And this guy was paid decent money. I mean, his salary was like two hundred fifty grand, but that's not going to put no dent in $3 mil. No, no, that'll take a long time. So, uh, Carton and Wright uh, raised millions of dollars through these uh, misrepresentations. That's the funny thing is they, they weren't raising them from uh, from selling tickets. They were, rep- they were just... Uh, getting money from investors in this phony ticket uh, sale company. Uh, They misappropriated at least $5.6 million from two investors alone. And that was mainly from uh, claiming to have contracts to buy blocks of concert tickets. Druff, I think one of my goals in life is that I can have $5.6 million that can be misappropriated. (laughs) You know what I mean? These guys are probably doing pretty good. Uh, so it also, they said, uh, so June Kim, who is the acting U S attorney in Manhattan said behind all the talk, right. And Carl, the right and Carlton show was just a scam designed to fleece investors out of millions, ultimately to be spent on payments to casinos and pay off their other personal debt. <laughs> and, a criminal complaint described how an unidentified hedge fund executed a revolving loan agreement that would provide them with up to $10 million to buy tickets with the understanding that the hedge fund would share in profits. The hedge fund probably didn't do very well in that one. And, and Carton forwarded uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars of that to casinos. And uh, apparently there was a, a third person who was listed as, quote, a co-conspirator. But that person did express concerns about the math behind the transactions. And uh, in response to that uh, third person, the co-conspirator who's unidentified, uh, Carton uh, tried to calm him down by saying, uh, my thought is if we could sell a bunch of uh, tickets in the next two weeks, we would have a legit profit to use and at the same time create goodwill with the hedge fund. 
As a side note, Druff, hedge funds are one of the most useless fucking things in the world. Yeah, and then these hedge fund managers just make obscene money they don't deserve. It's ridiculous because you can, instead of putting your money in a fucking hedge fund, you can just do what the hedge fund manager is probably going to do, like invest it in an index fund. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's retarded. (laughs) So I I don't know what Carton thought he was doing. So my thought was if we thought we could sell a bunch of, if we could sell a bunch of tickets in the next two weeks, we would have a legit profit to use and at the same time create amazing goodwill for the hedge fund. But but if they're selling tickets they don't have, then how are they going to – I don't get what he's trying to say here. He's talking about profit. Now, unless they think they're going to buy the tickets somehow and then resell them, but but he was claiming they got it for face value. So how are you going to make any money? Scalp them. But they're selling the tickets. They're they're not not – he's saying that like they're selling them supposedly for face value. Yeah, that's not going to work. Oh no! I see, I, oh no! I see what he's trying to say. I, I think maybe they were getting them at face value and then selling them for a profit. I think that was the yeah. Supposed I think to they were trying plan. to scalp them. Yeah, yeah basically. Yeah, yeah. And they they got stiffed. Apparently, they bought like a ton of Barbara Streisand, and there was they were stuck with about seven hundred grand worth of tickets. Oh, okay. So that is what happened. So they they were just buying yeah. them, and then and they were just buying them, and then uh, trying to resell, and it was a fail. This fucking guy Carton was probably out on the street trying to sell them. <laughs> Anyone want Barbara Streisand tickets? Yeah. I, 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 uh, you, She's really good, I swear. I, I didn't. Even, I only. I added this also at the last minute, so I was uh, right at the last, like last few hours before the show. I thought of adding this, so uh, I didn't do the full reading on this like you did. I just uh, read this one article on ABC News, but uh, whatever you read gave a lot more detail. So that that explains. That's so funny. That's what they were doing. <laughs> They're trying to become professional hedge fund backed ticket scalpers. <laughs> That's great. I love that he's stuck with seven hundred grand worth of Barbara Streisand <laughs> tickets. She's Robert Barbara Streisand's probably like, Wow, I sold out in New York. This is amazing. My fans are back and then she goes to the venue and it's empty. <laughs> you know? A lot a lot of what uh ticket scalpers do these days is they they're basically selling on consignment. So that's why right. if you go to these ticket scalpers websites, you're gonna see like the same tickets all over on different websites. And it's basically whoever sells them first, uh, you know, gets access to them and then get, gets their cut, but uh, of, of whatever the profit is, or whatever. It's kind of like what StubHub is, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's is similar. It? Yes, it's similar. Except except the difference is that uh, with with StubHub, your list you have full control over it. Uh, with, with these uh, with these ticket brokers, you're basically just giving it to them, and uh, then yeah, at, at a specific price, and then they just take it. And I, I'm not sure how much control the per, the owner has at that point of how much they sell for. I never understood how StubHub was legal when ticket scalping is not. Like I don't get it. Well, ticket scalping is legal in California. I don't know about where you are. Oh, I see. So it may be a regional. It I is regional. Okay. I, I don't know. Where it's illegal, in fact, because in, in California it's always been legal, hmm. and uh, they, in fact, I've even scalped tickets a few times where I, I, I've sometimes bought tickets to an event I have no desire to go to, but I know is going to sell out, and if I can get the tickets at face value, and if it's uh, if there's enough of a profit margin, and I can do it easily. The problem is that StubHub takes like a twenty three percent profit, so twenty three percent cut, so it's it's very difficult to beat that rake. That that's what I found. So even with ones I, I could make a good profit on, 
by the time the 23% came out, I didn't make much at all. All right, so in New York State, there's a scalping law. It's legal to scalp tickets so long as it's below face value. Well, then that's not scalping. It's just reselling. Well, maybe. I mean, well, a lot of people buy tickets for less than face value. Yeah, I was saying, but scalp, scalping actually is a term that you're you're reselling it for higher than face value. Well, I mean, whatever. That's what this article is saying. Okay, is that in New York State, it's legal to scalp tickets as long as it's below face value. Okay, so that's 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 why you had the impression it was illegal because where you are, it is, and uh, where I am, yeah. it's not. Yeah, in California, it's legal and. StubHub, uh, you know, I'm sure they follow the law wherever it is. I, I, I never knew that in New York that they. Uh... I don't think it's just New York though either. Yeah, I just I, I wonder in New York and you just not use StubHub. That's that's kind of weird. Or, or maybe there are actual like authorized resellers. You know what I mean? Where they get a uh, because they're regulated, it's allowed for them to do it. Yeah, I don't may, know. Maybe, I don't know a whole if, lot about it. Maybe if the seller agrees. That uh, may, like the original seller agrees. Like Major League Baseball has agreements with StubHub, where they actually Major League Baseball actually directly forwards the tickets on to the new buyer. Yeah, I mean it could be something like that because this article is also talking about StubHub. So I don't know. Whatever. I don't have time to read the whole thing, but the, I, I bet you that they are licensed and regulated or something. You know. Yeah. What I found from my foray into buying tickets. Uh, that StubHub is usually the best. Not always, but it's usually the best, especially for sports, because you just have to wait till close to the event and, and certain sellers panic and are so afraid that they're going to be left with tickets like uh, the 700 k worth of uh, Barbara Streisand. But I'm even talking about individual sellers who have like two tickets to sell or four tickets to sell. They don't want to be left holding the bag with nothing. So they will drop the price dramatically, even sometimes way below face, just to get rid of them towards the end. Whereas a ticket agency... Even when doing it on consignment, they don't give a crap, so they'll they'll let them go. So what I'll notice is that the ticket, the ones that are being sold through ticket agencies, uh, the price often does not come down, or if it does, it doesn't come down that much. Whereas on StubHub, if if you have the timing down, uh, then you can just wait it out and and wait until the seats come way down, and then get great deals. That's how I've attempted. That's how I've attended Dodgers games with great seats, even in the playoffs, for not that much money. Is by doing that, and now if, if it's a super popular event like like the Cubs World Series last year, then you're you're never going to be able to pull that because there's just uh, so much demand. But all right, so I'm I'm reading something here, Druff, so that it looks like in tw- 2007, a number of anti-scalping uh, legislation in New York State was repealed. Um, and that was in specifically to help with companies and marketplaces like StubHub. But then in 2016, some anti-scalping laws were reenacted. So there's all sorts of crazy shit going on in New York here. Yeah, and then uh, – so, so yeah, that, that's funny though what these guys did. <laughs> just We're just going to buy tickets and try to resell them and uh, make it look like we've got a – working business model and then the hedge fund will like us and then we can try to really make some agreements later. I, I didn't work out real well. Yeah, I, I thought what they might try to do is is lie on both ends. Like try to lie about all the great investors they have to the concert promoters and try to make themselves look bigger than they were and then lie to the investors about all the agreements they already had. Yeah, they didn't really plan this out really well. It seems like they could have done a much better job. Yeah. 
<laughs> so, anyway, it looks like that uh, Boomer and Carton is done. Boomer will probably continue on with a new partner, but uh, the show is actually on, uh, not just on WSFAN, it's also on uh, CBS Sports Network TV. And uh, WFAN says that they are cooperating with authorities. Well, what else would they be doing? Not cooperating? So that that's interesting. The reason people are so interested in this is because you you they listen to this personality. He's you know you know he probably makes decent money. They seem to yeah you know, have their shit together. You don't expect one of them to be a scammer on the side. Well, you know he he got in some serious hole with uh, gambling stuff. And that kind of I mean, and I wonder. Not yeah. too surprising, but the guy does a sports radio show, and he's in the hole for sports gambling. So he, he wired <laughs> hundreds of thousands to casinos, but then like five point something million disappeared. So where did the rest go? Was that to, was most of that to bookies and uh, loan sharks? I, maybe that's what it is because paying people off. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe that's what happened. Is the casinos he can only bet so much, or he's he's not always over there, so he has these guys he's betting bigger and bigger with and losing. And then those those guys, he feels like he has to pay. Like he's afraid of what will happen if he stiffs them for large sums. That was of money. in one of the emails. Is that there were various levels of urgency with the debts that he had outstanding. So maybe some of them were with uh, with bad characters. <laughs> yeah, and that's the or pr- casinos he really wanted to gamble at. You know that were going to threaten legal action or who knows what. Yeah, especially if you're betting large amounts, the bookies which are willing to take very large bets are probably ones that are aware that there are people who there are people who will screw them who lose right. so that they usually they probably have something in place to scare people who try to screw them so uh, yeah he was probably worried and that panicked and thought oh well I have something we can do I wonder what the other guy was doing was the other guy a a gambler too, or just uh, someone who just wanted to scam. Though it could have been like one of these scams, which is not conceived as a scam, but conceived as a business idea that they want to be legitimate, but they just uh, use fraud to uh, make it happen. And then, of course, if the business fails, then uh, they've committed fraud and lost the money. So. Uh, Maybe they really want. Maybe this wasn't just a steal from people. Maybe they really thought, like, let's get. Like he was talking about the legit profit. Maybe, maybe he was uh, really looking to get this going. But uh, the only way to do it was to lie about the partnerships they had, and then get these investments. Then, then borrow from some of it to pay back gambling debts, and then just hope one day the business will work, and then uh, he can eventually put the money all back, and nobody be the wiser. Kind of like what Full Tilt did. Didn't work out so good. Yeah. yeah, it is kind of similar to that, isn't it? Yeah, yeah just uh, yeah, we'll take we'll take the money. We're not we're not stealing it. We're just we're just gonna borrow it from now. Is it? It's it's not technically ours, but we're gonna borrow it for right now. And when we succeed, it's it's all gonna be put back. So it'll be fine. It's not really stealing. Druff, speaking of this, you gotta get a hold of Letterer. I keep forgetting about that. You gotta do it, man. You, it was, you gotta like you gotta meet up with. You said you're gonna wait until you were in Vegas, right? It was such a weird day that day when when I had that whole thing with Letterer. It, it was so weird because I, I I sit down to this event that I really wanted to win, this 10K limit hold'em, and I start off 
kind of crappy, but it's still the blinds are kind of low, so it's not terrible, but I'm still you know, immediately not doing well. My, my 50K starting stack goes down to like 38, which is one of the lower ones at the time. And I'm thinking this sucks. I'm probably going to be one of the first ones out. And, I'm, and then, then Howard sits at the table, and I think, oh, you know, I, I promised everyone I'm going to confront him, but I'm really not in the mood to do that right now, but I have to keep my promise. So I, I finally start confronting him. Then he responds to me. Then we go back and forth. And then right as I'm starting to do this, I'm winning like every hand. And I'm like talking to him. Oh, hold on. I'm going to play this hand. Win. Okay. Keep talking. Hold on. I'm going to play this hand. Win. Just like over and over. Win, 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 win. In the meantime, I'm not even counting my chips. Like I have no idea how much I have, but I'm just going up, up, up. I just know I have a lot. And then before I realize it, I'm the chip leader. And then we go to be nice. Then we go, we go to break and I'm the chip leader and Howard comes up to me and he gives me his phone number saying that he wants to, uh, you know, he, he wants to show me some things off the record and, and, and help convince me that, that he really wasn't uh, involved in stealing the money, blah, blah, blah. And, and by that point, the, you know, the conversation had become more civil, though I was still openly skeptical, but it was more civil. It wasn't, you know, be attacking him anymore. So I'm all happy. I'm thinking, oh, sweet. Now I got Howard's number. You know, he's going to cooperate with me. You know, we'll, we'll do this later. In the meantime, I'm kicking ass in this event. Come back from break, sit down, and just start losing. I, I, th- I think that the mistake here was to, to you know, stop the conversation with Howard. When I was doing that, I was winning every hand. The second I stopped it, I was losing every hand. So that was that. And for the second freaking year in a row, I was the chip leader in midday one and didn't cash. So, that was a joke. I love how I was, I was the midday one chip leader of both the 3K and the 10K limit hold'em event this year, and did not cash in either. So, are you going to get a hold of letter or what? <laughs> I don't know. I'm still bitter about the World Series. I know you're wrapped up in that, but come on, the the people want it. Yeah, yeah. I should I should get a hold of him and uh, and talk to him about this. See if we can. Uh, I mean, worst case, he says no. Yeah. And, you know, whether whatever comes out of the story, whether it actually is, you know, um, useful stuff that kind of exonerates him or it's just complete bullshit, but it's still an interesting interview with a guy that uh, has kind of stopped doing them. I mean, I would be really curious to know. Go! I think you should do it. Yeah. I, it, I was that? I, it's just uh, an ad I don't want to run. Oh. Okay. I'm just speculating now, so I just don't, you know. So I don't know. I remember sometime in the afternoon. I don't even know when. I don't know. I don't know. But I don't know. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully the interview goes better than that. I hope so. so Howard, uh, I got a question for you. How come I could only win hands at that limit hold'em tournament when I was giving you a hard time? But I don't know. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Howard, why is it that at every limit hold'em tournament in recent years, I take a midday one chip lead and then don't cash? But I don't know. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But I don't know. Howard, why, why is it that you're supposedly innocent and it really bothers you that your reputation's taken such a hint? A hit, and yet you have never attempted to present evidence to the public to exonerate yourself. I don't know. I don't know. But I don't know. I don't know. 
Howard, should I conclude from this year's events that the good karma that one gets from attacking you verbally at the table will allow them poker success, and the second they stop, they will be punished by the poker gods with lack of success? Would you think that is a fair statement? I don't know. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, shit. What? Wow. I've got a dentist appointment tomorrow morning. <laughs> no, you know what? That's good. I'm going to tell you why it's good. I'm going to tell you why it's good. Uh, I have found that the more tired I am at the dentist, the easier it is to get through the appointment. Because uh, you're less kind of conscious of what's going on. I'm not saying you're, you're like out, but you're kind of a little groggy, a little out of it. And it's easier to relax while they're doing what they're doing. The, the worst times of the dentist that I feel like I, I really wish I wasn't there is when I'm like wide awake and very alert. If I come in kind of tired, it's a much better experience. Okay. Seriously, I, I actually, in fact, I actually did the same thing when I had an MRI 12 years ago. I was like, oh, this is gonna be awful being, you know, placed in that small area and, you know, stuck there for 25 minutes. So. Someone said to me, you know, like, uh, oh, you should get a good night of sleep before this. Uh, 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 uh. I'm going to get a bad night of sleep before this. So I went and slept like two hours and woke up exhausted and drove over. I don't know, man. If I'm really tired, you know, I get annoyed by things and someone's stuffing shit in my mouth. I mean, I don't know. Is this like for, for, is this appointment like just a checkup or something or is it uh, actual work that needs to be done? Um, I think it's just a checkup. No, oh, okay. You're saying if they but find something. I also something. think they called me today, and I never talked to them. So I wonder if they canceled it. Oh, yeah. I, I hate when they, I hate when they do the confirmation call and you don't get it, and then you wonder what's going on. Yeah, I'm gonna have to wake up tomorrow and call them and see. I once had a rude surprise at the dentist, which I blame on the World Series. I blame on making the main event deep in 2010. That was the year I finished 88th, and I made a habit of every day. I'd bring a big bottle of Gatorade, because I'm not going to pay six bucks for each one there. And I'd drink it throughout the day. In fact, I may have even brought, like, two. Then, like Antonio, you can pee in it, right? Yeah, well, I drank a ton of Gatorade that World World Series, especially during the main event. Then I went to the dentist a few months later, and I was informed of the bad news that I had seven cavities. Holy shit. And I said, what? How did that happen? And he said, have you been drinking Gatorade? And I said, how did you know that? He said, because Gatorade is five times worse for your teeth than drinking soda. So if I, if I drink 10 ounces of Gatorade, it's like drinking 50 ounces of soda as far as my teeth are concerned. I said, okay, well... I'm not going to drink Gatorade anymore. So now I, I barely drink any Gatorade, even though I really love the red and the orange Gatorade, which I think are by far the best, too. I, I barely drink it because I was so traumatized by the seven cavities. and It also traumatized my wallet. So that was the end of that. I'll, I'll drink it if, if I need it or if, uh, you know, once in a while sort of thing. But I was drinking it like every day and especially during that main event. 
I also get uh, cavities. I'm, I'm more prone to them than other people. There's a hereditary factor there, and unfortunately I inherited from my father, who's also prone to them. And I thought I wasn't. I didn't have a single cavity till I was 17. So I thought it was like cavity proof, and then the reality hit me in the face. Uh, disposition said, use a straw druff, no more cavities. What is he talking about, use a straw? I think he's trying to claim that it goes down your throat and doesn't hit your teeth. Oh, I no, see. No, I see. No, no way. Yeah, I, I don't believe that either. He he says he's prone as well to cavities, but I, I really am. It sucks. And uh, the fact that cavities don't hurt kind of sucks because that's the reason you end up getting root canals is because the cavities uh, get deep enough and then hit the nerve and then you're screwed. So the fact that you can... I mean, I guess it's nice that if one develops, it's not an urgent matter to get to the dentist to have it fixed. But I've also had it before where one's discovered, and then, like, I say, well, how big is it? Oh, it's pretty small. I go, okay. Like, I don't even feel like I need to do anything about it for a while, even though I know I have to eventually, and then I just end up laying a long time pass. And then at some point, I'm like, oh, crap, I better do something. <laughs> this is going to be a root canal. And uh, I've only had two root canals in my life, but uh, I don't want to have a third. They suck. Yeah, I had one with no Novocaine. I've only had one. Why no Novocaine? Tooth was so dead, it didn't matter. Oh. I, I hate that thing they put over your mouth, what they call the dental dam, that, that rubber thing they put over your mouth, and it, it makes it feel like you can't breathe. I despise that thing. I, I make them cut it. I don't think I've ever had one of those used. It's funny because... It started, I don't know, about 10, 15 years ago where they started using these, and they're not... Some dentists insist that they use them and say they have to, it's it's a safety thing, you know, it's dangerous if you don't. I said, well, what about the, all these years beforehand, all these people had root canals and they didn't use it? <laughs> how come not everybody died then? Like, how, how come it was fine? Like, it's a, so I, I think they're they're just exaggerating the need for them. But it's really obnoxious. They put this rubber thing over your entire mouth, and there's like a small hole in there. You're actually you're supposed to breathe through your nose the entire time. It's just like you're supposed to not be able to breathe through your mouth. And I say no. It just it, it to, to actually have your mouth covered with a rubber thing just really feels like you're being suffocated. So I said no. And it's funny in in both cases. I, I went to two different places to do the two different root canals they were many years apart but in both cases i told them to cut half of it and at first they looked at me like i was crazy and i said well why not you're only working on one tooth on the other side of my mouth and, you know why can't you cut the other side well i guess we can you know it's not it's not quite as good but yeah it's pretty close like, well, okay then do it uh, okay they, they were very reluctant in both cases to do it but i would just i just dug my heels and they said no i'm not gonna i'm not gonna sit here like this well for for an hour this way you can Cut the, the other side of it. So they, in both cases, they cut the other side, and it was fine. But they, I was surprised nobody else had asked for this because, like, reading online, a lot of people complained about these dental dams and said that they found it awful too. And I even saw suggestions ask the dentist to cut half of it, which was actually, I came up with that myself. But online, there's a lot of suggestions to have them do that too. But in all the cases, they, they were. Uh, 
treating me like I was crazy if they cut half of it. Yeah, disposition saying that uh, he had the same situation, and they said you have to have one, no excuses. So, and I think I have to make an excuse for what happened to Calwat because he disappeared. He sounded pretty awake, talking about going to the dentist, and then he just, just gone. Weird. Well, I, th- I think we're done. I think we're done anyway. It just kind of feels weird for Calwa to just disappear. He usually tells me when he's going. I feel so hurt. But he's just gone. Anyway, if you get a root canal and they make you have to tolerate that stupid dental dam, just tell them to cut half of it. They can do it, and it's it's really not of any danger to you. I'm not a dentist. I'm not an expert on this, but I can... It, they even reluctantly admitted to me that uh, while it's not quite as good as, as as having the whole thing that it's it's mainly accomplishing what it's supposed to even with half of it cut it was much more pleasant that way you know who I have to thank for helping me get through my last root canal which I think was about uh, three years ago maybe two years two or three years ago I think it was in December of uh, 14 maybe uh, it was, it's actually Toby Keith because they, they had music there that I had to choose from. Well, I didn't have to, but if I wanted to listen to music to help uh, distract me from the root canal, uh, this is the, the more recent one I had. I could pick from a number of preloaded iPods they brought for me. And I chose Toby Keith, and I was just uh, just listening to one Toby Keith song after another. But it actually worked. It actually worked. Disposition saying beer for my horse is very soothing. I was I was actually uh, I actually found uh, courtesy of the red, white, and blue more soothing. I think I heard beer for my horse. I, th- I think I heard I heard them all. It's like a, an hour root canal there. The first root canal I had, my tooth actually had an extra root, which apparently is very unusual. So it, it was a tooth that's supposed to have two roots and had three, so it took him 50% longer. And the dentist who did it was one who specialized in root canals. It wasn't a dentist I went to normally. He actually sent a thank you note to my general dentist saying that it was interesting that he'd never done one like that before. JSTAT says my dentist has internet on the TV while on the chair. What does that mean? You can browse the internet? That'd be cool. I can't imagine how that'd work, though. Like, wouldn't that be? Wouldn't the patient be too distracted? Or how would you browse it? Like, how would you manipulate the mouse or whatever without getting the dentist's way? I would love to have that. I'd love to have something distracting, like the internet, while I'm getting dental work done. <laughs> Jay Stat watched his own uh, gambling videos. Jay Stat does various videos at casinos, especially about Advantage Play, so he was watching his own uh, videos. Maybe I should listen to the call to listen line when I'm in the uh, dental chair. Of course, I don't know how to explain that. How would I explain to the dentist they heard, like, through, like, 
the headphones that they could hear what's coming out of them. How would I explain that my own voice is coming out of there? What are you listening to? Uh, me. What do you mean you? I'm, I'm listening to me talk. I'd seem, I, I would seem like a weirdo. Like, I, to be honest, when I'm walking around and I have the call to listen line on, like if somebody comes close by, I take it off speaker where they can't hear it. Because I, I, I would find it embarrassing to have people notice that I am listening to myself. And to be honest, the reason I listen to myself on the call to listen line is not vanity. It's because I actually find it interesting just to hear a random episode played. I go, oh, I remember this one. Or even in some cases where I don't remember it, and it's actually like a new episode to me, or a new old episode. Like I feel like I'm listening to something I haven't heard before when it was me who did it. That's what's most fascinating. Like, oh, I wonder how the story ends. Or oh, I wonder what uh, wonder what Dan Dreff's going to say the next here. I go, oh, wait a minute, that's me. I already said it. <laughs> but but like I can get lost in it and actually think I'm listening to something that I haven't heard before. Almost like from a different person that just happens to sound exactly like me. And act exactly like me. Benjamin finds it fascinating when I call up the call to listen line and he's there and I'm standing right in front of him. So there's a me on the phone and a me right in front of him. Okay. So next week, I promise you, I will tell you the further details of my appearance on the live streaming poker. Though I still don't know where Calwad went. Why, why did he just disappear? Like, why did he just hang up? We're almost done. He just hangs up. I don't get that. Usually I'll get like a message. Let me check my regular phone number here. Because usually he'll text me and say, gotta go, whatever. This time he just vanished in the middle of a word. And then he just didn't call back. No, nothing. Very odd. Maybe he just passed out. Or maybe he lost connection and just figured we're almost done, so screw it. I don't know. I don't know. At least he survived through most of the show, so I can't complain. Let me read some text messages before we shut this thing down. I feel so lonely here by myself. From the 646, here's a recent PayPal online gaming transaction, for example. And he's saying that uh, personal PayPal accounts can be used to fund the New Jersey gambling sites. I did not know that. He said, I use it quite regularly for CaesarsCasino.com and HarrisCasino.com for deposit bonuses. But you can only use personal PayPal accounts, no business or premier accounts. Hmm. Okay, so I guess they have. I, I guess they. I, so why can't I use them for WSOP.com in Nevada? Why only New Jersey? Weird. Here's some other texts from the five one two over under on how long it takes before you trash Galfond's poker. Well, I'm not going to trash them unless they suck. I'm not. 
I'll trash it if it's a crappy site, but I'm not looking for a reason to trash it. The 916, did you mention the Mount Charleston girl? Yes, I did. And the 323, shout out to Fmink. Yes, Fmink, the original scammer on Neverwin Poker. Befriended everyone and then scammed them for over five figures. From the 505, recently I've been using PayPal in Nevada for for World Series of Poker ACH. That's even weirder. How, how are you making ACH transactions through your PayPal account? I've never even heard of that. Um, Scott from the East Coast saying, may I call in and thank Team MLK for his picks? I, I guess he was trying to call, but basically today what I've been doing is whenever people have been on and someone else has been calling, I didn't take the call. I just didn't feel like having like, the three-way action today. DJ Chaps texting when Team MLK was on there, oh my god, snap this troll off clean. Team MLK is not god. From the 480... Someone from uh, Arizona, I think it's FTP Jesus, said uh, Dodgers get swept again by the Diamondbacks. Final score 3-1, to 13th straight win for Arizona. Do- Dodgers lead down to 10.5 games. Okay, I guess I have to talk about this now. People were hassling me in the radio thread to talk about this. I, I'm very surprised as to what's happened with the Dodgers. They were flying high. They were on pace to either tie or beat the all-time win record in baseball. And since then, the wheels have fallen off. They've lost 11 out of 12. And most notably, they are 0-11 in the last 11 games that they have played where Clayton Kershaw did not start. The only win was a 1-0 win behind Clayton Kershaw against San Diego. But they have been swept two series by the Diamondbacks of three series of three games each. They lost two of three to the Milwaukee Brewers, including the final two. And they also lost three of four to San Diego. So 11 straight games now where Kershaw has not started that the Dodgers have lost. And he only started one in that span because he was hurt. So this is a big problem and they're really having trouble scoring runs and they've been making a lot of boneheaded mistakes. And they've been the opposite of clutch. Whereas before the Dodgers, they'd come back from everything. Down 4 nothing to start, no problem, they'd win. Down 3 nothing in the first inning, no problem, they'd win. Down three runs in the seventh or eighth, no problem, they'd win. So somehow they always found a way to win. Go into extra innings, no problem, they always win. Now, a lot of that was luck. A lot of that was luck in that... Uh, Things just happen to fall the right way. Much like when you're running well in poker, even if you're also playing well, uh, that's when you're just laying the bad beats on everybody. Even if way behind, you'd somehow catch up. That's, that's, that's what the Dodgers were doing. They were playing well, but also running well. Now they're playing poorly and running poorly. And it's like a different team. They had won 52 out of 62 games. Can you imagine? They were 52 and 10. In 62 games. That's insane. 52 and 10 in 62 games in in baseball. In basketball, sure, a super dominant team can do that. In baseball, you're not going to see a team winning 52 out of 62 games. That just doesn't happen in Major League Baseball. But since then, they are 1 and 11. 
And on the flip side, the Diamondbacks, who were uh, 21 and a half games behind the Dodgers, but still in second place. The Dodgers were so far ahead, they were 21 and a half up on a Diamondbacks team that was in second place and was going to make the wild card anyway. It's not like they were a bad team. They have now won 13 straight, which they've never done before, six of which were against the Dodgers. They're super hot. And they're now back only 10 and a half games. Now, the question, could the Dodgers possibly blow a late season 21 and a half game lead over the Diamondbacks? Is it possible they won't win the West? I don't think so. Because there are are about uh, three and a half weeks left in the season. And the Dodgers won't continue being this bad. And the Diamondbacks won't continue being this good. And to make up ten and a half games in this amount of time, it's just, uh, I, I don't see it happening. But there is the momentum effect. And the Diamondbacks will now certainly make the wild card at the very least. There's no way they're going to fall behind on that. So they're going to be a wild card team. They'll probably be the home wild card team. So provided they win that one game wild card playoff and provided the Dodgers still finish with the best record in the National League, which I think they will, especially because Washington is kind of banged up, then the Dodgers and Diamondbacks will face themselves in the National League Division Series, the NLDS. And that's not a good spot for the Dodgers to be, given that the Diamondbacks just killed them all six games they played in in the recent uh, week. So I have to admit, I'm a little bit concerned not just for the Dodgers themselves, just constantly losing now, but also to have to face the Diamondbacks in the NLDS very possibly. So the Dodgers really need to snap out of this funk. I think part of the problem has come from the usage of minor leaguers. Now, that was not the entire problem because the September 1st roster expansion just happened uh, six days ago. This is the seventh day of that, or it's the sixth day of that. Just turned the seventh right now. So that's only six of the games. But when you're already losing, when your team's already struggling, the last thing you want to do is then put together teams that are partially minor league teams. And I think the Dodgers at first took the attitude of like, okay, fine, we're not going to make the record anymore, so might as well give some of these uh, minor leaguers a chance and rest our regulars for the postseason. But you, the, the wrong time to do that is when your team's really struggling. You don't want to lose confidence. When, you, when you've when you been feeling like you can just beat everybody all season, you want to go into the playoffs feeling that. You, you don't want to go into the playoffs feeling like you're struggling. And if you play inexperienced minor leaguers then the chance of that losing streak continuing is higher, and that is what happened. Uh, but some other problems have been this, the bats all kind of fell asleep at once. And the bullpen hasn't been as bulletproof as it was. For, for a long time, the starters were just kind of mediocre, and then the bullpen would just shut down the opposing team for the last four innings, and Dodgers would come back and win. So that bullpen hasn't been as good as it was. And uh, the, st- the starting pitching, unfortunately, as, other than Kershaw, just hasn't been that good this year. 
that's been misleading too. I should say other than Kershaw and Alex Wood, but Alex Wood is, is no longer himself anymore. He's back to the old Alex Wood, who's inconsistent. So the Dodgers don't even have a number two starter right now. Yu Darvish has been kind of a failure so far. He's super inconsistent. He strikes out a lot of people, but he gives up a lot of uh, a lot of hits, a lot of runs, a lot of walks. So, yeah, I could easily see this team shitting the bed again this year in the playoffs, as much as I hate to admit it. Right now, the hottest team is the Diamondbacks. But there's still time to change, and keep in mind the 2014 World Series champion San Francisco Giants were a team that only won 88 games. The Dodgers already have won 92, so they only won 88 all season. And they had a losing September, and they still won the World Series. So sometimes you can shake off what happened in September. But the difference is the Giants that year were never good. They just kind of limped into a wild card spot. To have such a collapse where the Dodgers are one of the best teams ever through late August and then completely fall apart, that's harder to come back from emotionally. From the 707, I believe this is the Northern California guy, said... uh, Hoping for better luck this week because last week's zit and shit segment did indeed sync up perfectly with my dinner being ready. Big shout out to Trader Ruski for stepping up last week. From the 732. Um, that's a personal text, never mind. Um, This is uh, from Larry Laffer, who's been kind of absent from the forums, but has been lurking and is unhappy that uh, there's that thread that was calling out Michael for a six-year-old story of supposedly scamming some of his friends for a small amount of money. Uh, He said, you've got to have standards if you're going to just call people out. Six years old and anecdotal evidence doesn't warrant the title to not have the identifier of the allegedly. You could have at least shown Michael that... That much diligence. He paid Brandon back. He was very good about steak in Vegas. Uh, look, when people who were longtime friends of Michael's called him out out there and said that uh, he took money for a steak and they didn't really say what happened to the money, even though it was a very small amount of money, like $250, you know, I, 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 I tend to believe the story. Basically, the accusations against Michael, I, I believe the stories, but I don't think he's a chronic scammer. I think he probably just uh, did something kind of questionable six years ago to some of his friends for a few hundred bucks when he was really desperate. And uh, yeah, I, I, I don't think it's a, a gigantic deal, and, and those involved aren't even looking to pursue it or anything. And in fact, they continue talking to him anyway. So it's kind of a non-issue, especially since it happened six years ago, and we're not seeing evidence that he's done it again. And it was a small amount of money. But, you know, I, I, the story seems believable. Uh, let's see here. From the 919 area code, I make money folding Queen 10 offsuit. I don't know what that's in reference to, but he texted that... Uh, before radio started, actually. 505, Eric explaining, 
the usage of PayPal for ACH transactions with WSOP.com. He said, my PayPal backup payment is my is my bank account number. WSOP has me log in through my PayPal and credits me the funds immediately, but doesn't debit me until the next day. Okay. It's not the same as paying directly through PayPal, though. He also said, even if America's card group finds out who's doing the DDoS attacks, what could they possibly do? Call the cops? That's a good point. What are they going to do? <laughs> yeah, we run an illegal poker room. Um, someone's DDoSing us. In fact, someone could make the argument that they're DDoSing it because it's illegal. And I'm not encouraging that. I don't, I'm not saying you should. I don't support harassing online poker sites just because they're typically, you know, technically not legal. But someone could make the legal argument that they're doing this because they think illegal online gambling sites hurt America and they're trying to prevent people from using them or preventing them from operating. Much like bombing Indian scammers with repeated phone calls or prank calls or just flooding them with phone calls so they can't take incoming calls is not illegal. You couldn't get in trouble for that because you're essentially trying to thwart a scam. First of all, not only would the Indian scammers not report you to the cops, but you would have a very good answer as to why you did what you did. So... He brings up a good point that America's card room really couldn't do anything to anyone who was caught DDoSing. The only thing they could really do is if they could caught, catch the person behind it and link them to a competitor, then they can make the competitor look bad. But how do you link that? Like, let's say, uh, I'm not saying they did, but let's just say, hypothetically, Bovada hired some Russian hackers to DDoS America's card room. Okay, well, the Russian hackers, even if they're caught, they're not going to say, oh, Bovada hired us. They're not going to say that. They're not going to say anything. I don't think Bovada is doing that, by the way. I'm just saying if they were, you you wouldn't be able to find out. But I think it's just posturing. They're not really trying to determine who's doing it. What they should be determining is how to stop it, which shouldn't be that hard. All right. Well, that's it. Next week, I will give you guys... The details on the Limit Hold'em I will be playing on live streaming internet should be fun. Hopefully I win. Hopefully I don't make any stupid plays if I don't win. Hopefully I won't make stupid plays if I do win. As much as I want to win, if I win by being a donkey and embarrass myself, that won't be very satisfying either. Nor will it be satisfying if I play great and lose. I'm hoping that I, I I play well, look good on the stream. That is, my poker play looks good. I don't care about physically looking good. That'd be nice, too, though. No, not really. I, I'll, I'll just eat a lot. I don't care. But I, I want to look good as far as my poker play. And win. That's what I want. Okay, by the way, I, I'm just going to pay that stupid ticket in Alberta. Today's the deadline. I think when the show's over, I'm going to go whip out my credit card and pay the 253 Canadian dollars. I, I don't really have a choice if I ever want to go back to Canada. 
sucks big time. It's a freaking waste of money. It's assholes. I, I spent all this money in Banff, and they, they have to hit me with a speed trap. Like, what is this crap? I understand if they're really enforcing it to prevent dangerous driving, but to set up speed traps where it's not unsafe to drive above the speed limit and just because it's down a hill on a street that had no intersections before that and you actually have to ride the brakes not to speed to have a speed trap there where you pull over multiple cars at once is just a freaking joke but what can I do it sucks that I want to back, go back to Canada. <laughs> Otherwise, I would say screw it. If I if I was never planning to go back to Canada, I seriously would not pay it. Because I don't think they can touch my license here. But I don't want to be restricted from entering Canada. So I will pay it. It's actually due today. Alrighty. I hope you guys enjoyed the show. Thank you, Cal Watt. Thank you, Trader Ruski for being co-host tonight, even though both of you unceremoniously disappeared on me. That's okay. I still appreciate your co-hosting with me because you guys have no obligation to do so. And do so because you want to help out. And I actually really do appreciate that. And that's it. We'll be back next week on September 13th. 2017 at the normal time have a normal free roll and everything else I'm sure we'll have more crazy and wacky and interesting stuff to talk about in the world of poker gambling and beyond that is all for tonight I will talk to you guys next week Shalom